Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Colin. This is episode 64. Should Elon resign from Twitter given the recent poll results? Should Elon Musk resign as CEO of Twitter? Who would you like to see as CEO? And how would you feel about Twitter becoming a worker co-op or a public utility instead? I'm not sure if that would actually happen. Uh, given the powers that be, but I think it is worth a discussion. So let's go ahead and bring people in here. And like I said, feel free to talk about um, anything else that we discussed tonight as well. Zach, you are first in line. Hello, and how are you? Hey, Savvy, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. <clears throat> I'm doing great, Zach. I'm I'm just trying to figure out these last uh, Christmas gifts. I got to get people. Don't have that much time left. <laughs> yeah, um, Christmas. I I stopped giving gifts, and I like uh, I'm more about experiences now. Even though I'm not really wealthy, <clears throat> I'll I'll take people out for lunch or um, take them to a movie and spend some time with them. I think that is. Quality time is, is where my mind's at instead of gifts that might unfortunately be left in the, you know, junk heap um, at the end of their lifetime. Oh, my so, God, Zach, that's so smart. Um, pertaining to the topic of tonight's call-in, I, I wanted to say that um, I'm basically, you know, I, I'm... I'm a socialist. I consider myself communist. Um, so my point of view is that everything should be um, more worker, you know, workers owning the means. And um, I actually had this thought before getting on the mic that I think as people who have those points of view that are on the left or want um, – worker co-ops i think um that we should consider because i personally don't know what other types of um structures of ownership there are i'm really interested i'm actually um excuse me gonna look that up when i when i get off the call because um i i think um for democracy's sake um i i think it's uh in my point of view, it's it's a balance issue. Like, okay, so people talk about how America is not a democracy; we're a republic, but we're supposed to be both. You know, we rep we represent or we elect representatives, and they um, they do our so called bidding. You know, and that's not kind of actually how it works. It should be where we don't have to take a vote on every single issue. Now, don't get me wrong, I think most issues should be voted on by the people, and that whole system needs to be overhauled. But um, I think having representatives uh, is actually very helpful, because I, uh, personally, in my point of view, I don't want to be every Friday, you know, voting on um, a new tax proposal in my city, or the government sending me a new ballot for whatever issue is coming down the pipe. Um, I just had that thought. Um, so uh, 
what we as a society need to figure out is um, where where we want that line to be between uh, representative democracy and 100%, you know, a democratic where we uh, vote on every issue. I think that's a good question to bring up. I know some people probably uh, may not have the time for that and the capacity for that, like to be honest. Um, so the, you bring up a really good point. And another thing that I, I wanted to mention as well, something I think that Elon did do pretty well, sometimes he did after the fact, was he would poll us and ask us like, do you think I should bring this person back to Twitter? Do you guys think, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? But then it got to the point where he would just start making rules and announce the rules and then he would get a lot of flack for it. And then he would say, oh, uh, let me do a poll instead. And like he changed his mind, you know, depending on what day of the week it is. So you never knew what you were getting with him sometimes. And another thing I will say that I thought that he did that was pretty good was that he would at least go into these Twitter spaces and have these conversations with people. I don't remember Jack Dorsey ever doing that, just to put that out there. Like, I'm thinking back on it, and I'm like, did Jack ever do that? I don't remember him doing that. Uh, he seemed to be uh, far removed, right? So I think yeah. that for me, I would rather it to be like a public utility. I would rather oh, it be, sure. you know, a co-op, because like I said, like, we're not getting any benefit from this other than the fact that it gives us the opportunity to connect with people that we may otherwise like not know or ever meet in our life because we don't even live in the same state, uh, so to speak. But at the same time, without us, this platform does not exist. And I think that we are limiting ourselves when we just say that, okay, Elon should step down and let's think about who could replace him. It's just, we're putting ourselves right back into the same situation where who's to say the next person is going to be better? Uh, who's to say the next person is going to be, you know, right for this? Who's to say that Elon is even right for this? The point that I'm trying to make is that when you have one person in charge, that person can leave any time. They can step down and then we're just left with a big mess. And the fact that Elon is asking this question so early on, he hasn't even been doing this for six months yet. He's already asking this question so early on. It's like, it makes me wonder, like, was he really the right person for this job? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so he was not, uh, so he was kind of hoodwinked into buying it. It was his own fault um, because he said he was going to buy it and, um, you know, his, his memification of the whole thing. Um, and it would have cost him, you know, those tens of billions, whether he did or didn't do it. So um, that's interesting that he, he, he might not have been the best um, person to own it. Um, that gets me to thinking, uh, I, I need to research how public utilities are governed because are do they have CEOs? Is it kind of like a private um, uh, institution structure where you have the institution structure the, where you have the, the executive board and, and then it's just governed by laws or whatever? I, I'm, I think that's another interesting thing. Um, 
we need to look up? I, I could kind of answer that. Zach. Go ahead, Rod. All right. It's 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 owned and operated by the government. Um, so pretty much like what the internet used to be. So the thing is, in on one instance, you might be like, hey, isn't the government like spying on us through that or whatever the case is? At least if they owned and operated it, then they would have to at least get a court order. I'm not that, saying that's going to stop. Go ahead. Sorry. That's what I appreciate. That is why I'm 100%, I think, on the side of these social media companies because they they go along with our our rights, you know, um, public square and what they are. Social media, they they have to do with our freedom of speech and our expression. So I, I agree 100%. Like my personal belief, and this is just me, um, I think anything that is essential, anything that is... Um, Anything that's a necessity for you to live, for you to operate in society, I think should be uh, nationalized, stationalized, municipalized. I'm talking things. I'm yeah. I'm talking about things like power. Uh, I'm talking. I'm talking about things like um, the internet. Um, things like um, healthcare, um, drug manufacturing, uh, pharmaceutical. Um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, like, Hey, it's going to be perfect or whatever, but they have to abide. I mean, I know the government doesn't really abide by the constitution on their own. We got to like make them, but I just feel that at least we have a, like a fighting chance. Now, things that are not really necessities, but like, you know, I don't know, things that you want or things you kind of need or whatever the case is, I think co-op should do that. So I wouldn't want the government making hats, <laughs> you know what I mean, or shower curtains, or, or you, you know what it I mean. Would be a very generic yeah. hat or shower curtain, by the way. Well, I think that's a little you know, biased because of what we've seen with like the USSR, with, with those structures. Um, the, uh, when it's government controlled, uh, this just uh, my point of view. Um, the government says what can go on a hat, what it can look like. If we are the government, maybe this goes along with the co-ops thing, but um, we can say if we want it to have a little bell on it or um, if, if the hat is going to be red or blue. So I think uh, that part of the conversation is sometimes left out. It's like um, I, I've seen on YouTube that, uh, you know, documentaries, the government maybe still operates this way. I, I don't know. I have to look that up too. Um, but they would send people who are very poor boxes of food or in the store with your food stamps. Um, they, there are government cereals and the blocks of government cheese. I think that is a, a lapse in the citizenry forcing uh, the government to live by a standard that we find acceptable. Oh, okay. I don't um, think too many people uh, I know that have received government cheese actually like government cheese too. No, exactly. So, like, um, the government cheese should be an acceptable like the lobster is only a food for the rich because you know it's it the 
the yeah, price I, point is set by the the capitalists and whatever. So if it's democratized and like government owned, like the food and stuff, um, then we as a society can um, choose what what how we want those individual products to look like. Yeah, I, I, I was just trying to like keep it simple. You, you for real? You okay. almost over my head with that. But but also Zach. Next month, bro. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that ballot initiative for Colorado, man. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> I want. I've been wanting to talk to you. This is the last thing I'll say. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, the last few savvy shows. There have been a lot of people and really good conversations. We we run a, a long show here. Um, yeah, what what we talked about the the bi for Colorado. I've actually uh, gotten in contact with a few people and. Uh, the healthcare thing. I'm, I'm starting to get involved. So I, I wanted to say, hey Roger, uh, what you told me is really helping, and uh, hopefully soon we will uh, have some stuff worked out where uh, Colorado can uh, help its its people with health healthcare and other ballot initiatives. Yeah, because I was on the thing yesterday with Andrew Stackhouse and um, Terrence uh, Cudney, and there was a lady from California, and she didn't. She's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do ballot initiatives for CalCare," but she didn't know there was a difference between state pushing it as a state law and as an amendment. And I always tell them, if you have the ability to push it as an amendment, then do it, because yes. if you push it as a law, your government is just going to overturn it. They're going to weaken it. They're going to repeal it. Um, but, you know, but Colorado, you guys can use that process to actually um, ratify it as an amendment. So what I'm saying yeah. is go that route. Yes, that's right. That's right. And I think we need to ask ourselves, you know, when we're talking about like someone like Elon Musk. I mean, this is someone that has been known to just take on projects and it seems like he doesn't really fully think it through before he decides to take on a new task. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, Elon, fix the Tesla first, man. <laughs> fix the Tesla first before you move on to all these other projects. I just, I don't know. I mean, how is Ready SpaceX yet? going? Like, what is I was going to say that. No, no, my bad. I was, Starlink. That's what I was going to say. Is, is, yeah, isn't he doing Starlink? Yeah. Starlink. Starlink. I mean, it's just every time I turn around, it's like he's getting involved with another new project. And sometimes it's just best to just try to perfect what you have first before you move on to something else and you mess that up. And I felt like he jumped on this Twitter opportunity because it's another thing for him to put you know, another notch on his belt, basically, to say, yay, I did this too. And I don't think he realized exactly what he was getting himself into. I think he thought, when I listened to him on that Twitter space, because I was in that that first space, and he was talking about, like, he decided this was a good option for him because he knows how to code. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people know how to code. Should they all run Twitter? <laughs> it's just like, it's a, it's a major 
platform. It's a huge platform. There's been a lot of censorship that has happened. There's a lot of suppression. Now you have this Twitter files. And I'm just like, you just knowing how to, my friend Mark knows how to code. He's a software engineer. I don't think he would be good at taking over Twitter. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, Savvy, I'm going to, there's a long line. So thank you for letting me call in, uh, Roger. Um, I, I, we will talk again about uh, some Colorado ballot initiatives in the future. Oh, I, I, I got, I already got a billion suggestions. Right on. Peace, guys. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for calling in, Zach. Let's go ahead and bring in Brent. Brent, you are on the mic. What's up? Hi, Sabi. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Um, I just want to ask, uh, have you ever been to England? I have not. Okay, that explains it. Okay, so if you ever if you ever been there, um, you wouldn't be so shocked by what's going on. Um, so um, I've gone there three times, twice for Wimbledon, and the culture there is so different. Um, it's it's unlike anything. It's not like the U.S. Uh, where there's freedom. People are. They're more about manner, having good manners, and um, I can give you one example. So I was taking a flight out of Heathrow, the the major airport in London. I showed up an hour before my flight. I get to security, and um, my gate is like literally right across security. And I had about thirty, like twenty minutes to spare, and I and I knew that if I got through security, I'd have plenty of time to get through my. Uh, my flight, they wouldn't let me on because they have a rule where you have to show up by a certain amount of time. And they told me that they want people waiting in the, in the terminal, in the, like the gate neatly lined up. They don't like people rushing. And they told me that, um, too bad. And, um, if I was early, if I showed up early, like everyone else, I would have made my flight. So they were kind of a bitch there. And then um, they don't another, wait. They don't like people rushing, huh? Right. Well, I and definitely couldn't live there then because. Right. <laughs> no, like they had, I found this rule in the airport, like the people in the UK, they, they can get from there's, there's signs everywhere. And there's also signs saying that if you talk to someone in a rude manner or something like in, in a, then they interpret that as abuse. Oh my God. How would they feel about pe- you know, they can, listen, they cannot come to Boston, okay? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the way that. <laughs> no, I, this is, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, um, I was talking to late, I was confront. I missed my phone, and, and they're like, talk to me nicely, or like, uh, or whatever. I'm like, are you, you gotta be kidding me. Like, it's really insane. And then um, I can't think of another example. Oh, I, there's a Costco in UK. Um, I didn't like the comfort. It was unco- something was uncomfortable. I think it was a, a like pants or whatever. I returned it, and and the people were like, "You can't return this." I'm like, "Well, this is a Costco," and and, and she was like, "No, you used it, and it's not it's not it's not right or whatever to return stuff that you used." She was like, "Give me a lecture on uh, um, uh, a lecture on etiquette and manners," and and I told this lady, "You look up my account. You look up my purchase history." And if you don't accept this return, I'm canceling my account. 
and they got they got the manager over, and then and then she comes back and says, "Okay, we'll take your return." It's they're all about manners, and like at Wimbledon, um, you have to li- they give you like a cue cards to line up. In uh, whenever you line up for to get tickets, they give you cue cards, uh, numbered cards, and they monitor. They have security guards monitoring lines, so they 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 um, they keep track of who's in line, who isn't. These are just a couple of examples um, as to why you shouldn't be so surprised when um, there's such strict rules in the the royal family. And um, speaking of the royal family, um, the reason why it's there is because of tourism. Tower of London, um, the the tea shop, uh, there's like a tea store or whatever. Like they. They sell a lot of tea because of the royal family. So they they function. They serve as a um, tourism sec. They bring in tourism like money f- from tourism. So any invest. I, uh, I could go yeah. to London and I can go see the London Eye. Like there's so many other things I think I could see in London. Like I don't have to go see the the monarchy like for me but i get what you're saying like i guess it does bring in a lot in reference to tourism but i'm just thinking about all these decades they've been well centuries they've been living off of the taxpayers dime and like it's interesting to me because here in the united states that's frowned upon by a lot of people if you're living off of taxpayer money but yeah, those same people will go to the UK and want to go visit like the monarchy, like like you said, they'll want to go visit Buckingham Palace and they'll take pictures and everything. And I'm like, you know, that family's living off of taxpayer money, right? It's like they're not giving. I'm, I'm like, what are they doing to give back into uh, society? And for people who are not aware, uh, Prince Charles and this was something I found out recently. I, I can't call him Prince no more. King Charles, when he was Prince Charles, did you guys know that? He was actually the first one that wanted to bring about change in the monarchy. And every time he brought something up, the queen shot it down. Like he wanted to make it more modern and to make it more hip. One of the things that he did get get through was he was the one that brought up the idea to go out into the community and help the underprivileged youth. So he still has that foundation where they donate money to help like those kids like get out of those situations and like get into like good schools and stuff like that, which I never knew that like about him. But originally before it was um, Diana, before he married Diana, he was pressing for this and even more after, but before Harry uh, came up with these ideas, uh, it was actually King Charles who said, we need to change the monarchy. It's too stale. It's too rigid. You got to get hip with the times. And I don't right. think a lot of people know that. Right. I mean, because the, the culture there is so rigid, like um, just speaking from personal experience, that they're all about manners, etiquette. And um, they, they taught like if you stray away from that, you're frowned upon. And that's just that's just my personal just going there for a, a couple of times before, like the the culture there is so rigid and all about manners and etiquette. So it doesn't surprise me when the queen wants to maintain that um, tradition because I believe there's a fear that if they stray too much, they lose their their significance in in uh, society, and they oh, they'll yeah. they'll become irrelevant. 
I'm trying to think about what the college experience would be like for someone going to college, like in the UK, like someone that went to like Oxford or something like that. And I'm, I'm guessing I'm like, I don't know. I guess they're not like dropping it like it's hot at like frat parties. I guess there's no wet t-shirt contest. And I'm sitting here wondering at all the people that I know that have, um, moved here from the UK to the United States. And now I'm wondering, like, I'm looking back on it. They must've been like, damn, these Americans are crazy. Right, right. Like the just standing in line with people, like even the like I would talk about, oh, I want a good seat at Wimbledon, blah, 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 blah. And then this this guy, this British guy comes up to me and says, you should be happy uh, where you stand. It's 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 it's, it's uh, it doesn't matter where you I'm like, excuse me. I flew her all the way from the U.S. to watch Wimbledon and I don't need you to lecture me about manners, about where I sit. I'm going to sit wherever I want. Don't give me lex- like, it's really ins- it's really a, a, a culture shock. Like, especially if you're from, I'm from California, so I'm not as a, like loud. Like, I've seen a couple of New Yorkers and, and people from Boston in the UK, and <laughs> like it's it's just like it's just like night and day. It's like night and day. Like, like seeing them talk, like because they're they're there's there's see they're there to see the tournament. Like you hear them talk, it's like oh my god, like they're not from here. And then you hear the British people. They're all about manners and stuff. And like, I had to cancel a reservation. They give me a lecture about like, um, keeping my, uh, about honoring my commit, like my reservation. I'm like, lady life happens. This is, uh, you, you, you can't be serious. It's just unbelievable. Do they have strip clubs in, in, uh, London that you know of? Not, not, uh, not that I'm aware of. No. Um, there's none of that there. Um, Let's no, I mean, see, guys, a- this is my my test. This is my can I ever live there test for any <laughs> type of city. I'm serious because, like, I lived in the south and I lived in like the, the Bible Belt part of the south as well. I also lived in um, other cities in the south that are a little bit more, uh, I guess, you know, modernized and a little bit more with the times. But what I've learned is like when you move to a city, I think you need to have certain tests. And one of the tests that I have is. Do they have a strip club? Are they allowed to have strip clubs? And it doesn't mean I have to go to the strip club. But if they don't have a strip club or there's a law against having some type of strip club, that right there let me know, uh, might be wrapped a little bit too tight for me. It may not be a space for me to live. Right, right. And, and oh, there's an uh, echo. But Amsterdam and I think Paris, they have a lot of those, a lot of strip clubs over there. Um, and But... So people from the UK probably have to travel across the pond or whatever to go to those. And and I have another question. Um, you were talking about Megan and how she was thrown into the wolves in terms of the royal family. I think she knew what she was getting herself into. And I think she's just another opportunist. I mean, this might not be a popular opinion, but I think she's an opportunist. And kind of like AOC, she wants to be go to the nice parties and be with the rich people and mingle with them. I think that's what she was about because the fact that she would complain about the wolves, I mean, you just do a quick Google search and you you could find out how racist the world family is and how mm-hmm. and how strict about manners. Like you just have to live there for a month to know how strict. The England in particular is about manners and for her to be act so shocked 
that she has to follow certain protocols. That's just ridiculous. She just got. It's interesting though, because Diana had that same issue and so did Kate. And so that's why to me, it's like, I'm just kind of looking at the men, like, why did you not prepare them from this? And Diana is grew up in the UK And, and same with Kate. So it's like, you know, to not know that you're supposed to kneel a certain way when you see the queen, to not know about like the certain type of etiquette that you're supposed to have uh, as a member of the royal family, you know, I feel like why didn't the men, and this goes to Charles, this goes to Harry, and this goes to William, why didn't you guys tell them and prepare them for this? Because I've heard it from all of them, all of them that they they were not prepared for this level of obedience i guess so to speak yeah i mean but megan she had the i mean princess diana was very well known here in the states and she should have done her homework her research because i don't feel sorry for her because i i what she's saying is probably true but she should know that there's very strict protocols when it comes to the royal family and especially when princess she has prince diana as an example as and Princess Diana lived there, and for her, mm-hmm. and she faced a lot of the same problems Megan is facing. But so she should have known. I feel Megan should have known what was going to happen, and so she shouldn't act surprised when the royal family um, questions the baby's skin color. I mean, that's totally inappropriate. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, why is this a shock to you? The royal family has a history of racism. Why are you acting like? Why are you crying on Oprah about this? Like. It was like she really did not do her research. And also Harry knew about it too. He knew about the racism in the family. Guys, they had Nazis in their family. In fact, Edward, he was the one that was, um, he was the one that was exiled. If I remember correctly, going back in the day. Now I told you guys, I know a lot about this shit. Edward was the one that was exiled because he wanted to marry a woman that was divorced. So divorce was like a big thing back then. It was like a no-no. You don't marry someone. He didn't want to leave the woman. So the choice was leave her or you're you're banished from here. So Edward chose to stay with her. And Edward went to live in France, if I remember correctly. So he had like his own like estate there. But Edward was a part of the Nazi party, you guys. Like this is some of the bar- the buried like history of the royal family. They had Nazis in their family. You know, they had there were two sisters, two siblings. This goes back to the Margaret and Kate, uh, Margaret and Elizabeth days. There were two siblings that they actually had. They didn't tell anyone in the family about. They were sent to like a a mental institution. They were not mentally ill, but they did have learning disability. Instead of telling the family, hey, you got these two sisters, by the way, you know, they're learning disabled. It was a total secret. And it was Margaret was the one who found out about them and went to visit them. It was like, holy hell, what the hell is wrong with my family? Like, how could they keep this secret from us all these years? That family's got some history. It's got some skeletons in that closet. I'm telling you guys. But no, you're right. Megan should have done some type of research about the world. I was kind of surprised. Like, I don't know if you guys in the chat have seen the documentary on Netflix, but some of the things that she said, I was kind of like, you didn't do any research. You didn't look up any of this. I think she did. 
but I think she just wanted the the she wanted to be the title of the being princess. She wanted the money. She wanted the fame. She wanted all of that. And she thought she could smile and fake her way through, and and then um, cry to the press so they could uh, pressure them to not uh, put her through all those protocols. I think she knew that. I think she did her homework, and she chose. She was very calculating, but I think that um, she just married for the benefits, and now she's complaining. Now she's crying about um, the negatives of being part of the royal family. And, and I say to that, that's too bad because I, I honestly, I don't have sympathy because she should have known, like, you don't marry into a family like that without doing your research. And I, I, I do believe she, just like AOC, like calculating, just wants to go to wear the nice dresses at the nice parties. And that, that might sound sexist to some people, but mm. these, uh, you know, uh, it, I'm sorry, but that's, that's the impression I get. So if people think it's sexist to call um, people like Megan out for being calculating to basically I, I view her as a social climber because how could you not know the negatives of the Royal family? It just, it doesn't make sense to me. So the only conclusion I can come up with is she, she did her research, but she wanted the title and the benefits. So Maybe, that's just my um maybe both can be true like um she she might have thought she knew where it's just like oh i know it's gonna be bad but i didn't know it's gonna be like this you know like in other words um sabrina she could have got there and said what the hell is this <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and um the what, what, what was what was the, the, the oh yeah yeah if, if anyone quick. listening is in is from the uk let me know in the chat because i'm curious about all this right. go ahead roger sorry you were talking about researching places to to live right and um once i started getting educated politically that's how i started looking at where else if i was to go to another state but another thing that came up as to what is also a decider is wildlife. Like oh. Florida, they got alligators coming up on their uh, property or whatever the case is. And, you know, like, <laughs> I heard people getting attacked by mountain lions and they got scorpions and rattlesnakes and, and was it Nevada, New Mexico and, and bears, in New Jersey, whatever the case is. So, I just want to pretty much throw that in there also. You got to take a look at the, the wildlife, if they're comfortable coming into human space or whatever. Then again, we came into their space. So that yeah, was it. Good point. There you have it, folks. My litmus test for whether or not I will move to a city is do they have a strip club? And Roger Meadows' litmus test is wildlife. <laughs> go ahead, Brent. Sorry. So, um, yeah, um, L.A. has a lot of strip clubs. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, but I, I'm, I'm assuming that's not your only uh, test, right? See, I can't live in L.A. Like, I would love to. I would visit L.A., right? Just like I would visit right. Vegas. But I don't think right. I could live there because you guys don't have seasons, man. <laughs> I, I got to have my fall, my winter, my spring and my summer. I have to see right. the leaves change color on the right. trees. Right. Doing on Christmas. <laughs> all right well hopefully someone from the uk will give a perspective they, it might be a little bit different from mine but it's, it's just kind of it's a culture like if you ever go to uh 
England, it's it's a shock. Um, you might not notice it right away because London is a very international city. But mm-hmm. once you start interacting with like the wait step, like a, go to a, a fancy London restaurant or you go to, I don't know, like a, a Costco, you'll, you'll like some of the, the same place that are in the U.S. If you go to those places in London, you'll notice a, a huge difference. You'll, you'll, you're in it for a shock. And if you start complaining, they'll, they'll, they'll threaten you. They'll say, you're, stop being abusive, you know? So. One of yeah. the things that Megan mentioned in the documentary is that she didn't realize how inappropriate it was to just walk up to people and give them hugs. And she said right. she you- thought that was just something that was for the cameras. And then once they were in private spaces, that that was okay. And she no. realized like, no, that wasn't okay. You have to, you have to introduce yourself, you know, like even in, I mean, not everybody in the UK is like that, but if you like certain people with manners, if, if you were to do that, they 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 get nervous because you you weren't polite you didn't have you didn't say hi or you didn't yeah it's just a it's just a different um environment over there so <laughs> i don't think you could live there i don't think so marlon kamika in the chat said don't go to posh places in london <laughs> okay uh, wimbledon i may i mean she probably knows wimbledon is probably his upper the tennis hermits is upper middle class. Yeah. I mean the posh places, that's the word they use in, um, in, cause I, I use the word snobby and then, but they told me, no, it's, it's posh. Like it sounds posh spice. Yeah. Posh spice. Yeah. They're, yeah. Posh spice. Um, that's a nice word for snobby entitled, um, like materialistic. That's, that's, that's their word. I think so. Interesting. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All righty. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Ashura. I'm wondering how they felt about like bands like Led Zeppelin then, because Led Zeppelin was definitely not, uh, definitely not a polite. What's up, Ashura? I'm good. Uh, Just finding out your litmus test. There has to be a strip (laughs) strip club. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to visit that club or something? I've been to strip clubs before, but it's it's not even that. It's just that I've noticed like places that either don't have one or you're not they're not allowed to have one by law. To me, it just kind of tells me how the rest of the politics is going to be in that city. So okay, so you may you might think it's some like Bible state. Yeah, and I've lived in those before. You know, I'm pretty sure those Bible states are like yeah yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have like a strip club there because. You know how these uh, conservatives are sexually frustrated. You ever know that guy that's, uh, I forgot what his name, I think it's on a Kakolinsky one time. This, this televangelist, uh, who was letting his wife get banged by younger dudes and he was in the room masturbating, watching that shit. It, it was like watching the movie True Lies <laughs> when you what? hear that shit. You ever heard that guy? Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a televangelist. Like he's a very wealthy Republican. And uh, he likes to pray like to God every time in front of people and shit. And basically, they, he had this thing with his wife where he is sexual. They are both sexually frustrated to the point where he lets young dudes bang his wife as he's in the room in the corner and he's masturbating. <laughs> oh, DC one thousand in the chat said Swalwell wasn't that guy arrested for prostitution though? Is that the same guy? Or am I thinking Maybe about that's Matt Gates? Baker? Oh my. I, I think that might have been the guy that was arrested for prostitution. Either him or or was it Jim Baker? 
No, there was I someone who was a preacher that was arrested. He's a Republican televangelist. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I was like, oh my god! Like, I'm like, every time I see these Republicans say oh, we want to ban dildos, I'm like, dude, you you people are the most sexually frustrated people out there. You don't think some Republican has a dildo locked up somewhere in a closet? <laughs> Listen, some of the people who want to ban all of these things are some of the most freaky people. Yes. I'm like, I'm like that. I'm like that dildo is the only thing that's basically keeping your wife from leaving you for a younger dude or a guy that knows how to basically pleasure her. I'm just let her have the toy. <laughs> God damn it. You, you can jack off. The <laughs> you know, um, there was a study that was done that said that the most uh, red light internet traffic is in the South and uh, it's mostly gay porn. But it's not just that, Roger. It's even more fucked up. Because all the shit they, they go after, like, leftists and liberals for doing freely, for expressing themselves sexually, they are yeah. so sexually frustrated that they, even gay porn, they watch gay porn. Yeah, that, that, that was the exact point I was making. I'm like, you're against gay people when you watch fucking gay porn. I'm like, bro. <laughs> there's a lot of that, though. There's There's a lot of people... That, that do that. Like, they'll speak out against it and say it's bad and evil, but in secret, they're doing that. Listen, I used to go to, when I was in high school, for one year, for one year, I went to a Pentecostal church. And all I gotta say is this, I saw some things. So all the things, like, people who are not aware, like, Pentecostal churches are, like, really, really strict. Like, the girls can't wear pants, can't wear makeup, you can't cut your hair, you can't wear jewelry, and all that stuff. And so because it's, like, so strict, People would still do things they weren't supposed to do, but they would do it on the sneak. And then one night we all went to like a a church convention and us girls, like we had a motel room, guys had a motel room. Well, the walls were thin. And if you put a glass up against the wall, you could hear what the guys were saying in their room. So we did that because we were nosy. Uh That's when we found out some things that we really did not want to (laughs) know that they were not holier than thou. They oh, definitely God. were not virgins. They <laughs> had sleeping around. And then one of them had a girl pregnant. Like, we found out so much that night. And I was just like, bump this place, man. These people got issues. I'd rather <laughs> just be somewhere with the people who are real to your face and are not, like, preaching to your face and yelling at you and then doing the same shit behind closed doors. I'd rather be hanging out with the people that are just keep it real up front and just say, yeah, I do this. I used to go to church, and there used to, there used to be a guy who um, had his kids and his wife, and we had another, another guy came in, and he was well dressed. He was basically playing the instrument. Uh, next thing we know, basically the guy basically who's married is kicked out of his own house by the woman because she was banging the dude that's in the church. And then the kids got taken by the state, uh, I mean the the, the 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 government, and then basically they gave her a choice. Do you want to come get your kids, or do you want the husbands, the husband to do it because they, she had visitation? Guess what she did? She chose her lover over her kids, and now the guy has full full parental control. She even gave that up. That must have what? been some good. Never mind. <laughs> go go ahead, sure. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, you, I, I know uh, what's his name. Uh, good cookies was making you blush a little bit because she was saying some shit about Badaka Dog. I, I, <laughs> uh, 
because I've never heard I've never heard I've never seen someone write it. I've heard people say it, but I've never heard well, how you spell Baduka Duck. <laughs> I was like, I was like, bad cookies. How how far is it in the video? You have nine minutes. I'm like, what did Sabi say? Was she mad? Was she angry? I I, I finally found it. I was uh, when I found the vi- uh, you think it's like your expression. Like no 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 no. She wasn't mad. She's like no no. I don't want to read it. Listen, yeah. let me tell you something. If someone can make you like choose to get choose them over their kids, then that must be some. I don't know like Krypton or, or something like Kryptonite. good grief. Yeah. At <gasps> one point, basically um, he came, well, he came back to the church said that she was complaining about, she wants her parental rights back, but you gave him up. She gave it up for Dick. Yeah. And, yeah. On the question of uh, Elon Musk, uh, you're right. That poll was very, uh, I, 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 I'm saying it's, divisive in a sense because i've never seen so many people say oh elon should quit and i was one of those people said no he shouldn't quit because right now even if you don't like elon musk he's like oh i don't know what's the if it's a lesser of two evil but the guy's a jerk i mean at least you're not getting fucked over if the government's the one getting control of it because you got so many fbi people hide by twitter and if they put somebody that you don't want and you say you want elon god then what happens when a new guy comes in the new guy's going to basically do what the establishment wants, whoever's in power. So you should probably say, no, right now, Elon, let it, let Elon be a fucking jerk. Let him basically play his game by saying, oh, well, maybe I, I should quit. He's not going to fucking quit. He, <laughs> the guy wasted like $80 billion. 80, it's $80 billion to buy Twitter or some shit? Maybe it's that Disney money I'm thinking about. Anyways, he bought Twitter for $80 billion. $80 billion. You think he's going to just let go and just quit? Is the government going to give him back the $80 billion? No. Well, I I think uh, that's probably one of the closest polls I've had, you guys. Usually I've, I haven't had anything like that. But one thing I, I noticed, too, like I think a lot of people got mad at Shira when he said that um, they weren't going to allow people to share social media links, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. Uh, YouTube wasn't mentioned, but everything else uh, was mentioned. And I think that's where some people got really pissed off. I thought he was just I thought he was just jerking himself up. I think he was joking around. No, no, he wasn't. That message came from him and it came from the Twitter support and it was on their page. They had a whole policy written out. That's 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 fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. That's really dumb to, to basically do that because if he changes his whim, it's it's almost like uh he's like a skinnier version of Donald Trump. He just does shit and never thinks about it. I mean, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that even Elon Musk was in Iron Man too. Like it was so quick. I didn't notice he was even in the movie. Yeah, it's just like um, when he said, "Like, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it." Then, like, it could just be another corrupt yeah. billionaire. Like or, fucking politics. Yeah, exactly. Just another person that comes in that does the exact same things that he was going to do anyway. I mean, the one thing I would probably agree if, if he were the if he would have relaxed Twitter, I would probably say just get get rid of the fucking racist. If they talk some racist shit, get them out of there. But other shit like just let people talk. Like people may disagree with one another. Basically, you're gonna have them one group going after another person. It's like when a troll comes in your chat, right? You don't need the mods to fucking start banning people left and right. Just let the fucking chat handle the fucking troll. 
That's a good point too. But another thing I want to ask uh, in reference to the whole Elon thing as well, you know, I think part of the frustration is there were a number of people that were really excited about him taking over Twitter because they thought that he was going to be like this free speech, like absolutist, which I didn't believe, by the way. I didn't think he was going to be that way. And so some people have been like disappointed. I mean, some people have had their suspensions lifted under Elon Musk, but then some people have also been suspended uh, under Elon Musk as well, right? So they've lost their account, so... That shit was funny. The liberals cried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, liberals crying over oh, their their accounts got fucking uh, banned or taken off. I'm like, you you bitches were doing the same fucking thing. Elon was around. You were doing that left and right. I call it fucking hypocrisy. Yeah. Also, um, I want you to think about this. Now I know you was talking about Harvey Weinstein before, um, and to bring that about. Oprah Winfrey and all that different type of stuff. How must she feel? Because I remember a lot of people got on Oprah. A lot of uh, a lot of the rappers, a lot of black men got on her for having, you know, I know Fifty Cent did, and so on and so forth. But you know, you know, with her issues with black men and her issues with with um, hip hop music and so on and so forth, being you know misogynist and this and that and that and this or whatever. And I have this just plopped in your face like your man is the ultimate misogynist, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, it's just it's just like, you know, I just I don't know if you knew about that, um, Sabrina, where, you know, a lot of a lot of the uh, rappers were saying for years that, you know, she's against, you know, black men because she's always, you know what I mean? Like. I think Oprah Oprah was playing her role she was playing the role that served her and helped her monetarily but was it because she, she was she really as a kid no, no, she, no that was definitely it I think that was that part was of it like, that, that's saying. why she didn't want any kids yeah. that could have been part that, mm-hmm. that probably was like part of it but the other part of it too was that I think Oprah was also playing her role in the sense that I know a little bit more about like her background, like how she got into like media. And for those who are not aware, before she got the Oprah Winfrey show, she got a news anchor role in Chicago. And in order for her to get that role, she had to Mm -hmm. get rid of her natural hair. So she she yeah. had an afro at that time, and they told her yep. she could not she could not have that. She had to like straighten her hair. So see, this is where we were talking about the thing about the chemical relaxers and shit like that. Like this is where some of that comes in. So she was willing to change herself so that she could have that job. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. there were other stations at that time that she could have gone to that would have let her be just exactly who she was. So she was willing to do that. She got the Oprah Winfrey show. The big thing my mom was telling me about at that time is like Oprah kept going back and forth about her weight. So the producers were like, it would be better for you if you lost the weight. It'd be better for the show. So Oprah was going through like these extreme diets and things like that to try to lose the yeah. weight to please uh, the producers. And then by the end of the day, like at the end of it, Oprah was just like, you know, she was just happy, finally settled to be happy with the weight that she was and just left that alone. But by then, like she had owned her own company and like all that kind of stuff. But I think that Oprah knew 
uh, how to please a, a mainstream white audience. And that was her audience. And I want to be very clear to people who may not have been alive at that time. When I used to come home from school, Oprah would come on. I come home from school, get ready to do my homework. My mom would like watch Oprah, like that kind of thing. You have to understand, like, even though she was a black woman, most of the people who were watching Oprah, it was a white, a white audience. It was not for black people, especially when she changed her content because her show in the beginning used to be more like Jerry Springer. Now people didn't punch people, but it was very much more like that gossipy type Ricky Lake type show. And then later on, she changed it because she was like, I don't wanna do shows like that anymore. I wanna do shows that are a little bit more professional. When she changed that style of her show, her audience was more, it became more uh, of a white audience. Now it is what it is, but like I said, when Jay-Z came on that show, she let him know that she didn't approve of his lyrics and the things that he says, again, because her majority white audience would not approve. Yeah. <laughs> However, I'll say this. I don't think they told her to go to go after, uh, 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 to, to crap on black men like she did. I don't think they told her that. I think she did that on her own. No, I think she did. And like... You got to remember, like, she is she still with Stedman? Maybe. She's still with, they're still uh, together, right? Yeah. I have sure. no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stedman. And, and so Oprah's boyfriend is black, a black man, for those who don't know. Um, mm-hmm. They were engaged at one point, but they decided not to get married because she didn't want to deal with the whole, the hassle of like splitting up assets and all that yeah. shit. <laughs> I thought so. I'm dead serious. Yeah. I'm not kidding you guys. Like she talked about this before when it came to the money obligations, she didn't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. That's why they never got married. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, one last uh, thing I got to say, um, your producer, Eric, uh, he was basically, when he came in, he was like, uh, who do you think it should be the next head of Twitter? Saudi Arabia. I'm like, yo, Saudi Arabia is going to make every fucking week. Hey, Twitter here, here's the next beheading. Here's the next, uh, witchcraft. <laughs> Saudi Arabia gets gets a hold of Twitter. They're gonna fucking be announcing a lot of fucking uh, executions. <laughs> yeah, that would be like it, that is just crazy. Like, I'm telling you, he didn't put out that statement until that picture went around on Twitter of him being in the um being in the. Cup with uh, Jerry Kushner and the Saudi Royals. That's when he well, made that. Now that I think about it, I heard that the money came exactly from the Saudis. That he borrowed some money from. So you could say, by extension, the Saudis own Twitter. Yep. Um. So I guess maybe maybe Jared Kushner can be the leader of uh, the the next CEO of Twitter? The richest man in the world? Well, at that time, who was the richest man in the world? He had to borrow money? Yeah. From the Saudis. Maybe Michael Bloomberg can be head of Twitter. I mean, he's... he's, he's, Oh, oh God. He gonna try to stop and frisk people on Twitter. He gonna try to stop and frisk Twitter accounts. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. Gonna stop and frisk your account, so that's funny. <laughs> He's gonna use Harvey Weinstein to do the job of filling people up. Uh, I heard something uh, today about Harvey Weinstein. 
I think uh, one, one, some one person basically got cut off. Like, not her name, but it was Harvey Weinstein was in was in the news again. I'm like, but he's isn't he like he's not dead, right? No, but he had another trial in Los Angeles. So yeah, I'm like, he was already found guilty on the East Coast, but this was the trial on the West Coast. So he was found guilty again. Why not just pile all the fucking shit if it's the same stuff? If he's, if you know he's a sexual fucking offender, who cares what he did uh, in other states? They're the same shit. Just pile them up. Give him one fucking trial. I don't think it works like. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know I said last thing, but this is this is really the last thing. I was thinking about uh, how your country has no democracy whatsoever, to the point where the popular vote is not what wins the election. It's just a small minority of states. So, how many states basically makes you win uh, in the electoral in the electoral uh, college? Are there? Well, all the states are part of the electoral college, but okay, but what? Why is it that they just chose a few? Every time I see him on election night, they basically say, oh, well, if he, if he reads this state, basically he might have to win the other to get to this state. It's it's like a it's like, it's, it's like basically a, a branch tree they're trying to do, see who, who gets to be the winner. Because so there's certain... Like, yeah, because, okay, what you're probably looking at is when they talk about, like, he needs to win this, this, and this. There are certain states that are automatic, like, shoe wins. Like, California, we know is going to be blue. Massachusetts, we know, is going to be blue. So they won't even, like, talk about, oh, if he wins California, if he's a Democrat uh, president or candidate, because we know he's going to win California. So they will talk about, like, what you consider to be, like, those swing states, like Michigan, Wisconsin. um, And they change, because at one point, Indiana was a swing state. It's not anymore. Um, And now Pennsylvania is considered a swing state per se or whatever. So they mainly, they will focus heavily on those because those are the ones that are not definite, so to speak. Yeah, that's why I wanted wanted a specific number if it's 10, 12, because... I think it's 11. I think it's 11. Well, let's say if it's 11 states and you got 39 states that basically voted democratically and basically the guy, the person, doesn't matter who it is, a woman or a man basically wins the popular vote, which is basically the vote that every other fucking person on the planet does, that doesn't get you the the, 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 the winning ticket. The loser gets the winning ticket. So I would say if you ever became president and you wanted to change the electoral college, you didn't want to you didn't want to fucking destroy it, but you work within it by saying, you know what, instead of saying it's 11 states, I'm going to make every fucking state an electoral college without even having to destroy it. That Ashura has been brought up ever since I've been an adult, as long as, as I can remember that it needs to change. It's been brought up multiple times, um, yeah. but I don't see that changing anytime soon. But you did bring up something uh, which is a good history lesson for those who are listening. Do you guys know why we have the Electoral College, like the real reason? And I don't mean the bullshit reason about making it equal, you know, giving Slavery? people. In- exactly. That's why we have the Electoral College is because of slavery. That's where it started. And the narrative that they'll tell you in a lot of the school system, too, is they'll tell the students that it came about because we wanted to give people in rural America a voice. <laughs> That's not why it came about. It came about because of slavery. Yeah. So I think it had something to do with they, the, the South did not have as many uh, 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 white 
male eligible, eligible people voters as the North did. So the slaveholders wanted to include their slaves to include it to, to boost their numbers up. to numbers up and yep. something like that we did a, a, a new york state constant uh yeah last like two years ago that did something like that where okay so what was always said was okay so upstate new york was always um, it used to be a manufacturing thing, part of the Midwest. But when yeah. Kodak, EM, and all those guys left the state, it got replaced with the prison industrial complex. So that's what kept that community afloat. Okay, so you get you had the crack epidemic, and you had people from downstate. They would get sent up north. Okay, so what would happen was, you know, like when you do the census, you got to have like your resources, and you know, you boost your population or whatever. So they would include their prisoners um, in the count so that they could get federal money to, to, to keep their lifestyle or whatever you want to talk about going. So we had a we had an amendment that like changed it, but we only but it only changed it for how state Senate seats or something like that. It, it was kind of like partially done or whatever the case is, but the amendment would have been, I got to look back at it, but the amendment would have been when you count the prisoners, you count them from their last address, which would be downstate New York. So I do find that funny the way you mentioned it, that basically they're counting prisoners basically just to get their money, but they won't yes. do it. They won't do it to let the prisoners vote. Cause I remember Bernie Sanders said that I'm like, well, why don't you let them fucking vote? And, and, it's kind of fucking weird because you're basically using the prisoners who can't vote, who can't vote legally, but basically you're using them as their addresses as a way to basically earn money, but you can't basically vote while in, you're in prison. Yeah, I was going to say um, it's similar to some parts in Massachusetts too. Like, for example, if you go to Worcester, which is in the central part of the state, Worcester is always blue. But the towns outside of Worcester are usually red. And the reason for that being is those are like those old mill towns. So if you go to parts of Massachusetts where like they used to have like the mills and the industrial, like uh, the factories, those types of towns, those towns are usually red. And the reason being is because, again, like people remember what happened under Democrat leadership when it came to those towns about how those jobs were like shipped out. And a lot of those factories are cold are closed. That's why I called them the old mill towns, because what those mills are now are like renovated lofts that are expensive to live in. Like that's what they've done with those mills and those factories. They've turned them into like these expensive, fancy lofts for people to live in. And so the people in those towns that had those jobs, they were like, Democrat leadership did this. And that's why a lot of those towns tend to be red. It's the cities here that are blue. Once you get away from it's the cities and the mountains. And it's the same thing in North Carolina. In North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill tends to be blue. So does Charlotte, although Charlotte can have some conservative areas as well. And if you go to the mountains in Asheville, that is also blue. By the way, Asheville went for Bernie Sanders. 
So I think that you see that across states. Like it's it's pretty clear that like the people in some of these rural areas where they have like those factories and stuff like that, they tend to be um, those towns tend to be red because of what Democrat leadership did to those jobs. Well, they they got they got either choose choices, get rid of the electoral college, or basically turn it into some kind of electoral populist vote by making all states basically get a chance to basically vote. Because if somebody has a popular vote, why does why does the loser get to win? The problem that we have now, Ashura, if they do change that, is that the cities are the you know, heavily populated areas. So that's where most of the people live is in the cities. The problem is if now, if you get rid of the electoral college, that means Republicans <laughs> never have a chance. They'll never have a chance because all the cities are. I'm not saying get rid of it. That was one suggestion, but I'm saying just blanket it all for, for just like you did for the small states, just blanket everything. That way, the popular vote, you don't have to basically do a popular vote. You just do the electoral vote, but it'll be a popular one. They could. I mean, it's... The thing is, they don't really want us to have a say. They don't really want the will of the people expressed. That's the thing. They want people to have the illusion that we have a say-so when we really don't. If we had a say-so... Think about this now. And Roger, you remember this. If we had a say so, Al Gore would have won instead of George W. Bush. Yeah. We can we can take it all the way back to that. Al oh. Gore would have won instead of George W. Bush. And we can talk about what happened in Florida with those ballots. Yes. But and we, I was well, you guys Oh, sorry. My bad. Wasn't it all Al Gore's fault? He Al Gore knew about it. He knew basically about the guys banging on the door basically to stop the counting because Al Gore basically won because they, they I think they made sure that black people didn't they didn't get their numbers basically counted. Some uh um <clears throat> at the end of the day like he just capitulated to basically Citizens United or some shit like that. And that's how you got George W. Bush, even though at the end of the day he was Al Gore was the winner and he basically just certified it. He didn't contest it. Right. So now I wasn't Citizens United. I was 2010. Well, I, I can say it's out. Oh, yeah. I, I heard it was like some conservative group that did it. Like it could have been it could have not have been Citizens United. Well, that was that was a court decision. But it, I'm saying it's Al Gore's fault for not winning his home state of Tennessee, because if he would have won it, it wouldn't have mattered if he got Florida or not. He would have been president. You know, the only reason why you lose your home state is if you're running against someone else from your home state, like Trump and Hillary. You see what I'm saying? Both of them from New York, so one of them was bound to lose, but losing Hillary your home from, state... Hillary from no, no, Illinois. No, right, right. I, but I mean, you know, like, since she moved to Chappaqua or whatever the hell in Westchester County is, is what I meant. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's that's like, you know, like pretty much the thing or whatever but i was just saying that uh now that the republicans saw what happened with donald trump okay i'm like well this happened to us 22 years ago well back then 20 years ago 
You know what I mean? So you you saying that there's something wrong with the election system now when it's not working for you. But anyway, that was it. No, that's a good point. That's a good point because they were quiet back then. Well, they did it again in 2016, though. I still remember that to this day. And if I'm not mistaken, and let me know, Roger, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they eventually go back and and, and admit that Al Gore did win Florida? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all see how it's all corrupt? <laughs> then th- 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 this is this is what I thought myself. I said, "Well, George Joby Bush was he was illegitimate on his first term, and on the second, he was legitimate. But the first one, he he was he was a fucking cheater." Yep. He was already chosen, though. Mm-hmm. He it was already yeah. decided that it was going to be him. It was gonna be him. I I I I never um oh Roger you probably got a Bluetooth basically on I still can't basically get the thought on my head where basically when nine eleven happened and they told him that Secret Service came to him he was like a month about in a between a group of children and they told him that and he just stayed there like a fucking scared child you're the fucking president go 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 be the president why why the fuck are you there with a bunch of kids like he's just frozen I mean it's like you put an idiot in power. He doesn't know what the fuck to do. He didn't seem surprised to me at all. Well, they did tell him basically Al Qaeda was forming. I mean, it never really told—I never really understood why Al Qaeda used to be an ally of the United States, and they just turned on him. Cynthia McKinney has said for a long time it was an inside job. Well, they was they was a ally of the United States because they formed Al Qaeda to fight against the Soviets. So they looked at Osama bin Laden was, you know, they in in, in the early 90s, they called the U.S. government called him a a freedom fighter because he's fighting against the communist Soviet, you know, whatever the case is. Which newspaper put him on? Yeah. So don't you think the same thing's going to happen with us financing Azov Battalion? As they as they say, oh, the Ukrainians are fighting for freedom. They're freedom fighters. They're fighting against the 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 Russia. So learn from the past. Listen, they demonized Russia ever since I was a kid. Ever since I was a kid, they've demonized Russia. No, this one basically that's like this war is like Russia Gate. Russia Gate basically what they were screaming for four years. This this is this is the Russia Gate right there. You got a false Russia gate. This is the real Russia gate. I still can't understand why liberals basically couldn't go after Donald Trump on the real shit he was doing. Like the, the stuff he was doing, like basically money laundering through his hotels by telling people, Hey, you want to see me come, come sleep in my hotels. If you want to talk to me at the white house, go sleep at my hotels in Washington, go sleep there, go pay $250,000 to sleep in my hotel rooms. If you, if you want to, if you want to deal for me, I'm like, then you got the border. I mean, just get get him on stuff that you know he's doing while in office. Why basically go after him on dumb shit like Russiagate? Because Congress had to get him on something that they weren't guilty of themselves. Well, Russiagate was four years of stupidness. Anyway, Sabby, I'm hanging up and let Delphia in. Oh, by the way, since Delphia's here, um, have you uh, done her homework yet? Which one? I forget. Uh, Planet of the Apes. She wanted you to basically watch the entire series. I think the old school one. Oh yeah, I still got to do that. 
<laughs> uh, you're gonna leave, you're gonna leave those that those those uh, that move those movies behind, just like the Christmas presents you haven't done yet. She's gonna give you a failing grade. Oh man! Oh, she's gonna give you a D. Oh man! Let me tell you, like they had to get him on the Russia thing because remember they were trying to find a way to impeach him. Yeah, and but here- I knew I was like, this Russia thing is not gonna work. The people listening to Rachel Maddow, because she was one of the biggest like Russiagate pushers, yeah. they fell for that. Yeah, I, I bought into Russiagate too with Jank Uger and his tick, 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 and none of his fucking theories made it true. And then I started watching Jimmy and realized that Jank was full of shit. Uh, you could probably say, like, the one thing about the Michael Flynn thing, I mean, isn't that a thing for basically when an administration is coming in, they try to get in contact with a, with a, any foreign governments like to say, we're coming in, we can basically sweeten, we can sweeten a deal with you guys. Don't, don't they all do it? And they went after Monica Flynn for that. I was like, that's, that's yeah. how basically the corruption goes. Whoever's, whoever's coming in, if you're a corrupt politician, corrupt president or whatever upcoming corrupt government, you're going to want to buddy up all the people that basically were your enemies and say, Hey, we ain't going to do shit against you. We're going we're to take off the sanctions. We're gonna basically take up every little detail. Just give us, give us a piece of the pie. Well, they wanted to make Russia the enemy from day one. That was always the plan. Yeah. And mainstream media, I don't remember Rachel Maddow coming back and apologizing for her coverage of Russia Gate to begin with. Like well, looking back might- on it, I remember her retracting her statements, like. This is just ridiculous. They got so many people like arms up in the air, basically saying like, oh, my God, Trump is colluding with Russia. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then it turned out to not be true. Didn't come back and apologize or retract their statements like. That's mainstream media for you here in the United States. Yeah, Russia, Russia was some some very heavy bullshit, and it's you're not gonna get Rachel Maddow to apologize about Russia Gate. If she tries to apologize, she'll basically double down and say it was real, and just like with the vaccines, like she said, the vaccines stop transmission of the virus, and she's never apologized for that video. And anybody who basically tries to say the opposite, oh, they they basically get banned. They got. They get their channels basically cut off, muted, whatever the fuck. Yep. But their videos get to basically say lies right to your fucking face. And you can see the White House basically will say otherwise. But YouTube will, will call you up with their own scientists saying, no, the vaccine stopped transmission. Why do, you, why do you keep getting sick then if they stop transmission? They repeat the State Department talking points. Like, that's all they do. Whatever the State Department says, that's what they say. Anyways, I'm going to let back uh, Delphia in because she's been winning live. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in Delphia. You are on the mic. I don't know why I wanted to sing that, but but you're on the mic, Delphia. You just have to unmute. Oh, you just have to unmute. I think you did. Okay, there you go. Okay, you can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, good. How's everybody? Hi, Roger. Hey. Roger's here. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at him. I see him. I see him. Um, let's see. Oh, y'all have talked about so much stuff. I've been sitting here answering the questions, but you couldn't hear me. Um, 
about Elon, I don't care. Um, if we're going to have a conversation about what great man is going to come and rescue Twitter, that's not a conversation I want to have. Mm. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you are now, whatever you're doing, those things have become the public square. And if we aren't prepared to treat them and hold ownership of them as if they were the public square, that's the conversation we need to be having. Not, you know, what white man going to come in here and save us? Because I have yet to be rescued by, you know, a rich white man. <laughs> I've been... I've been propositioned by a rich white man, but I've yet to be rescued by a rich white man. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Uh, I wanted to say, um, when you were talking about King Edward, um, Wallace Simpson—that was her name. That's who he advocated for. Because he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to mess this quote up, but he said, I cannot, I, I cannot be a proper king without the help and support of the woman I love. Yep. And white women all over America just cream their pants because, oh my God, he loves her so much. <laughs> Like it was them. Oh, I'm going to be the queen now too. No, nobody's going to be the queen. She's not going to be the queen. They married. They stayed married. It was a very, it was a marriage. It was a marriage made in hard places. If you understand what I'm saying. It was not a, it was not the fairy tale thing that they had. But they, they, I guess they did love each other because they stayed together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about etiquette, um, etiquette was developed as a set of rules to make everybody feel comfortable with each other. We all know the rules, we all follow the rules, we all feel comfortable with each other. What has happened with etiquette is that it has become weaponized and we now use it to bludgeon each other, which is wrong because the first rule of etiquette is to make people feel comfortable. And if the rules don't do that, you toss the rules. I'm going to give you an example of that. When the Obamas first met Queen Elizabeth, Michelle Obama, not knowing this, they were taking a picture with the Queen. She put her hand behind the Queen's back and touched the Queen. Well, the rule is you can't touch the Queen. Nobody touches the Queen. I'm not even sure Philip touched the queen. Nobody touches the queen. Philip touched other women. <laughs> oh, Philip, oh, Philip, oh, oh, you want to get into that story? Now, that's a story. Woo, <laughs> honey. You want to get into that? We can start talking about that and how and how Lord Mountbatten sold Philip to King George because that was the only man that Elizabeth wanted. We can get all into that. We're getting back to the Obama. What Queen Elizabeth did was she then put her hand behind uh, Michelle's back 
That's like if you and I took a picture together. You know how you do. Yep. Because she knew Queen Elizabeth, who I think was a lousy mother who had four fucked up kids. Um, she knew that her first rule of etiquette was to make her guests feel comfortable. So if her guests did a bad thing, she would do the bad thing too so that they would be comfortable. She understood that. And I think a lot of people, not just in England, but all over the world, have taken the rules of etiquette and made them dogma and now use them to beat up on people. But I know what etiquette is supposed to be because my grandmother taught etiquette and elocution in her home. And the first thing you do, if, you're, if your guest comes in and your guest decides to take all of his food, dump it on the floor and eat it off the floor, as a good host, you sort of dump your food on the floor and eat with them. That's yes. how etiquette works. That's how etiquette works. And you have more of it down south, too, because I, I did notice I was different mm-hmm. compared to how it is in Britain. But I did notice, like, moving to the south and then moving moving to the south from Germany and then moving up here to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a culture shock, uh, especially in reference to etiquette, because in the mm-hmm. south, like. And you tell me if you had this rule, Delthea, mm-hmm. you eat when everyone's at the table has their food, then you start eating. Not I only that, but you don't until somebody says a prayer. Right. When I when I moved mm-hmm. up here to Massachusetts, like I remember the first time like when we when me and my husband when we first started dating, like I'll never forget this. We went to his mom's house and like she made dinner. And so like she was making everyone's plates. And I remember I looked over at the table and like he sat down and he just started eating and I was like, what is this? <laughs> <And he's> like, <laughs> He was like, I'm eating my food. And I was like, before everyone else has their food. And I remember like, this is like a culture shock thing. And he just kind of looked at me like, what do you mean? He's like, my food might get cold. And I'm like, that's not, that's not polite. You You wait till everybody sits down at the table and eat their food. And I remember he had this look on his face like, I am really hungry right now. I really don't want to wait for everybody to get their food and sit down. You know, it was in in our house, if you did that, and my grandmother was at the table, she would look at you like, oh, you like eating at the trough, do you? The rest of us are eating at the table. Mm -hmm. Would you care to join us? In which case, you need to just put that fork down and wait. Until that old lady said you could eat. It's very different, even like, even like when we go, like the first time I went to uh, Canada, the very first time I went to Mar- Montreal, mm-hmm. it, was Toronto first. it was Toronto first. It was the weirdest thing to me. Everybody holds open the door. Everybody. I'd never seen anything like that before. So you're getting off the elevator and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden people's like, put their arm in the door. It's like, come on, come on. And I'm like, what is happening here? And then you'd be like... Mm-hmm. 10 feet away from the person in front of you at the front door, they would stop and wait for you mm-hmm. to come through the door and then hold the door open. I'm like, I said, well, damn, I guess South Park was right. Canadians are friendly. That happened. I mean, I'll do that now. I'll do that now. I spend my time measuring the distance between me and the person coming up. 
And if you fall within a certain distance, I'll just hold the door till you get there. Whenever that may be. Because that's what you do. You get up in the morning. You say, you say good morning as soon as you see somebody else in that house. Because if you're in my house and you get up and you don't say good morning to me, I'm going to be like, did you sleep with me last night? <laughs> no, then you say good morning to me in the morning. Because if you weren't laying in the bed next to me, you say good morning. And even if you were, when you wake up and you look over at me, you say good morning. When you enter a room, you speak first. Yeah, it's so different because I've I've lived here for so long now. Like when we travel and go to other places, like I'm always suspicious when people are overly nice. I'm like, why are you being nice and friendly? I don't know you. That's that's the that's the <laughs> Bostonian. That is true. That's the Bostonian in me. That like I've lived here for so long now that I'm just like mm-hmm. when I go to other places and people are that friendly, I'm just like, why? What do you want? <laughs> You do that because you care about the other person. Even if you don't know them, you still care about them. Mm. That's, um... No, that's how that goes. Go ahead. I heard that's, um... I've never been to Texas, but somebody who... A customer who I had some time ago told me Texas is like that also. Yeah, they'll hold the door open for you mm-hmm. even if the person's in the parking lot. I think that's, that's just right. Southern Hospital. I think now, that's understand. Southern hospitality. Right. Now understand, Southern hospitality can be wicked as well. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, the whole, the whole bless your heart thing. The whole bless your yeah. heart thing. Bless your heart. Depending on how I say it, it can mean two totally different things. Which is why mm-hmm. I always tell people, when you hear a Southern bless your heart, Always listen. In the middle of it, there's a little teeny tiny New York City fuck you. (laughs) Yes, that's so true. (laughs) Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) Oh, bless your heart. Bless his heart. And I, you know, my my mom used to add another one. She go, bless his heart. Bless his little pointy head. (laughs) Also, Sabrina, what you said about um, you said is that it's not to like Boston. That's I think that's just the Northeast thing when you see people are too nice because you because you're saying, oh, what do what do you want from me? Why are you being so nice? You must want something. That's that's really just the Northeast thing because it's like that in New York as well, especially in New York. That is true. That is true. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. I think boss. I think Boston can be a little bit more colder though, in in a sense that. Like, even in New York, I think if you go out in a social setting, it's a little bit different. Like, if you talk to people in New York in a social setting, for the most part, people will speak back. You could be at a bar here in Boston. You walk up to someone and say, hey, they'll just look at me like, "Uh, do I know you? (laughs) I thought you meant colder is in the weather. Both. but, But you know what? The cold weather brings about cold attitudes. And this is something I've noticed. Think about it, guys. Think about people that live in states where the weather is really nice. Why are people always smiling and so friendly in California? Why are people like that? Like, even like you go to Texas, you go to Florida, you go to like, doesn't mean they're not mean ever, but notice they don't seem to be as pissed off all the time. I really right. think the cold weather like brings about a different attitude with people. 
Well, I, I, I tell you, and I hadn't thought about this until I was much older, but I, I felt that I needed to apply to an Ivy League school when I was graduating high school. So I had applied to Dartmouth, and I got in. And the first thing out of my father's mouth when I showed him the, the, the letter, he just looked at me and said, it's cold up there. And I thought, like Roger, I was like, oh, well, I know the temperature's cold. He was like, okay, I'm just telling you it's cold up there. And that's what he was trying to tell me was that people were not going to treat me like I was being treated in North Carolina. Oh, that's where you're from? Well, actually, I'm from Washington, D.C. My mother was from here, and we moved here when my parents retired. My mother's from Durham. Well, I live in Raleigh, and my kid is in Durham. Oh, we might be related. No, 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 no. Everybody, a lot of people made their way down there at some point, like, especially, like, during, like, retirement. But, but yeah, like, it's true, like, what your dad was saying about the attitude. Like, it's very different. Even if you go to, like, New Hampshire... Even New Hampshire, which is more like rural uh, than parts of Massachusetts, even in New Hampshire, you still get that cold attitude. You still get that. Right. Right. Now, Roger, I'm not saying I didn't want to be kin to you. What I'm saying is my mother's from Wilmington. That's why I say that we're probably not related. Mm-hmm. She's from Wilmington, and my dad is from Georgia. I consider everyone from North Carolina family. But I would, I would love to be in your family. Oh, thank you. But I, because my last name, my last name is Simmons. So every Simmons in North Carolina keeps trying to make me be kin to them. Mm-hmm. And I have to keep explaining to them that my daddy's from Georgia. Okay. Maybe we could get an attorney and I know on here. We could have a family reunion. We could. We can do all of that. And then we, then that's why, well, that's, um, but that's why I wasn't saying you wouldn't be kin to you. I was just trying to make you yeah, sure yeah, no, I don't yeah, have I people mean. here. Yeah. Got it, got it, Which got is it. why I went to Chapel Hill, because I didn't have people here. Most of Most of, um, during the Great Migration of, you know, because mm-hmm. when, you know, a lot of us were leaving the South to escape the Klan right. and different type of stuff, most of the yeah. Carolinians, most of the Carolinians came to New York. So the South Carolinians went to New York City and the North Carolinians uh-huh. came out to Long Island. And I didn't realize uh-huh. that until the whole bunch of people who I grew up with and knew all my life, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Your, one of your parents is from North Carolina also? And I've been, you know, like, uh-huh. so that was, you know, like, if you ever been to um, Sylvia's in Harlem? Sylvan's, Sylvia's. I love Sylvia's in Harlem. She's from, she's from South Carolina. I know. And you can tell it from the food. Mm-hmm. I know I love low country cooking, so I love Sylvia. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, we my okay, my parents didn't get past DC, but a great many of our relatives made it to New Jersey and New York. So I I, I feel you. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Well, anyway, I'm going to let y'all go. Um. And maybe one day Sabrina will watch the Planet of the Apes, and she will then understand the circle of life. I'll watch it. My mom has told me to watch it too. She's like, "How have you not seen the original? But you saw the one with Marky Mark." I was like, 
better special effects. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna make you a list. I'm telling you, I'm making you a list of movies that you're gonna have to to, to watch so you can understand America. Mm, <laughs> I hear you, Delta. Y'all have, y'all have a good night. All right, you too. Good night. All right, let's go ahead and bring in Bad Cookies, who I think is now Good Cookies on YouTube. Hey, Sabs, how you doing tonight? What's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, I, I was forced to change my name. I got a I got a long story to tell you about that. I'll try to keep it short. Uh, last night I was on the RBN show making my stupid comments like I usually do, and um, I started noticing that some people weren't commenting back when I would add them and they usually comment back. So I was like, there's something wrong here. So I refreshed the screen and none of my comments were posting up. I was like, Oh man, I've just been blocked. And I thought Nick and CJ blocked me. I was like, why would they block me? They would, they've never blocked me before. And I've said a lot worse things than what I was saying. So I didn't know what was going on. So I said, Oh, well, I guess they blocked me. So I switched to my alt account and started goofing off of my alt account, got blocked there. I was like, all right, this is weird. What's going on? So I thought Nick and CJ had blocked all my accounts on RBN. I was weirded out. I was concerned, like, well, I don't think I pissed these guys off. I usually don't piss them off. So then I, I went over to Hard Lens Media, and then none of my comments were posting up on Hard Lens Media either. I created another account, another alt account, to post on Hard Lens Media as a Fish Eggs Kana. And then that account got blocked. And then I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I realized it was YouTube that was blocking me. I had made some comments on RBN's chat about uh, the Uyghur the genocide. And after that comment, all of my accounts were blocked. And then I started looking into this. It turns out YouTube has blocked my account permanently because of my comments on, on the genocide in China. So now I don't have access to my name anymore because of that. So that's the story behind that. Okay, I was going to add, um, I'm glad you said that, Bad Cookies, because this gives me the opportunity to explain this to people because YouTube has been doing this. Certain words that you put in comments, YouTube will block it. Like, And I know this because someone contacted me one time via email and they said that they had put a comment under one of my videos and they said it wasn't showing up. And I was like, well, why had to give me more information than that? Because there's a lot of comments and, and I don't even get to read them. And they told me what they sent and they told me what their name was. That person's name, like I can go into YouTube studio, even if it doesn't show up on the channel, it'll show up in my YouTube studio. So I went into YouTube studio under that video and that comment under YouTube studio was definitely there, but it wasn't under my chat, under the video on my channel. And that right there, let me know that YouTube remove that comment and youtube's been doing that a couple of times like certain things that you say it could even be like when i've been in the rbn live chat before because i'm a mod so when i've been in that live chat there would be comments that will pop up in the live chat that would say hide or show and i gotta tell you guys half of these comments are not inappropriate at all but for whatever reason there's something that they're saying in that comment that is being flagged by youtube it just like, I'll give you an example. For whatever reason, sometimes when people say the word black, that gets flagged by YouTube. So if I'm in the RBN chat and I do have that wrench, so I have a mod wrench, 
and I'll see someone post a comment that says like black people need to have reparations, that comment will actually be grayed out and it will say hide or show. There's nothing offensive about that, but there's certain words that don't work out well uh, for YouTube or YouTube considers those words to be uh, troublesome. Like the Uyghur genocide that you mentioned, that's a big one. That's spot on. Yemen is another one. When people mention Yemen in the chat, I have to go in and approve it. If if I'm there, I'm usually not there most of the time for Nick and CJ streams. Um, but it happens and it, it really sucks. And there's nothing I can do about it. Like people don't have that problem on Rockfin. That's the thing. But go ahead, Bad Cookies. On that very, uh, very irritating. Because at first I thought I had pissed off Nick and CJ. I was like, oh man, now I gotta find a way to get these guys to unblock me. Because I like, I like having my handle. People know my handle. But I guess now I'm good cookies for the time being. Well, I wanted to talk to you about this Elon stuff. Um, personally. I think he shouldn't resign, and the reason I think he shouldn't resign is because he was forced to buy this company because at first he said, oh, lol, I don't really want to buy the company. Well, now you have to buy the company. We're forcing you to buy the company. Otherwise, we're going to sue you for damaging the company. So they forced him to buy this company. He didn't want it. Now he has it. Now he's doing what he wants with it, and it's literally his company. He can do whatever the hell he wants with it. If he wants to drive it into the damn ground, let him drive it into the, gr the ground. The people on Twitter actually have absolutely zero input on who the CEO is. If he wants to be the CEO, well, cool. If he wants to sit there and run Nazi flags all over his comments, awesome. If he doesn't want to do any of that, it's on him. It's his platform. Whatever. I really don't give a flying fuck about Twitter. Now, I think uh, Roman said it the best earlier in the comments was, this is all honestly just a distraction, Savvy. This is just another way to play the red versus blue game because this is honestly anything anybody is doing right now. <clears throat> They're playing a red versus blue game with this where all the uh, the shit lib liberals are, are fucking pointing at Elon and saying, ha ha, you're messing up. And all the, the uh, conservatives that, or not even the conservatives, just Elon stands that are sitting there trying to defend them. It's just a, a gimme game of distractions while it's really irrelevant. So it's it's just pointless to even talk about it but at the end of the day it's his company he can do whatever the fuck he wants with it that's my opinion Sabs. what do you that's true you're right at the end of the day he's gonna make the decision um i mean i would like to see twitter as like a co-op you know because like i said they're using our data we don't get any credit for it they use our data to run their site without us there is no twitter there is no facebook there is no Instagram. There's none of that. Now, Instagram, I think, you know, they've gotten so big to the point that, like, they have, the, like, those Instagram influencers that make a lot of money off of Instagram. But people aren't getting paid on Twitter, really. I know they have that feature now that you can add called Super Follows, but most people that I've spoken to, they're not, that's nothing. Like, that's not much. So people aren't getting paid on Twitter. That's the problem. Even Matt Taibbi in his interview with, uh, was it Russell Brand or was it, it was Russell Brand. His interview with Russell Brand recently, he said he made it very clear. It was either that one or the one he had with David Sirota. I forget, but he interviewed with David Sirota on call-in. In one of those interviews, Matt Taibbi said, Twitter did not pay him anything to do this job. So all these Twitter file releases that you're seeing, 
Matt Taibbi said he was not paid for this at all. The only thing he gets paid for is like when he takes that information and puts it on his Substack, is what he said. So this is a point I think all of us need to bring up is the fact that like people are not monetized on Twitter to the point where they're actually making a profit. If someone wants to donate to you on Twitter, they can. Most people I talk to that have that option on their bio are not really getting money on Twitter. And same thing with the super follows. But people can get paid on Facebook, especially if they have like the verified like Facebook page. People can make money on there. People can make money on Instagram, like the Instagram influencers. People can make money on TikTok. When it comes to Twitter though, it's not that way. And Elon was also saying in that Twitter space that like Twitter is not really making any money, that much money off of ads. And that's why he said he's charging people for those blue checks because he said that Twitter cannot exist just through ad revenue because it's not working. And I don't even look at the ads on Twitter at all. I scroll past them. So, you know, part of this is on Jack Dorsey because he created this platform and it grew very quickly. And he really, I guess, believed that he could just live off of the ad revenue and this website would be okay, but it's not. I mean, even the whole like blue check thing for me, it's just so weird the way that they do it because there's people on Twitter that I've seen that have like less than a thousand subscribers, but they have a blue check. And it's like, cause someone asked me that before, how come you guys at RBN don't have one? According to the Twitter rules, we don't qualify because we're not notable. And now you have this rule that he changed and now it says, this is a legacy account, may or not may may or may not be notable. So it's just like, what was the point? Like, what is the point of the blue check on Twitter? The original intention was to say that your account is verified, that you are who you say you are. It went from that to you are a notable figure in the public eye and you have this blue check now. So now everybody else that doesn't have a blue check they can just be dismissed as to like, this is not a real person. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's really weird to me. Michael, um, you're a speaker. Just whenever you're ready to speak, just go ahead and unmute. Um, but the whole, the whole process to me is just very strange. And not that we even have to have a blue check, but now he's saying going forward, even those legacy blue checks are going to have to pay for Twitter blue to keep that blue check. What's up, Michael? Just got to unmute. Yeah. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know. Um, yeah, it's I. I wonder if the public like if, if Twitter is is the public square. Yeah, I, I think JB was on to the right idea that this shouldn't be something that we're trying to make a profit off of. Like the very idea is kind of ridiculous <laughs> of trying to attach some sort of profit motive to just what is kind of a core function right like if, if it is this digital square if it is where we're all going to say things and see what people are saying then the idea of attaching some sort of service fee to that seems kind of ridiculous also like on a technical level is twitter really that complicated like it, it's it's i can think of other services that are that seem to be a lot more technically demanding i don't know it, it seems to me like something like twitter we we should 
resist the urge to make it into a profit engine. Like, and if we actually have the opportunity to have a conversation about like making it public, like I, I know they don't want that, but that would be amazing. Like to, to actually take, to, to like give people an example of how something like this could work. Something that kind of everyone knows about and everyone kind of uses and even people that aren't all that political, they're familiar with it. I just, I just think that's a really exciting idea. I really don't, like, I'll, I'll give Elon credit for what he's done, like, in terms of sponsoring the Twitter files, and I don't I don't hate Elon, but I'm not excited about, like, having oligarchical champions that we're supposed to just endorse and be like, oh, no, he's the man. He's a, he'll, he'll lead us to, to whatever. Like, I am much more like the idea of some sort of interactive service. And if he's, you know, to the extent that he was willing to take people's input and uh, adjust policy, I think it's you know, it's good. And to the extent that he's uh, sponsoring the Twitter files, I think that's amazing. But uh, I think JP is onto something. And I think the ultimate solution, you know, beyond whether this Twitter king is good or, or, or whatever, is, is some sort of like long-term structural thing where people are brought in from the ground up. Because it is such an important function. That's what I think. Uh, if I may interject on this real quick, and then I'll hang up and give Nateri the floor. Uh, Michael, if you might not know this already, there have hmm. been three, there have already been three uh, uh, social programs that were meant to be designed to be uh, public square type formats, like what you're suggesting they make Twitter into, and all three of those failed. I can't remember the first two, but I know the most recent one was called Times Square. And it was a public, it was a public forum, just like Twitter, and it was a, uh, and it was, uh, set up as a publisher, so they would have the same regulations, and it would be uh, a public entity. And all three of them failed for the same reason. They got they had overregulation. Uh, a lot of it caused a lot of clunkiness, and nobody ended up using it. I feel that if they ended up doing that to Twitter, eventually it would end up the same way. And that's just my opinion from previous history of those programs. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Bad I Cookies. Think, I just want to respond to that really quickly. I think that's very possible, but I would say that like Twitter is advantaged by the fact that it is already Twitter. <laughs> you know, like it's already known, it's already used. And like whether you're established in an electronic space actually matters a lot more than whether your service is good or not. Um, it's it's just whether people are using it or not. And Twitter is already being used. So I think you could like, actually transition it to almost anything and you would still have a, enough of a residual user base to make it. Interesting. Guys, I don't know, like sometimes I miss MySpace. Do you guys remember MySpace? Sometimes I miss it. I thought MySpace had something there and then it kind of just dwindled away. What's going on, Tori? Hello. I just want to add to what um, Bad Cookies was saying, like when you go live sometimes, um, I don't know with uh, everybody else, but on my end, it won't let me, it say, I know you live cause on my phone, it's saying you live on my TV on YouTube. It say you, um, it say you not streaming. And then on my phone, it will cut off your, um, show. And then it say you not streaming. And then like 30 minutes in, it let me go in. Like you really? start streaming. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I know that um, 
On my TV, I've had this problem sometimes with RBN. There's been a couple of times when CJ was live on my phone and I was like, okay, you know, I'm trying to use my phone for something else. Let me just put him on the smart on my TV because it's smart TV. And I'll go on the smart TV on YouTube and it'll still say scheduled. And I'll click on it and there's nothing there. It's a black screen. And so mm-hmm. then I'll go back out and I'm like, what the hell? He's definitely live because it's on my phone. And I have to go back in again and then it'll finally let me in. And then I'm trying to fast forward so I can get to the live spot, the present spot. And then it'll just like go to a black screen. So I think there's a problem there with YouTube with their live streams. I've had this happen a couple of times where I've clicked on someone when they were live on my TV and there's nothing there but a black screen, but they're streaming on my phone. Yeah, it happens sometimes on my phone, too. I think they might just trying to take you down, girl. I hope not, because <laughs> you got good stuff to say. And um, yes, and I want to talk about too, I was going to say really quick, guys, okay. tell me if you have this, because I know a lot of you guys also watch uh, Jimmy Dore. Something weird has been happening, and I, I used to get notifications for Jimmy's show. I don't anymore. That's why I told you guys I don't rely on YouTube notifications anymore. That's why I have that newsletter. So the newsletter will let you know when I'm going live. And what I noticed is like the past couple of weeks when Jimmy will be live, like I'll see it on Twitter. The Jimmy Dore show is now live. I'll go check it on my phone and I'll go click on it. And like, it'll show like, you know how Jimmy has like that intro and it's like that long intro. And then eventually like, you'll see him. Like I'll click on it. I'm like, it's 15 minutes in. I'll click on it. And that intro was still playing. And I'm like, wait a minute now. I know Jimmy is actually live. So why is it 15 minutes into the stream? And I'm still seeing the, the intro. And it's like, I'll have to go back out and come back in for it to show me that he's actually speaking. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. I know too on your show, it would drop like when they say you live sometime, you will be underneath like 10 shows you already done and then it say live instead of having it already at the top. Do you notice that too? Yeah, they've been doing that with a lot of people. It's like what they've done now, they did announce this and I should have mentioned this to you guys. I did get an email from YouTube talking about like changes that they had. What they're trying to do is like now it's like if you're live, if you see a previous video, instead of showing you the stream that's actually live, they'll show you like a previous video. But right there where my logo is, there's this this thing that says live on the logo. And what they're trying to do is to get people to hit that logo and that'll take you to the new stream. It's really stupid because it's confusing because I've done it before on other channels and I'm I'm actually trying to watch that video and it'll take mm-hmm. me to the live stream. And I'm like, if I, if I want to see what is live right now, I'll just go to that stream. So I don't know why they started doing that, but it's really confusing for people. It really is because it makes it seem like that previous video is what is live when it's not. Yes, it's crazy to me because they be pushing out CNN because every time I watch your show in RBN, they be pushing out MSNBC and CNN. 
especially CNN. Yeah, we are Mm -hmm. heavily like, someone mentioned in the comments, they were like, um, RBN, and I was like, we are heavily suppressed on YouTube. And I'm going to do that. Am I doing that Thursday? Yes. I think Thursday, because Chris Hedges is coming on Thursday. He coming on first. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to show you guys how they suppress, how they went from suppressing uh, left independent media. I'm going to show you the difference because RBN is heavily suppressed. And I know like the bigger channels are suppressed too, but we're heavily suppressed. And I know it because... I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like we have someone helping us with clips at RBN now. So ever since we got that person, I think it's been like two weeks now, they've been just like going and clipping like clip, 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 clip from live stream. So videos are coming out like every other hour, right? With these little Mm -hmm. clips. We should have based on the level of content that's coming out or the quantity of content that's coming out every day now, we should be getting 100 subscribers a day. Based on the content, like I'm seeing, like I'm seeing the guy do it. So it's like a stream, a clip will come out 10 a.m., 12 12 p.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m., and then CJ and them go live. And then another, another clip, another clip, another clip. That's the same thing that TYT does, getting to like almost that 24 hour like format. We should Mm -hmm. be getting a hundred subscribers a day. And their premieres, they're not uploads, they're premieres and premieres pop up first before uploads do so that's how i know they're incredibly uh suppressing us at rbn so when people like cry to me and say oh yeah well breaking points only has eight hundred thousand something i don't want to fucking hear it right (laughs) i do not want to hear it y'all got people to help y'all like you guys got big names and you came from a platform you came from rising which was freaking huge back then. I'm going to show you how that platform changed too, which is freaking huge back then where you guys written tons of views. You already had a name and you took those, those followers with you. But for people, anybody starting today, like we're coming up on two years, anybody starting today is going to have a hell of a time, a hell of a time trying to even break through unless like you get someone to platform you because the suppression is so real. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you guys are y'all so too. good and y'all talk about real shit. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. What was that, Michael? I was just saying, you guys have gone viral, too. Like, there's, you know, people, um, like, I remember George Galloway was saying that you were, you were legendary. And I'm not exactly sure which clip of yours has gone viral, although I have my suspicions. But, like, that should have been enough. Just a couple of years ago, that was enough to give you like a massive online presence, right? If you went viral, that was basically it. It's like like a bunch of people passing you around. That meant you get all these um, add-on followers and all this traffic, and that's just that would be it. Um, you guys have enough vis- visibility. You should be a lot bigger. So I definitely agree. You're heavily, heavily, heavily suppressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, um, Notori. Um, about Harry, I, I don't know when we were, well, when I was younger, they used to, um, like show, you know, I was wondering like why they would show, um, them, but Harry, I love Harry ever since I was the Sunday in the dungeon eating a brand muffin. <laughs> they would always push his, um, when he was younger, they say he was, um, like the rebel and didn't, and I could see that he was different from the other, um, 
I don't even know his um brother name, the one that's married to the girl, the one that's gonna be king one day. I can care less for them. But I do like Harry. Oh, William. William. Yeah. And Megan, I don't really I do feel bad for her because but just like y'all was saying, I don't understand how she didn't do research because I know I'll be on Google. Like I don't even need Google like the little research of what they did how they killed diana which we know they killed diana i'm surprised she made it out alive i'm surprised too like i i really am surprised that megan didn't look into the stuff like i don't know like it, there's something about her like look i'm not like one of those people that's like yay i'm team megan and harry but i'm not like one of those people that's like Oh my God, I can't stand Megan and Harry. Like, it's just, I feel like there's, I, I watched their documentary. I heard their side of the story, but I do feel like there's, you know, there's two sides to a story. There's obviously a side that hasn't been told. Kate and William are not speaking up and I don't expect them to speak up. Me and I don't expect Charles to speak up either because it's not in their nature. That's not typically what they do, but there's obviously something else at play here that isn't being said. You said something that's not being played. I, it's it's like I do feel sorry for her, but ugh, I don't know what to say. Maybe because I like Harry so much, I don't really care for her. <laughs> so it's not that I don't hate her. It's just that mm, it's not that I hate her. It's just that I'm trying to put it my feelings for Harry aside for, you know, but I can tell she went through some stuff. You can tell, like, the family is racist. They have racist in their family. But I'm just glad they both got out. And they still got racist art around the house, Notori. That's another thing they show in the documentary, that they still have, like, racist, like, artwork uh, in the palace. That things that were collected, like, decades ago that they need to come to terms with. They're like, look, it's not appropriate to have this shit hanging on the wall anymore. It's like 2022. And, you know, them not really thinking about it was like, oh, we collected that. We went to such and such island. And another thing they talk about in the documentary is how they colonize all those islands and what that meant to the people that live in those islands. So it's it's not just about Harry and Megan. It's also a little bit of a historical context about how the monarchy basically, you know, colonized a lot of these countries in the world and how they took their culture from them and how they were taking their resources from them and their wealth from them as well. So it's not just about Meghan and Harry, but like, I can imagine if I was a part of the monarchy and I watched that, I'd probably be pissed too. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably be like, those motherfuckers. <laughs> you can tell Meghan ain't really from the hood. Could, couldn't have been me. Mm-hmm. And what was that? What was that two, three years ago about that pendant, that racist pendant his aunt was wearing? Yeah, and she um, apologized for it and said she didn't know and all this stuff. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, there's this thing called like, I don't know, awareness, like just being aware of what you're doing and what you're wearing, like that may be mm -hmm. offensive. Like, yeah, she had on like a racist like brooch and stuff like that. But one of the things that was revealed in that documentary, too, was about the way that Megan grew up. And I did not know this, and I was very surprised by this. She actually did grow up in a predominantly, like, Black neighborhood in L.A. with her mom. Oh, I didn't know that. 
I neither did I. So I watched that documentary, especially after yeah, some of the comments she made. <laughs> I, yes, I saw her talking about she wasn't in Hollywood. She wasn't looked at as being black. I was like, I, I sighed at her. I'm like, what? No, she was always looked at as being black. She just didn't notice it. Like, <laughs> or she oh, didn't I'm want sorry. to notice. Mm. Well, there was something like her mom's in the documentary too. And there was a piece where like her mom said that at one point they were driving home from school and some woman had called her mom the N-word and her mom just kind of brushed it off or whatever. And she said, this is the crazy part. Hold on to, you know, your seat for this one. Megan's mom said she never had the talk with her daughter about being black in America. She never had that talk with her ever, even That's after crazy. that incident. And she goes, looking back on it, you know, I would do things differently. I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, how have you never had that conversation with your kid ever? And don't give me the whole, my kid's biracial. That's why I didn't have that talk. Bullshit. Bullshit. I have family members that are biracial. They have all had that talk. You have to just, have it more when you're just crazy. Think. What's right? that, Roger? You, I, I would think you would have to have it more if you're biracial. Right. Exactly. You're gonna get more of that from people. Like it just. But that was the thing, like that she said that like that was the first time she had heard someone say that word, which is probably too because, like I said, she she grew up in like. A predominantly black neighborhood in LA. So she probably oh. hadn't heard that. But the school that she went to wasn't like that. And I'm just like, you never heard anybody say and when to her mom said that to her and she was like, in that interview she had with Mariah Carey, like, I didn't really realize that, you know, people looked at me as a black person. I'm like, I wanted to jump through the TV, Roger, and say, bitch, we can tell you not white. What? Oh my god. You know she's you know she's from out here. Out what? Mariah Carey? Yeah, but Mariah Carey didn't say that though. Mariah Carey always knew. Megan oh, okay. said that. Oh. Oh Megan said that. I had a question. What type of phone do do you and Notori have? Samsung or iPhone? I have Samsung because I'm cheap. Okay. But thank you for letting me speak. Oh. Oh, Notori, what, what type of phone do you have? I mean, Enjoy. iPhone or Oh, okay. All right, so then my theory is gone then. I, I was going to say that these problems that you guys, that everyone I hear is having about, what's that, about when you say you don't get notifications and things of that nature... Mm -hmm. I I never have problems. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, hey, I'm better or whatever, but I never have problems with notifications. And I thought maybe it was because I have a Samsung, which operates off of the Google platform, which Google owns YouTube. So I was figuring there might have been a compatibility thing or whatever. So I was figuring, I thought that maybe it's because people have iPhones and which is the competition and you know they won't get they don't get the youtube notifications because youtube is owned by google and google is the is, is the platform for uh is the os for uh, samsung but 
Uh, guess not. I don't know. I do know, like, my friends that have iPhone don't have any of these problems that we have. Oh. Because I've talked to them. They don't have any of these problems. Hmm. So. Okay. Uh, I used to prepare for phones and things, and I, I, I don't think that would be a platform thing. I mean, like, sometimes there's issues with compatibility, but not 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 to that level, I would say, in general. They're kind of I the have to run, really. but thank you so much, Sadie. Like Thanks, Natori. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Natori. All right, Brent, since you already went, let me go ahead and bring in Bryce, and then I'll bring you in. What's going on, Bryce? Just got to unmute. Uh, hello, Sabby. Hey, hey, Roger. Michael. Hey, what's up? I'm chilling. I'm just getting home. <laughs> I'm about to cook and stuff like that, but yeah. Uh, my thoughts about the Elon Musk thing. I, I put no on your uh, on your uh, your poll because like uh, I, I feel like uh, uh, Elon like got it, and you know even like with the with the the Twitter files, uh, he did he did good work there by like exposing a lot of things that that we suspected. So, I mean, even if he and, and uh, I agree with bad cookies. You know, I wouldn't mind him just running uh, Twitter into the ground. So, mm. but yeah, I hear uh, what you're saying, Bryce. Have you guys, by the way, um, I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but you guys hear that they finally confirmed that, um, speaking of Twitter files, they finally confirmed that the CIA killed JFK. Can I ask, is anyone surprised? Like literally anyone? No, it's like, for me, it's like, I wasn't surprised, but I'm surprised that they actually revealed the the truth now <laughs> well i understand they didn't actually reveal it it's just the fact that like even though they're supposed to reveal documents at this point that are that are supposed to give names the fact that they're not giving names now is sort of telling even though everyone that would be named would be dead and i haven't looked into it totally but that was my impression read the article by there's been multiple ones but the intercept article actually goes pretty deep okay cool. about it yeah that one actually goes pretty deep but yeah it's just like again things that we knew but we didn't have evidence <laughs> oh my god mastermind hour says like the cia employing oswald exactly yeah they talk about that like in the article like, this was all a setup from the jump. Yeah, like, um, Kitty Helper um, has done a couple shows on it, um, both with um, the guy that did JFK, of course, the movie, what's his name, Oliver Stone, and also mm-hmm. a one with David Talbot that I couldn't find. But, you know, he talked a lot about um, Alan Dulles, uh, the guy that set up the CIA, or, or the guy that was running the CIA at the same time, there was a political opponent of uh, Kennedy's that... Kennedy dismissed, and it was almost certainly the guy that was responsible for it. It's kind of amazing because, like, Dulls, Dulls, Dulls was too egocentric to really hide the fact that he was like such a nefarious character. He's sort of ridiculous. Like, that seems to be the main reason why we know any of this stuff at all. Is these people are too powerful, like, too insulated to even think they have to like hide the stuff because they're not really all that shy when it comes down to it like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of details that kind of point to his involvement even without this stuff that's right that's right i mean Uh, in a a year or two ago 
a year or two ago, they admitted that the FBI killed ML, not MLK, excuse me, um, Malcolm X. Because they found they found the letters. And also, like, a member of the FBI had confessed, but then they found the letters that admitted to him doing that. That he infiltrated and his goal was to make sure that MLK was taken down. Excuse me, Malcolm X was taken down. Well, William Bradley? Yep. Uh, he later became Mustafa or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, he was in the uh, Corey, Corey Booker commercial. Yeah, Marianne Williamson said it. I mean, I know we're not necessarily the hugest fan of Marianne, Marianne Williamson, but uh, you know, she was the one that said, like, back in the 60s, it was pretty clear what had happened, right? That mm-hmm. um, that there was a popular revolution, and it was really threatening to the system. At that, a certain point, it became clear that, you know, you can have dance parties and things but if you start actually getting in the way of like money and the machine that you know that was the time that Kent State massacre so, so they were killing students they were killing leaders and they were killing presidents yep so so um i think who was killed first well, Mike Evers, uh, right su- Mike- surprisingly okay. oh. sorry go ahead bryce uh, I was gonna say like uh, uh, this this whole thing with the uh, the JFK thing has always been like uh, 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 floating for like a long time. Uh, even like uh, Jesse Ventura used to like uh, do YouTube videos about like what happened. Uh, I want to say Alex Jones did it too uh, in in the past when he uh, used to do the reporting. So uh, now I'm not surprised that the CIA is uh, responsible for this. You know they've they've been they've been uh, adamant about like uh, uh, destroying everything. You know for for their corporate overlords. Mm-hmm. Does anybody, um, what's, what's the motivation to, for the CIA to, to kill JFK? I mean, I have my own theory or whatever. I think it had to do with, he, he signed an executive order to transfer, uh, 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 uh issuing of money back to the treasury secretary away from the fed. Okay, so you know me, I'm big on banks. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and that you know, you, you're messing with the money because, because you know, I know everybody here knows that the Fed is privately owned; it's not owned by the government. So he he did an executive order that I found out was never repealed, by the way, that would transfer the coinage power back. To, you know what Dr. Kaboob Fathel was talking about, where the Treasury Secretary can in the Constitution. Yeah issue coins or whatever but i would like to know anybody else's uh what they think the cia's motivation for killing kennedy was that's just mine oh i would i would say capital like uh you know it, it all leads to like uh what we what we have now you know, uh, the system and i think a lot of like uh you know what kennedy was trying to do was you know not not in the best interest of like uh, uh the capitalist class so you know, I mean, even like uh, with like Martin Luther King and you know, uh, the, some of uh, some of the leaders that that were like in the past that 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 were there. You know, they were trying to like uh, you know unite the people oh. and stuff like that. So that, I'm, that'll be my guess. But like I said, I, oh, you just you know, I, I have to sorry. You just reminded me. Actually, I think it might have been the fact that he refused to go into Vietnam, like both feet in. Well, there was a couple people that did that, but the the other thing too, I think, um, just thinking back on it, 
JFK, remember guys, JFK met up with MLK. Mm -hmm. And they agreed on a number of issues. And you have to remember what MLK was trying to get accomplished too at that time. Like everybody talks about um, integration, but it wasn't just about that. People talk about equal rights, but it wasn't just about that. You have to also remember that MLK also at that point in time was trying to unite the workers in Alabama. I don't know if everybody remembers that. He was trying to unite the workers to bring them together along class lines and... He also was talking about universal basic income and reparations. But wasn't so, he talking about that at the end of the 60s, not the beginning of the 60s? I don't think it may have been on a public forum at that point. Oh, I see. You know, like just two people talking. Right. Because they uh, remember like they they were already talking to each other. They were already talking I to mean, each other. And at the time, remember, MLK wasn't popular at that time. And that's something that I feel like is not talked about a lot, especially like in the classroom. Like it's always brought up as like, oh, yeah, MLK, civil rights movement. Woo. But none of my teachers told me this. And this was something I had to learn throughout research that MLK Mm -hmm. and the civil rights movement at that time, they were not popular. Mm hmm. Right. I don't know. I think I think he because that speech that he gave in the church, um, bef- you know, a year before he died, he had said he came to the conclusion he now realizes that finding to eat at lunch counters and all that different type of stuff he realizes didn't cost America anything. So it seemed like more of a revelation. I think he was I mean, this is just my opinion, but I really think that when Kennedy was, was alive because, you know, he didn't even make it to the mid 60s that they were talking about the equal rights stuff. I think he got on, I think he got on the class thing after uh, LBJ, when LBJ was, was uh, in, in office and he, and he really started And after Malcolm X was killed and he was just like, Hmm, wait a minute, hold up now. Maybe Malcolm X was right. And so on and so forth. He did. He started to change his mind because he realized that, like, maybe we didn't do it the right way. Like, maybe me and being nonviolent wasn't the right way because they were literally being as peaceful as can be and they were getting the shit, like, kicked out of them. Yep. And they had yeah. dogs sicked on them and they were still dr- thrown into jail. So it's like, that's why even today, when people mock protesters and they're like, you guys aren't doing it the right way. That's what I think back to. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Because MLK Mm -hmm. and civil rights leaders did it the right way and they were still beaten and killed and thrown in jail. So the whole like right way to protest to me is just an attempt. Yeah, Yeah. like when, well, you know, when people come in and say that, Roger, especially like with George Floyd. It's just an attempt for them to stall any type Sagger. of progress and any type mm-hmm. of movement. It's yeah. it's that's a CIA tactic for them to come in and prevent yeah. you from getting anything accomplished. And you have yeah. to understand that. Yeah, exactly. Because matter, because matter of fact, um, what do you call it? Uh, 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 uh. Oh man, I lost my thought. Um. I was just going to say, um, the reason I was gonna, I, hold on, let me, I was going to interject, yeah. uh, the right way to protest is 
be silent. That's the thing. Oh, no. Yeah, no, yeah. Just be really, really quiet. That would definitely work. Um, in reference to JFK, um, I, th- I, think, I think the way it works is that you have industry, you know, like major money, then you have the military downstream from that, and you have the security industry downstream from that. Like in Kennedy's case in particular, I think they, they did the whole like Bay of, P- Bay of Pigs thing, uh, the whole planned Cuban invasion, including um, planning to like kill American citizens as a distraction to justify the invasion, all this stuff. This was a plan that was presented to Kennedy that he turned down. And as I recall, they went into Bay, uh, they attacked um, Cuba, the Bay of Pigs, without actually notifying him that uh, that this was going on, and that they assumed that basically once they had started this war for him, that he was going to be forced to like send in the troops and make mm. and, and follow up and complete all that. And when he said no, and when he did a whole bunch of other things, like talked about. Um, like disarmament, talking about like ending the Cold War, talking about the Russians as not being existential enemies, right? I think that's what got mm-hmm. him killed. You're not going down with the program, that this is not how the program is supposed to be. You're supposed to be doing it like this. Exactly. There's always money in well, war. I mean, these people. Saying, yeah. Yeah. What they're saying now is that what's crazy is like even CNN has reported it. That's when you know, like, they're like, oh, shit, too much information has been released. We at least have to say something. But basically what I read, and I've read multiple articles, is that the CIA, they hired him. They hired Oswald. Just like, this is the same thing that happened with Fred Hampton. If you guys know the story about Fred Hampton and about how he was assassinated. Yeah. The guy that they hired, let me tell you about this dude. I can't remember his name, but the guy that was hired. Ronald O'Neill. You remember, I think it was, I think it was like Ronald uh, Roger. The guy that was hired to help them kill Fred Hampton. He was hired by the FBI and yes, he was paid. They paid him to get information. At first, that's all it was, was just to get information. And then eventually it got to the point where they were like, you're going to basically help us kill him. And what he did, and even after that, this is crazy. It's a crazy story. What he did was he set up Fred Hampton to basically, he put something in his drink so that Fred Hampton would be knocked the fuck out. William O'Neill. That's right. The FBI came in. When they killed Fred Hampton, he was asleep. He was passed out. Everybody else was awake. Like they woke up when people broke into, when they broke into the house, everybody else woke up. Fred Hampton was passed the fuck out because he was drugged. And it was that guy who did it. And that guy later on, I think it was the, it was either the late eighties, the early nineties. I got to look back. 1989. 1989, that guy did an interview on national television and finally confessed to what he did. After that interview, that guy was dead. He ran out in the traffic. He he tried to kill himself a couple of times. Yes, yes. You guys got to understand, this was decades later this guy came forward. After that interview, immediately, if you look on YouTube, you can probably still find that interview. After that interview, that guy was dead. 
He was hired by the FBI to kill one of his own and he did it. And even though he felt bad, he said in the interview, he felt bad afterwards. He still stayed on the FBI's payroll for a little bit longer after that because they had dirt on him. So yeah. he still stayed with them a little bit longer and did their dirty work. They used one of their own. And this is why I try to tell people they will use people who are like you to get to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now I remember what I was going to say what you was talking about before about the, uh, the protesting. Um, you saw the video of the guy that said, yo, uh, I don't rock with the police and riots work. Yep. Um, the <laughs> Jimmy Dore's, um, take on it was the funniest. You know what I mean? He, he's just like, I don't rock with the police. <laughs> you know, He's just like, and he put his fist on his chest and said, uh, riots work. And then even though that's like, like, oh, yo, that's funny or whatever. Then I seen your brothers a couple of days ago on RBN talk about police recruitment being down. They did a they did a little skit on it about um, police recruitment is is down and what do you call the thing the 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 morale of it people are getting now people don't want to go in people are like I'm not fucking with the police I'm not I'm not uh, uh, joining joining the cops and all that different type of stuff so. Uh, then I, when he, when they was doing that, I thought back to when that guy said, "And uh, riots work." I was like, "I guess he was right." <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Like, I just want to say that in reference to the police numbers being down, that is a hundred percent true. In fact, oh, I was going to talk about this Thursday. I'm about, I won't say too much. I got too many stories for Thursday. I don't know if that's going to work. Listen. Mayor Wu is refusing to sign off on the police budget here in Boston because she said she will not sign a police budget that does not have some type of police reforms implemented in the budget, in the budget. So she's refusing to sign it. So now they're mad at her. But this has been happening across the country since George Floyd. Like people have been quitting the police force, because like, yeah, all eyes on you. Tupac said all eyes on me. We flipped that to all eyes on you. Because everybody looking at cops now, we looking at you. I mean, I think a lot of us like Roger, you know this, but mm -hmm. some of us were like taught to look at them sideways from day one. Mm -hmm. And my parents always taught me never to trust the police. Never. Well, I ain't get that yeah. lesson. Keep it savvy. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the day where people like get up and start whooping the cops' ass. So, like, I'm just I'm down for that. I don't like them. So, that's a that's a there was famous a, um, Canadian legal lecture about how you should never trust the police, kind of no matter what, just kind of because or just authority they, in general, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Well, from a from a it was it was a legal act argument basically that like the function of the police isn't actually ever to exonerate you. It's just to lay charges. So really any information that they give you is just going to be further down that. For example, like if you have nothing to do with a thing, right. And they come by your house and they're like, 
and they're asking questions. You're like, you have nothing to do with it. So you're just, you're just giving them information and say, you say, well, you know, I went to a movie at seven o'clock or something. Cause that's, you're, you're describing your itinerary and say they find out later the movie was about like seven 30 or something. Then they're going to be like, Oh, this person lied to us. And you might not, have, you might just have not remembered. And then you become a person of suspicion. So like, and yeah. it, it's things like that. It's just, you, you don't want to do it unless, well, in, in general, unless you have some sort of legal counsel is sort of what the advice was. Well, mm. think about the propaganda that I grew up on, okay, of all these cop shows in, in, in the 80s. I mean, some stuff was kind of blatant, like, you know, like Dirty Harry and, and the Death Wish Charles Bronson character. Yeah, it was pretty blatant, yeah. And, but the, um, but others, such as, I don't know. Uh, let's Hunter, who was a knockoff of Dirty Harry. Um, I'm trying to think of some other cop shows. Or oh, even Law and Order. You know, Law and Order was based on the Central Park thing. You know, the, the Exonerated Five. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's and, if it's ever been worse than it is now. Maybe back in, during like the Dragnet days, like with the first cop shows. But I, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember watching just like an ad for a cop show recently that I wasn't going to watch, but it started with two cops walking into an apartment, shooting an unarmed person who was not the person that they were <laughs> supposed to kill. And then they're like, oh man, I'm, I'm too good a cop to face any consequences for murdering this helpless person. We have to cover this up. And she's like, you da- you're goddamn right. And that's, that's what they did. <laughs> like, oh, wow. That's, that's where My, we are. Um, it's not even just, but listen, guys, like it's not even just the cop shows. It's cop roles in shows that could be sometimes considered a family-friendly role, like Family Matters. Mm. Or or even some of the action movies. Like, if you notice a lot of the action movies, notice that the police chief is usually a black guy? Almost always. Almost always. Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. That was the guy from Family Guy. Family Matters. Exactly. Exactly. Let's bring in Brent, too, because Brent's been on standby. Just got to unmute Brent. Sorry, Brent. Hi again. Hey. Hello. Brent, how's it going? Savvy. Good, good. So when I heard Savvy say something about uh, Californians being sunny because of the weather, I just had to come on because I've lived in California all my life, and that statement is so untrue. (laughs) Savvy, you in trouble now. Really? <laughs> Everyone I've met from California is just so. I don't know. Californians have like this, especially Southern Californians. Do you guys know you have a certain glow about you? Like you really. Do. Not, what kind of? What do you mean by that? You just have a glow. Like everybody I meet. So believe it or not, there's a, there's a good amount of people here in the Boston area from Southern California. Okay. Some of them ended up here because they went to college here. And then they mm-hmm. stayed here a little bit after college. But it's right. like, I can always tell, like, they just have this glow about them. Like, they're excited for the day and, like, they're ready to, like, go to the beach or something. Like, I don't know. Like, I love the beach, too. But, like, Californians, to me, just always have this glow, like, a natural glow. And maybe it's all that sun. I don't know. But it's something I've noticed. Okay, so they're probably from um, the beach cities, if that makes sense. So, um, depending on, um, they probably moved to Boston for some reason. I don't know, 
they're, I know, I know what you're talking about. These people, they're, they're happy. They're, they're from the beach cities. So like, you know how California is on the West coast and the, the ocean. They're the people you're talking about. They're, they're on the, they like the hike. There's a stereotype for Californians, like, like the hike and they like nature. And that, that stereotype is true to a certain, there's a lot of people like that. So the people that you're meeting are the people that like the hike, like to go to the beach. They like to uh, smoke weed. The, those are the people you're meeting. But if you're, t you're talking about LA, um, that area, a lot of the, the, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians, right? You know, everybody knows that show. Um, that show I feel is rep is accurate because it rep it's not because people have uh, big boobs and stuff. That's not how it's accurate. It's accurate because it's accurate because of how, you know, how they're gossiping in their little, in their big mansions, but they they act all nice and proper in public. You know how Kris Jenner is, is known as the Mo Manager? Like, she yeah. controls everybody. Everybody's in line and, and represents themselves well. But in behind the scenes with the cameras, they're talking shit about each other. You know that, right? Yeah, my friend Chris, my friend Chris told me, he said when he was in California, he said it's like a, it was a fake nice. It yes. Was like a, everybody was nice to each other because they're trying to get something out of each yeah. other in reference to like he said he was in southern california he's like everybody he met was like i'm an actor and they would be like a waitress or they would be like a bartender or they would be like a teacher but like everybody was an actor so it's like everybody's trying to get in the entertainment business in some way shape or form so it's like they had to do like this fake niceness and then behind your back they'll just like talk shit yes yes and this i i'll i'll, I'll say something from personal experience so um we had a, a fa family friends. I got um, their daughter a, a, a Barbie doll for Christmas, and the Barbie doll was black. And when oh. I gave this Barbie doll, th I thought this family was super nice because they were super always super nice to us, blah, 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 blah. I gave this b Barbie doll to this girl, and the, the first thing she said to me was, ew, she's black. And this was accepted in the, at the dinner table, and I told my mom when we got in the car, like, that's so ridiculous. And she was like, Brent, I know it's, they're racist, but in this society, you have to play politics and you have to play the game because if you don't, then word spreads and you'll be known as the person who um, is accepting of black people. And, and I told my mom, I would rather not be around those people than accept any business opportunity from them. So that's just a personal experience. Um, no, it's weird too, because I met this guy like one time, like I was a part of this meetup group called new to Boston. And it was like people who were new to the area. This was like years ago. I don't know if you guys are familiar with meetup.com, but like it's really popular here in Boston. It's really popular here. Like it started in New York, but like, because it's so hard for transplants to make friends here because Bostonians can be kind of closed off to outsiders. Like meetup is really popular here. And I met this guy, he was in our meetup group one time and he said he was from the OC, but he was from the inland part of, of the OC. Oh, okay. Different. He was from like, um, Chino? Riverside. No. Um, was it Irvine or Anaheim? It was one of those. 
And I'm from Irvine, okay, yeah. He told me, it, um, Asian guy, and he told me that like what we were seeing, because at the time, like this was the whole Laguna Beach thing and the Hills shit was happening right. on TV. And he was like, some of those people, he was like, what you guys got to understand is like, he said, there's Laguna Beach and there's Laguna Hills. And he said, <laughs> yes. he, he said what he hates about that show is that it gives outsiders the perception that everybody in Laguna is rich. And he said, that is not true. Yes. Because um, I was it, like, you have to really? be familiar with the area. So there's um, three Lagunas, Laguna beach, um, where all the, um, LGBT community, all the, the, um, liberal area. Then there's Laguna Niguel, where it's, it's like a gated community. They're, they're, I find them kind of snobby. And then there's Laguna Hills. The, that sounds really fancy because the word hills, but that's just, um, South Orange County where it's like the middle, lower middle class people live. It's like the border of Mission Viet. It's like South of Irvine. It's like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's kind of like, in, it's not near the beach, but it's kind of like, um, it's not, it's not a, a fancy area. So he's probably from Laguna Hills and. Yeah. 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 And he told me, and it was another girl too, who was from Laguna beach. And she told us, and this was really interesting. Like she told us that like, you guys, all that shit is fake. She was the one who woke my, woke me up to like the hills and all that stuff. Like she said, it's all scripted. Like she said, Laguna Beach was scripted and she said the hills was scripted. She said it was not reality. All the scenes were planned. And I was like, how do you know? And she was like, I, I know the people. She's like, I went to school with some of those people. She said, I'm just trying to tell you guys like that shit is not real. It's fake. And she was the one that told us and she was uh, Palestinian. And she was the one that told us, she was like, Laguna is actually pretty diverse. She said, but if you watch the show, you won't get that impression. And she said, they don't go into the other parts. They only <laughs> focus on like the, those wealthy, like families and stuff like that. And she said, like, there's a whole other side to the OC. It's not just Newport Beach, like what you saw on the TV show, the OC. It's not just like the Laguna beach kids that you saw on the reality TV show. And she said, there's other parts like Fullerton and Irvine and Anaheim and like stuff like that. And she said that part of the OC is rarely represented on TV. And she also, she was also the one that told us, she said that even though it's Southern California, she said, if you go to Newport beach, she said a lot of the people there are heavily racist Yes. And yes. most of them are conservative. Yes. And they're classist. Like I was sitting at a restaurant and I was kicked out. Like I was the, like, they let me, like they said that I need a full party, but I only had an incomplete party. They let me sit down. But then these people, these rich people out of nowhere came in and they kicked us out. It, it, it's, um, yeah, they're classist race. The, but the racist part, they're, they're not openly racist as, my personal, I'm just speaking personal experience. They're not, they won't say the N word to your face, but what they will do is they will, if, if they don't like your race or whatever, they will ignore you and they will, um, they'll treat you differently, but you won't even, it's very subtle. Like people in California, they're very, uh, they're trained in politics. Like they have a mentality of, 
of playing politics to get what you want. So, um, yeah, they, they won't say things to your face. Yeah, because like a high school friend of mine, she moved there. What was that, Bryce? Uh, there's a reason why I don't go on the strip uh, here in Las Vegas because, like, a lot of those people that come into town, even though, like, uh, they come into town from, like, uh, all over the world, but uh, Cali people come here, like, every weekend, and you get you get that sense from them all the time and shit like that. So it, it's funny because, like, Brent, like, the, the way he talks, that's how, how all Cali people talk. It's, it's the funniest shit ever. Uh, especially, oh, like, my Cali accent? People. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's re- it's really interesting cuz like a friend of mine from high school, she moved to Irvine a couple years ago. And like she loves like she always wanted to live in Southern California. Like she she loves it there and she's a lawyer. And she still said like all this time I thought she bought her house, she's renting her house. I did not know that. She said even as a lawyer with two incomes, like she can't afford to buy a house there. Um she said that like she loves going to Laguna Beach. But she said every time she goes there, she feels like she's stared at. She's African-American. Yes. And, um, and her, her fiance is white. And she said, like, she said, this is going to sound crazy. But she said, I felt more accepted in North Carolina, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, than I do here in Southern California. That's what she said. But, I mean, like, her job's there now and everything and all that kind of stuff. But, um... She um, she was complaining about the price of coffee. Like this was one like we really like you know touched over because uh, this is back when I used to drink coffee. But like she was also a big really like coffee drinker, and she said that like getting just a regular cup of drip coffee. She said she was paying like five dollars, and she said it was absolutely ridiculous. Like how much how more expensive like things are there. And again, guys, like she's a lawyer working for a private practice. And she was just talking about how it's so like classist there. And she thought Chapel Hill, North Carolina was bad because for those who don't know, like in North Carolina, if you live in the triangle area, like Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, if you're in that area, if you're black, people will automatically assume that you live in Durham because that's typically where most of the black people live. And she lived in Chapel Hill. So when she would tell people she lives in Chapel Hill, they're like, oh, like you can afford to live here. Like, but then she wow. said, moving to Southern California, she said it was even worse. Like, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Like, she said the classism was worth is worse. She said the racism is worth. And it's one of those things where it's like, if she moves back home to North Carolina, she feels like it'll kind of be like admitting to people like, oh, you're one of those you failed and you ended up back home. And that's kind of like a thing. And like for people who come from like those towns where like very few get out and the the few that get out, most of them end up coming back home. She doesn't want to be one of those people. But she had made it very clear to me that she was just like, dude, like she thought, I thought I was really successful. And then I moved to Southern California and I realized like, I don't have shit here. Like nothing compared to the people that have money here right right and she lives in irvine you said yes that's a a predominantly asian uh area and um the asians they're not racist to your face but because because they're trained like they're again they're trained like if if you're raised openly racist 
you'll be uh, blacklisted. Like that's not it's not good to be openly racist, but they are. I mean, mm-hmm. people from the OC might not agree with me, but, but I've lived here all my life in Southern mm-hmm. California, and the people there, it's very subtle. Like, um, they'll they'll do things like they'll get black people fried chicken, or they'll, um, you know, those. It's very that type of racism. So, like, um, if you're a white person, they'll they'll give you different food, or they'll they won't they'll they'll say oh. They'll, they'll assume that you, there's different customs for different races, and I. It's very hard to notice, but if you, if you're, if you live here long enough, you'll notice these things. Like, if the racism is is never is rarely very rarely explicit. You won't you won't hear the n word anywhere, and people will think, oh, Irvine's a nice area, but if you're not Asian or white, the racism is very explicit. Or like, um, if uh, let's say an Asian person hires a some. Uh, a Mexican do work, um, they'll say, "Oh, he's strong. He, he, um, he's from he's from Mexico, and and they do work like they do work for free, and they um, they eat a lot of rice and beans, and 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 they'll just they talk freely like that, and they they don't think it's racist, but yeah, it's 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 very interesting, like hearing from people from different like areas, and like you guys are like from all over, like." We even have like international like population that like watches us at RBN. And what was really interesting too is that I think we can all have different like perceptions about mm-hmm. what different regions may be like. And then it's like we go there and we realize, oh, this is not what I thought. Cause she even told me, she said like when she went into LA, first thing she said, like she texted me and she was like, I haven't seen one black person and I'm in Los Angeles. And I told her, I was like, well, a friend of mine is from L.A. And she told me that there aren't that many black people in L.A. Mm, it depends on where in L.A. Because the uh, there's major freeways, the 10, the 405, the 710. Um, anything east of the 405, south of the 10, and uh, west of the 710, it's called South Los Angeles. Or as people outside of California like to call the the hood, quote unquote. That South area Florida. is that area is the concentration of of um, the minor most of the minority groups of and what people think of when they think of I Los think, Angeles. But she I said they even know. started gentrifying uh, Inglewood. That's what she said. Yes, because of the stadium. There's th- there's three stadiums being oh. built. Uh, Steve Ballmer, he bought a, a, a stadium there for um, the Clippers, and then there's SoFi Stadium for the two uh, football teams, and then there's the Forum. So, Inglewood is being gentrified, and um, but still not safe. Like, mm. it's it. People that live there say that they don't walk around at night. So, so that maybe that me. area is what people think of when they think of Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is very diverse. Like where Megan Markle grew up, she grew up in the rich area of Los, of Los Angeles. Uh, she, I believe it was Holly, the Hollywood area. So that's, that's a, interesting. Cause she said she grew up in the documentary. She said she grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. That oh, really? Okay. Few, well, that's what um, she said. In the, that's what she said in the documentary because it was just her and her mom. For those who don't know, her parents weren't, they weren't together at the, like her dad, 
Like they split up when she was like two. And she would still see her dad like on the weekends and stuff. But like she was primarily raised by her mom. And they, what she said on the documentary is that she grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood and there were very few white people. Like, That's uh, why Brent, she said she she really uh, didn't have to deal Brent. with racism. Yeah. Go ahead, Bryce. Brent, uh, Bad Cookies is asking. Bad Cookies is asking where the chicken heads, chicken heads are at. Chicken heads. I've never heard that term. That's that's <laughs> oh, uh, that's a '90s term. That oh. that's uh. It's a song. It's a rap song. Project <laughs> uh, Pat. Uh, it, you, you gotta yeah. look up. Wait, this is a '90s reference. I should know this then. It's a song. It's called. Is the song goes? Ooh, it goes ooh, chicken, ooh, chicken, ooh, ooh, chicken head. Right. Ooh, but ooh. but it's um. I, I really should know this. I'm trying way up my alley. I'm, I'm, okay, so <laughs> you know it's it, it's 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 pretty much um trying to be kind here because we, we got ladies here. <laughs> I'm waiting for this one. Not exactly the type of one you want to bring home to mama. We'll put it like that. <laughs> oh, is this um, like a uh, uh, like a stripper? If you if you check the chat. Why'd okay. you, you frame it like that? That sounds like Rick James because Rick James says you you don't take well, her home to mama. Like, uh, if you like uh, check the chat, like uh, they they explain what what the chicken head is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check the chat. Check the chat. Uh, I want to say something real quick. You was talking about before about um. I'm one of you were talking about a reality show. I think it was you, Sabrina, or maybe you, Brett, where the um people like, hey, that's not what it's like over here where we live at, and we're getting a bad rap because of these fools on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. That that reminds me of the what the Jersey Shore where they, they weren't <gasps> from Jersey. And, and, and New Jersey is just like those those guys are from Queens. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> that 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 reminds me of that. Also, going back to what you were saying before about Sabrina saying, Hey, everyone from California is, is sunny and got got that got that glow. Uh I haven't seen any Bloods and Crips with glows and very friendly. Two, three. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them move here, though. That's what I'm saying. Like the people that have moved here, they are they're they're, they're they have that glow. Like I'm like as soon as someone says, "Yeah, I'm from South, I'm from California, I'm from Cali," I'm like I can tell. And three, oh, they have an group. accent. The accent is from it's called a Valley Girl accent. Valley Girl. Valley Girls. So, um, so there's a a, a a mall in San Fernando Valley. It's that is um, a little bit north of Beverly Hills. It's called Sherman Oaks Galleria. Um, it's where all the Valley Girls they would shop, and then they would speak in a certain way, uh, kind of like Reese Witherspoon, who's actually lives in that area right now. But um, yeah, they speak a certain way. Is I don't know I, I don't I, I can't do it like oh my god or, or something like that. Um, They're all actually oh clones my of, uh, god, Reese, Becky. Reese Witherspoon. Look at her butt. It's like so out. There. You know that was a sister. 
Did yeah. you know that? That was a sister doing that voice. And then, it was a black woman. What? Reese's voice? That's what I'm talking about. And Baby Got Back? That was a sister. <gasps> oh she my was, God, Becky. Yeah, yeah. Look, look it up. She she was she was doing her imitation of a valley girl, of a white girl. Um, but one more. I got I got this one is for you, Bryce. You just gave it away. You you're you're in Las Vegas? What was that? You're in Las Vegas? Yeah, I'm in Vegas, yeah. That's where you live? Uh-huh. You live in a ballot initiative state. I had to hit you with that. Oh, now we got a, now, now there's somebody else who lives in a ballot initiative state. So I'm, I'm trying to get the army together. You can you can you can pass laws and you can and you can put your own amendments on the ballot. So I'm gonna be looking at you. Uh, okay. Bryce, you know who's out there with you? Pasta from Congo uh, Couch. Yeah, Pasta is here. Leroy. Yeah, Leroy. Leroy. And Pasta from Combo Couch. Hit oh, yeah. them up. I, hit I them up. I want to like uh, you know get a I want to talk you know uh, uh, hit up like the uh, Pasta for sure. So. But but here's the thing though, you can you can you can um, there are people. Go ahead. You have to just reach out, but I'm pretty sure there are progressive groups in your state. You, you just gotta put your antennas up and and find them. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and then like, what, what are you trying to do? Well, I think uh, if anything, like uh, I haven't like uh, uh, detached all the way from them, uh, but uh, I did like uh, started to like uh, move away from. Um, you know, doing anything political or for a little bit because of like what happened with Bernie Sanders. I was, you know, part of, uh, you know, I was a, a delegate here in uh, in Vegas, in, uh, here in uh, Henderson. And uh, we were like trying to like get uh, Bernie like, uh, you know, pushed here uh, hard, heavy. So, uh, but it's, I mean, I mean, I, I did get like uh, all of their contacts and stuff like that, but I just haven't like uh, reached out, you know, uh, you know, for the time being because like, um, of what's been going on, you know, especially like uh, how um, AOC has been uh, uh, moving, and you know what Bernie has done, you know, like uh, since uh, then. Understood. I think when when I saw that, you know, when, when I started to see the shift, you know, it, and it's funny because like a, a guy like uh, that I work with, you know, we were both like rocking with Bernie, and it, you know, we we like looked at each other like, you know, okay, the right is you know seeming more left, and you know. Than the you know the people that we were like uh, rocking with and shit like that you know we so so we we caught on early you know it was ever apparent that you know that was going on and shit like that so but I mean uh, if anything like uh, I'll do what I can on my end I'm not I'm not driving so uh, uh, and I I do like uh, work across uh, across town and shit like that so like I, but right. if anything but- I'll, I'll reach out to like you know people and uh, to see if we can get something uh, going. Yeah, get get some initiatives going. You because what you were just talking about had to do with politicians. We ain't talking about politicians. They they gonna do their own thing. So if you got the power, you could do your own thing. You don't you don't need these people. I mean, you need mm-hmm. regular people. You know what I mean? So this has nothing to do with the politicians. You you have the ability to place initiatives on the ballot to pass laws and to and to amend the Nevada Constitution. So that's that's okay. you know like. 
You, you understand where I'm coming from? Look, there's people that I'm tr- that I'm like beginning to work with with at, in Arizona. They're still on the, the the Democrat wagon, so on and so forth. But you know, just like we, just like you say, you can't. Just like how you say, oh, we can't ostracize people because they're Republican, right? You can also, I say, you can't ostracize them if they're Democrat. If we're talking about ballot initiatives, you feel what I'm saying? Because we, you know, like we disagree on on the on the on the Democrats because they they kind of like older. I'm talking about the people I'm working with in Arizona. They're kind of like older, so I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't waste my time and energy talking to them about politics in terms of the Democrat Party, but I did get them to agree that they're going to do this January, start a ballot initiative for single-payer health care and put it as an amendment, okay? So that's what needs to be focused on. However, I mean, shoot, if you if you, if you could find some Republicans too, fuck it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 like, it is so much outside of partisanness, partisanship. Right. You see what I'm saying? So we're not we're talking about Go ahead. Uh, which I Go ahead. agree with. So, I mean, if anything, like, uh, I'm learning more about, like, because, uh, I mean, like, I, I don't, I mean, I'm I'm new to politics. I know what, you know, we as people need. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's a little bit difficult to, like, you know, get, you know, put, push ideas, especially, like, in, because in, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Henderson. That's why you guys are hearing planes flying over right now. But, uh, I- to be honest with you, I have no idea where this, that is, but keep going. Uh, <laughs> I know this, yeah, it's, it's, the, Isn't there the a base is like there? Huh? Oh, yeah, Nellis. Okay, I thought so. Nellis, yeah. The UFO Yeah, Nellis Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah, if anything, like, I just, you know, like, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I found uh, Sabby and RBM and and to, like, see that you're uh, you're in the chats a lot, Roger. Like, I'm learning a lot more about, like, you know, where, where to go. So, if anything, I just want to, yeah. you know, keep in contact with you. Like, uh, you know, just point me in a direction where I need to go and, you know, and I'll probably, uh, I'll go ahead and, like, hit up Leroy and, uh, and uh, hopefully I can, like, uh, get pasta and we can, like, try to do something. So, I mean, that's yeah. the only thing that yeah. I can, you know. I would, I, would say, I would say more, I would say more depend on, I mean, no no shade to, to pasta anything, I, what I'm saying is, I mean, unless you know him personally, I guess that's different. But what I'm saying is, it's the it's the it's the regular people, the people that that you know that you have to connect with. You know what I'm saying? You know, it it doesn't always have to be like a celebrity or someone pop. Just regular people. You know what well, I'm saying? I mean, just well, regular. Just... Oh, well, sorry. Well, if any... Okay, go well, ahead, Brent. Sorry. Uh, I, I just want to like uh, you know make sure that you know I I have all the information before like I move forward. So I mean right now I'm just like I didn't even know like uh, uh you know Nevada uh was a BI state. So like uh, I'm just like you know you telling me now is you know saying new new to me. So so uh, you know and I, I just want to like uh just try to figure out ways to like uh uh do that. So. I just sent you something in the chat. Okay. Okay. Let me see what, um, Brent, I'm sorry. What were you saying? I was saying something. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that was, was maybe outside noise or something. I don't know, but, um, Oh, well, I just wanted to say, um, we were talking about reality shows and I do want to say 
that there was one reality show, at least the first season. Can't speak for things that happened after that. But the very first season of the real world, the New York season, the first one, the very first one, that actually was about as real as you could get. It was not scripted. In fact, the castmates from that season, they said like years later, after looking back at the other seasons of the real world, what that happened, they were like, what the hell is this shit? Like later on, cast members got like record deals. They got like acting jobs, modeling careers. They were getting speaking engagement fees and like Eric Nice and like Heather and like um, Rachel, like all of them. Yeah. And like Eric, who was a writer at that point in time, like they were all just like, we didn't get any of that shit. We didn't get anything like they were the experiment. They were the experiment. And you know what I didn't like that the real world did like after that season? Actually, maybe not the second one or the third. After the third season, after the Pedro, because even season three, the one in San Francisco, remember, you remember Pedro, Eric? Remember Pedro had AIDS? And that, like at that point, like that was like a really real like issue that was happening in the United States. And it was more taboo at that point. And remember how some of the housemates acted towards uh, Pedro, right? Because they were like, what the hell? Like, we didn't know this, right? So here's the thing. They got away from being real. And then they switched to this format where they were like, let us just recruit college students. And that for me was when the real world changed. Because originally in the beginning, it was about people from different walks of life. Some of them working class, actually most of them working class, actually. Some of them from different, you know, they were from different regions in the United States, that kind of thing. And it went from that to let's just recruit a bunch of college kids and then we'll have more entertainment because they're going to get drunk and get wild and crazy. If you go back and watch the very first season of The Real World and you compare it to any of the seasons, starting with season four, you will see the big difference. And I think they should have never went away from that original model, which is just putting a bunch of random peeps in a house together. They switched from that and they were like, let us try to get the most attractive college students possible. Exactly. Because they had real discussions on that first season. I still remember when Eric and Julie got into that heated discussion about race in America. I'll never forget that. Like that was a true, like they were arguing on the street. This is what people don't understand. Like they were arguing on the street and Julie said for a moment, they forgot the cameras were even there. And so people were walking by and they were staring at them like, what the hell is this? You got to guys got to understand that first season was just an experiment. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They didn't understand that. How many people were going to actually see this? And then after that first season, it just took off. It took off. Go ahead, Roger. Sorry. No, I was just saying Heather B. from the from the world famous Boogie Down production crew, mm-hmm. KRS One and them. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't. I, I'll tell you like this: um, I didn't have cable. Um, <laughs> we was. 
but let me see. I had cable for like two years. 1982 was 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 the last year I had it because my parents didn't want to pay the bill. So I, I ended up watching cable over my friend's house. So I would get little, uh, I was like, real world, what the hell is this? And why is Heather B and KRS-One's brother on here? And uh, I didn't understand what was what it was like really about or whatever. But uh, yeah, I missed a lot of stuff. <laughs> it wasn't until Everybody I moved out that I got Google back. Yeah, what's crazy is like they had a reunion um, I think that was earlier this year on Paramount, Paramount Plus, which I don't have. I'm sorry. I might get another streaming service, you guys. Um, and from what I saw from the preview, some of them still had those same beliefs all these years later. So it's like, I want to watch that. But like I said, like, <laughs> I don't need another streaming service. I can't do that. But you guys, if you want to see like a reality show, go back and watch the very first season of The Real World. In fact, I'm going to do some homework for you guys. I'm going to find out where you can get that first season for free, where you can watch it for free. Because everything changed after that. If they would have stuck with that original bootleg model where the camera quality wasn't that great, and by the way, they still had jobs. Like they were still working their regular jobs and shit like that. Eric Nice was a part of this show on MTV called The Grind. For people who don't know, it was like a dance show where people would just like dance and shit. Kind of like a white person's version of Soul Train. They're not kidding. That's what it was like. And they would do like that kind of thing. But like it was real. And then they they screwed it up when they moved away from that. Like, I still remember, do you remember, anybody in the chat remember season two when it was Tammy, Tammy was on that season and Tammy, this was the one in LA, Tammy was on that season and Tammy later on went on to marry Kenny Anderson, professional basketball player. But there was this controversial scene where Tammy and David, like David was a, a young comedian just coming out and they were playing around in the hallway and he was trying to pull the blanket off of her. Like to him, they were just joking around. And then the next thing you knew, it escalated and she was just like, no, you were trying to take my clothes off and all that, which wasn't what was happening. But I still remember that was a very controversial moment at that time. So there were multiple things that happened on the real world, you got to watch seasons one through three. Anything after that is trash. I'm sorry. I'm just keeping it real. The stuff after that is trash. Seasons one through three, New York, LA, and San Francisco. Those are the ones you need to see if you want to see a real reality show. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. So I'm actually looking. I've never heard of this show, and um, I look it up on Google. And let's see here. Uh, the real world. TV episode guide. The episode guide doesn't show. Uh, it only shows season four, six, seven, eight, and ten. They they skip seasons for some reason. Hmm. You guys see this? You guys see what I'm saying? Why did they skip? Why are they skipping seasons one through three? Because those were the ones that were actually real. Maybe my it's my internet. I don't know, but I'm looking. I I, I go on uh, Google. I, I type in the real world. There's the Wikipedia, and then the like. The Google has their own like uh, 
like information page episode guide season four is miss is the first one then season five's missing and season oh, ten no. season nine's missing hmm season okay see um real world season one new york um you know what i need to ask the calling guys to do you guys i can't screen share in this app like we can do video now, but I can't screen share in this app. And that would be something, I don't know if they can add that. I can ask, I think I'm gonna ask them like, hey, is there a way we can screen share? That actually might be kind of complicated to do on the phone, but if I could do that, I could have just like, I was thinking about it now and I saw the, the picture and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna send this to you guys, but I can't. <laughs> oh, by the way, Bryce, I, you got it. You, you got the link. Those, those are the rules for uh, how ballot initiatives are governed in, in Nevada. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, uh, I just like um, if anything, like I got like a whole bunch of stuff that's open. It's, it's floating right now, so uh, it, I'll, I'll look over it. Uh, probably it's, it's a lot, so but, uh, I'll, I'll try to uh, I'll read over it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, probably within a month or two, so just to get a better understanding, like how, how to go about doing it. So, I got the yeah. link. Oh. Real yeah, world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if anything, season. Roger, I got it. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Real world season one. Okay, I put the link in there, but um, yeah, I wish I could have just like just shown you guys the picture of the cast, but like. Yeah, like that shit was real. Like it wasn't just, oh, seven roommates live in a house and they're all college students. Like that's what they had changed it to. And that's what I did not like. And it kind of pissed me off, to be honest. Like, have you guys ever seen the Dave Chappelle skit from um, Chappelle show called Real World? Roger, have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. I know I'm not the only one. To I you saw that, Bryce? I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's just a matter of time video. before she brings up the Dave Chappelle skit. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. So I got to tell you guys the funny part about it, right? So the funny, the rule of thumb was on the real world, yes, it was seven strangers picked to live in a house. But the thing was, is like, it was always kind of like, a known thing that there would be one black person right and everybody else would be white like there might be one asian person maybe but at most the roommates were white and there's that one black person dave chappelle on chappelle show huh uh sabby uh i don't mean to interrupt but back cookies like uh gave you a link in the chat so oh okay cool um Thank you, Bad Cookies. Oh, but anyway, so Chappelle Show decided to make fun of it, right? And so instead of it being like the typical real world show, Chappelle Show made it where all the roommates were black and it was one white guy. And I think his name was like Chad. And um, Chad or Jaffer, I think it was Chad. Anyway, like obviously... It's Dave Chappelle. So they made things really uncomfortable for Chad. But it was just funny having watched The Real World and then watching that skit where they made fun of it because it was the exact opposite. And they were just like, 
no, we're going to have seven roommates. They was like, seven roommates to live in a motherfucking house and watch shit get real. It was very different. It was hilarious as fuck. Like, I don't know, you guys. You have to watch Chappelle's show. You at least have to watch that skit. <laughs> Clayton Bigsby. Uh, you know what's uh, surprising about the Chappelle show? Like uh, that that episode right there, the one that you mentioned, it starts off on on the very first episode. Yep. Oh, Ashura. Ashura, I'm inviting you to speak. Um, oh, there you go. I think Roger dropped off. I don't know what happened. Yeah, uh, when you said the Dave Chappelle show, I, I, I wasn't a big fan. Well, I'm not saying I don't like Dave Chappelle. I just I, I didn't have cable to basically watch the Chappelle show. And I'm basically watching the, the parts on YouTube. And when you said the real world, I remember there was a show like that, but I never looked into it. Sure. And I remember Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle did a skit. Where it it was it was a bunch of roommates and there was this one white dude in that in that group and he brought his girlfriend over and he got cucked. <laughs> he got his girlfriend got passed around. <laughs> At the end, it's like I think it was I think Damon. No, no, no. Damon's like Damon is like the uh, I think it's like what he was doing the puff daddy. But this one, like his girlfriend got passed around. I think Eddie Murphy's brother was in there. I always liked that guy. Cause he always looked, looked mean. He looked mean in all, in all his like uh, appearances, and that girl got passed around. There's a point where basically she's she's getting basically touched, bang around something. Like they tell him get the fuck out of the room, and then you see another dude just walk in the room. So she's gonna be taking two dudes at the same time. Yeah, because Chad was sure. like, Katie. He was like, okay, Katie, we can go in the other room. And Katie was like, no, I think I'll stay here with Tyrone. I think I'll say yeah, here. Yeah, like, oh. and Katie's supposed what? to be like uh, Katie's supposed to be like this. Sure, uh, I think a a church girl or some shit like that. I'm like a church girl. I mean, those church girls are wild. Right? <laughs> he sure. said, "My girlfriend Katie Netflix? came to visit from Maine." Go ahead, yeah, Brian. What were you saying? Sure, you have Netflix? Uh, uh, no. Netflix? Uh, I I, I tend uh, to watch. So. I tend to watch the TV shows by you know other sites. You know what I mean. I don't pay. I just go to some other sites, and they they might have it downloaded. Yeah, I, sure as that. But I mean, I, I know I know it's like on uh, Netflix. So if you if you have it, it's okay. You were saying something, Savvy? Yeah, because it was funny because Chad was like, "My girlfriend Katie came to visit from Maine." And it was just great to see her and meet everybody in the house. And Katie was all like humble and sweet. And then Katie met the roommates and Katie was like, I'm going to hang out with them. And Chad was like, oh, okay. And he was just like, my girlfriend Katie was making out with my roommates. And I'm like, why would you leave your girlfriend? Like, what? You didn't see your girlfriend was like hitting on the other guys, like right in front of you. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And then like, they shanked Chad. Do you remember that, Ashira? Yeah, I, I think they did something to him. Like, they, oh, his I think dad. They his dad. His dad came to visit. And he was like, my dad came to visit, and he was like, he said, Ty, you, you, you shanked my dad, and he was like, and. <laughs> oh my God. 
I think they kicked them out at the end at the end of the, of the thing. But I'm pretty sure weren't there any black women in in that in that skit? Yeah. Yeah. They like, didn't have they, they didn't have like a major uh role though. Okay. Now do I miss the Chappelle show though? Like I don't know why he can't come back. Um that show could not happen today. It's like I was talking I I think I was talking to a guy. And I said, I told them, you know what movie I would love to come back and watch? Beetlejuice. And he told me, ain't no fuck way Beetlejuice is coming back. Not today, no. They've been talking about that for years. For years. And not today. They would really have to tame it down. And that's what people don't understand. Like, when people talk about PC culture, like, the, the media that we grew up with, entertainment-wise, like, some of those things could not come out today. Like Beetlejuice could not, Chappelle Show could not, and Living Color could not come out today because of some of the things they talked about. I, I never, I never watched some of the old shows. I think the one one I remember mostly was uh, Family Matters and uh, Fresh Prince. I never watched the old ones that people were talking about, like this one guy that that basically uh, white dude, old guy that adopted kids. Yeah, that one black kid that was like a, 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 a like in Gary Coleman. Yeah, different strokes, different yeah. strokes save the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw one clip of uh, that. I think the guy, the guy was name was David David Mooney. He was in the movie with Coming to America. He had a show. It was an all black show, and there's a point like he whipped. He basically gave one of his kids the belt. Like on that show, and people were like, "Yeah, people were clapping." Like, call Mooney. I'm telling you guys, the younger people in the chat, like some of these shows could not come out today. They just could not. Like, see, back then, people didn't have a problem with it. Even like, do you guys remember Martin? I remember Roger, the show. You, yeah, Roger, you know mine. Are you reading my mind? I'm telling you, Martin couldn't come out today because I still remember there was an episode where um, Gina was supposed to have a baby shower at Martin's apartment and something happened with Gina. She didn't show up in time or whatever. And one of the women, the woman who was, um, they had the baby shower thrown for, she went into labor at the baby shower and the I baby was thinking, <laughs> Sabrina, I was thinking about that earlier when he grabbed it like a football and then put the towel around. I was thinking about literally thinking about that episode like a couple hours ago. <laughs> I was I was like because yeah. Tony must... said guys if you haven't seen Martin you have to watch Martin. I think it's on Netflix. The baby shot out into the air like a football. Obviously it was a baby doll and it what was funny about it is like you knew it was a baby doll. They didn't even try to make it look like a real baby. And it shot out into the air like a football. And Martin caught the baby doll. And Tommy said, Martin, you got to cut the umbilical cord. And Martin turned around and looked at the camera and said, I don't need an umbilical cord, Tommy. This is TV. <laughs> yeah, Martin was, was, was something else. Like, did you ever oh, saw that skit that. with the I think it was Martin Lawrence? What was his friend like? Uh, was Martin Lawrence? 
Like this, this skit about like this black dude superhero handicap called Handyman. Yeah, that's the same show. Okay, okay. Martin, no, are you, thinking about, Martin? are you thinking about um? I don't know, Hustle Man. No, no, he no, had no. different. Yeah, he, 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 he was a handicapped superhero. He was, he was called Handyman. It was by uh, the Wayne, one of the Wayne brothers. Got it. Going on mute, getting customer. Yeah, because I saw that clip on YouTube. It was very funny, though. Like, Handyman, basically, <laughs> he's handicapped. And that, I'm like, that shit could never be basically presented in this day and age. Yeah, that was a limit, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that, 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 that shit was funny. And Living Color also had a skit called Fire Marshal Bill. That was uh, Jim Carrey's character. And Jim Carrey used to be like, I am Fire Marshal Bill. Let me tell you something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite ones were Homer the Clown. Like, uh, he used to like uh, give lectures to kids and shit like that about like uh, what's going on in the streets and shit like that. It was the funniest shit ever. It's like, yeah. you know, and. And you know when I'm watching them again, like uh, uh, not too long ago, I was like, "Oh, they were saying some real shit." <laughs> so yeah, he was uh, like, "Homie, don't play like, that." Yeah, if anything, in Living Color, like, uh, was it, it was genius. You know, I, I like what uh, Keenan did with the show. Yeah, Keenan Way is like they were really creative, man. The whole damn family were very creative. They had a movie called I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. And they had a movie called uh, Don't Be a Menace in South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. <laughs> I was hoping oh, someone would mention that one. <laughs> that was a cult classic in, in Canada. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you. It's like, not an entirely good taste, come out though, I want to say. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's true. Like a lot of the things I think that I grew up on, like just could not come out today because the culture is different. Like the PC culture is like, there's so things like so many things like you're not supposed to say now. So it could not come out today. But I wonder if people could even yeah. watch like Ren and Stimpy because that's not, no, that's just, that's just weird, but it's not like specifically offensive. You know, it's just, I don't know Michael. describe Brandon Michael. Michael. Does that cartoon show do the same thing? Uh, what's it? Um, I forgot what it's called. It's a very popular cartoon show. It's Rick and Morty. Don't they? they don't they do the same thing? Oh my like, god! They, they try it, to I push mean, it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Rick and Morty. I think the difference is like Rick and Morty comes on in the evening. I think, and like my mom did not like me watching Ren and Stimpy. My mom was like, "I don't like you watching the show." Where this cat and this chihuahua puke all over each other. My mom hated it. Yeah. She didn't like she said it was not appropriate. She did not like get this guys. When I was a kid, my mom would not let me watch The Simpsons. In order to see The Simpsons, I had to watch it at my friend's house. And my dad said something one day, because like 90210 was out during that time, and like me and my mom would watch 90210. And my dad said one day, he was like, let me get this straight. So she's not allowed to watch a cartoon called The Simpsons, but she can watch 90210? What do you guys think about Mel oh, Brooks? Ahead, 
What do you guys think about Mel Brooks? Uh, Robert Hood, Men in Tights, uh, Holy Grail. Holy Grail. I think it was luck. Uh, I think it was Blazing Saddles uh, will not be able to come Blazing Saddles is another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Blazing Saddles. Uh, yeah, Most of the other stuff, though, I mean, Mel Brooks was, was usually kind of like he, there wasn't a lot of stuff that was really controversial. It was mostly flatulence. Blazing Saddles, I think, was the one that was most uh, most controversial. My mom didn't watch like me watching things where people were farting and puking. And like um, that happened a lot on Ren and Stimpy. That was like she her main thing, like really. Rick and Morty. Yeah, she wouldn't like Rick and Morty, and she doesn't like Family Guy. She hates Family Guy. Um, she's okay. <laughs> she's all right with Bob's Burgers. Well, I feel like um, the difference between like Rick and Morty and and, and Ren and Stimpy is Ren and Stimpy was for kids, and like kids would watch it, or Rick and Morty yep. is supposed to be for adults. So, yeah, Ren and Stimpy was on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Damn, they were like puking different. and like all kinds of stuff. Like <laughs> all kinds, of, really, all the things you could imagine. Really, <laughs> they literally like tore each other's skin off. <laughs> you guys remember Beavis and, uh, Beavis and Butthead? Oh yeah, that was another one. My parents didn't like. They were like, "I don't like this." <laughs> I only watched no. the movie. Like, that was like designed to make parents angry. That's why we loved it. What one show I basically liked was uh, it was very tame, but it was King of the Hill. But the yes. and that the, one of the neighbors, I think it was Dill or Bill, whatever the fuck, his wife is getting banged by a Native American. We still can't tell that his dad is not his kid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he ever found out at the end of the series. Uh, when they got canceled, but I'm like, dude, how do you not see it's not your kid? You're two white people. He's a brown kid. He's, <laughs> she's obviously banging the Indian. <laughs> even, even the Indian guy's like, yo, I want to see my kid. No, 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 no. You can't go see the kid. You can't go tell him that you're you're his dad. What What do you think my no. husband's gonna think? Ashura. It just didn't make any sense. It really didn't. I was like, no one's gonna call this out. Everybody knew that the, the the guy was uh the guy wasn't the father. Everyone they kept their mouth shut. Even the guy with the bearded gut that's always drinking, he knew basically that's not his kid. My name is Hank Hill, and I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Savvy, like uh, we got to get JB like hip to like a lot of things, you know, like he he's been missing out, uh. I don't know if he said. He, did he watch the Boondocks yet? No. Uh, Isn't it horrible? I've watched, I, oh, I, I've watched. Well, I started watching like the first season. The one I like the most is with the what was that dude? It's it's an old blind man that's beating the shit out of black people, and at one point they fucking kill him. He comes back from the grave, takes that control. Stigmaster. Yeah, he takes yeah, control yeah, of a weird dude. That could be Barack Obama, and goes bang his his wife. <laughs> By the time the wife is like, "Oh, wait a minute," it's like the wife is like all excited and shit. Like I think she cheated on <laughs> on a husband and, and banged Obama in the process. It's a looter. Yeah. She did that. You know what's interesting? Uh, I I went to San Diego Comic Con like uh, uh in two thousand and six, and I met the creative uh, director. 
for that uh, that show. And uh, uh, I don't know if anybody knows uh, who LaShawn Thomas is, black dude. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I met him, like, really cool dude. Um, but, I mean, if anything, like, uh, just a genius behind that, you know, what, what Aaron Magruder did with the show, like, I, I loved it. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, like, it, it went – it went downhill like after the second season. I think uh, they let go of Aaron Magruder to try to, um, you know, uh, create more content faster and shit like that, like some bullshit yeah. like that. So, plus they lost. Um, they were going to bring it back, but then John Witherspoon died. Yeah. So well, they were like, we can. But I Ashura, know. I gotta say something because you're from Canada. Uh, in 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 Boondocks. Um, Ah, shoot. I gotta tell you, U.S. shows are gonna get, like, uh, they're gonna get nerfed. They're, oh, I they're remember gonna, now. Get... I remember now. In the Boondocks, there was an episode where it was the Martin Luther King Jr. episode. Oh, yeah, and they said, what would Martin Luther King Jr. say if he was alive today? And they so they showed, like, Martin Luther King Jr., like at, I think he was at like a church or something and he was given the I have a dream speech, but it was different. And he said, some things I can't say on here, but he said, um, I may not be, I may not get here. He was upset with like the way black culture was today. So it was Martin Luther King Jr. Fast forward to the present day. Yeah. And he was looking around and he was like, what the hell happened? There was like uh, a room full of black people like dancing and all that kind of stuff. And he said, quiet 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 and he goes at the end of the speech he goes i may not be there when you get there i'm going to canada <laughs> oh yeah they'll, they'll probably not try to kill him there <laughs> yeah like th- that show was fucking funny especially when they give they give you that intermission like the nigger moment oh that was that shit was funny i'm like they were black people trying to kill each other with guns, but nobody's getting shot. Like <laughs> two attackers, no one's getting shot. I mean, maybe people in the background, but the two niggas basically shooting at each other is not—they're not getting shot. It's, <laughs> it is weird how they present this shit. A nigga moment is when two basically black black men come come against each other with no apparent reason and start basically shitting on each other. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, really? I, I see that in real life. Anyone anyone listening, if you haven't seen the boondocks, like you have to see it. Let's go ahead and bring in uh Lance. Lance, you are next up on the mic. I know we strayed far away from Elon, but what's up, Lance? <laughs> Hello. Hey Lance, you're unmuted, but we can't hear you. Oh, poor Lance. Oh, now you're muted. You have to unmute yourself. Bad cookies, I invited you to speak, but I don't know what happened. Um, Lance, I'm just going to invite you to speak. Go ahead, bad cookies. You have to unmute. Oh, I don't know what's happening. Um, there you go. All right. 
sorry about that. I just wanted to comment on on the Mel Brooks thing because there's a lot of things that that Mel Brooks did that can't be done today. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, for example, like uh, if we think on um, the movie Spaceballs, when they're combing the desert, uh, Mel did that. Yeah, he's like, we're we're not taking it literally, and everyone's dragging a comb. They cut to the like. If you look at the white guys. All the white guys have a visor over their eyes or something covering their face, and, and they get regular combs. Uh, they switch over to the black dudes. Black dudes have nothing covering their faces. They they designed their helmets to mimic a fro, and then they fucking sat there and gave them a pick instead of a regular comb. And when they cut to them, everyone else is being polite and like speaking militaristically, and they cut to the, the black folk, and they're like, we ain't fine shit. You know, it's just like scary. And that's the thing with uh, Mel Brooks is that his stereotypes was what pushed a lot of his movies. Things you can't really get away with today. That's all I really want to talk about. The only, well, the only Mel like Brooks the movie I saw, the only Sorry, Mel Brooks movie I saw is the one when he did the Robin Hood one. That's when I first was introduced to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> the scene I like is when Dave Chappelle's character, his name is Achu. <laughs> Every time they say. Like bless you. No, no, no. That's my name. Achoo. He's Achoo. talking about um for people not aware, Ashura is talking about Robin Hood men in tights. Oh that I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that ending scene was a what the fuck. All, all this fight over a woman that you can't even basically open the key to whatever fucking underwear is. <laughs> that's not even the key. One <laughs> <laughs> point with the sheriff that they, I know they're trying to rip off I don't know if the movie Robin Hood came first, the one with Karen Costner. If that one came first, and this one's just a uh, ripoff of it, but there's yes. a point, there's a point where he, he they start having modern day weapons, modern day equipment, jackhammers to get rid of that to bust that fucking underwear off that woman. That, nah, 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 nah. You can see her shaking. They even they even stabbed a staff member of the movie <laughs> while fighting. Robin Hood Men in Tights is hilarious, you guys. And like Carrie Ells is in that movie as Robin Hood. And Carrie Ells is also in The Princess Bride. And if you haven't seen The Princess Bride, you have to see that movie. That is a classic that you must see. Oh, you know one one movie that just became a classic like two days ago? Iron Man. <gasps> what do you mean? They just inducted it in the U.S. U.S. The U.S. government had some kind of library, national library, and they just put Iron Man as basically a classic. Oh my God, yeah. I feel old now, no. Cheryl. <laughs> I mean, it's been fifteen years. I mean, it's not that old. It's not that good either. It's just military. <laughs> Iron Man was good. Like crap. Iron Man two. Iron Man one was good. I like Iron Man two. I didn't like the third movie because it was crap. Because I could understand. I, I never didn't know why I didn't like it. Then I realized, oh shit, there's no rock and roll music. Because John Favreau likes rock and roll music in his intros. And the movie sucks. Then you got a weird Mandarin called Trevor. And then they tried to retcon that shit with a a short skit. And then they bring the Shang-Chi movie to bring him back. But why, why did he come back? Oh, well, the Mandarin didn't want to kill him. I like, you know, I, I liked all the Iron Man movies. Um, the first one probably was the best one. Yeah. Terrence Howard was the best roadie. I don't care what people say about Don Cheeto. Don Cheeto to me, like he's he's just boring. Don, Don Cheeto didn't ask for more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I heard differently. I heard it was uh you know how Robert Downey Jr. he was 
all into drugs and shit in prison. And Kevin Feige was fighting to get Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And I, and he, I think at the, uh, Terrence Howard, he got a bigger paycheck than Downey, and he wanted to split that shit. So he basically said, okay, we're going to basically take someone by a paycheck, put it on Downey, and Downey was supposed to back him up on that. And Downey didn't back him up. And afterwards, it became a big split about money. That's what I heard. Yeah, it was about money in the end. I remember reading about that. Uh, Bryant, you're on the mic. What's up? Hey, yeah, uh, just kind of playing off a little bit. You know, Terrace Howard, uh, you know, he's out there scamming Africans now. Say what? Terrence Howard's scamming Africans. He's talking about how he discovered free energy and. Oh, yeah, I heard that shit. Yeah, getting investors in, in Africa and, you know, it's all. Because I was asking myself, is he an engineer or some shit? Does he have a background? No, no he's talking nonsense. There's this uh, video of him at an award and it's, he's almost like he's talking like a like a cult leader, talking about the, the Lotus of Life and how he unlocked it using mathematics <laughs> and Pythagoras theory and uh, free energy and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, you're not you're not working again. I've heard um, that he's not the most easiest person to work with. Just FYI, you know who's uh, who's who's got a movie out today, but I, I want to see it this week before it gets basically put on. Uh, get off the theaters. Uh, Jonathan Majors, Majors, he has a movie called Devotion, and I want to go see that movie this weekend. Who? Jonathan Majors, the guy who's playing Kang. Oh, I haven't seen any, um, I haven't seen advertisement for that movie. Well, it's out now. Um, there, there's also, he's also playing, uh, uh, like some bad guy in Apollo Creed 3. And I, and I, yeah. and I, and I do want to see big, that. I'm not a big fan of the Creed series, not because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Coogler. And basically with Apollo Creed, maybe Roger can back me on this one. But wasn't Apollo Creed like he may have been a a woman's man, but he's there still respected his wife. And in the, in the Creed series, they say like he just banged some random chick, and basically Apollo Creed is like his bastard son. No, actually, in the Rocky series, I'm a Rocky veteran here. I've seen all of them. I know all those movies by heart. In the Rocky series. They don't really tell you much about Apollo Creed's background. When we catch up with Apollo Creed, he's already married. He's a champion. They don't tell you that he could have already had a kid. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, because to me, when I saw that, I'm like, come on, you got got to turn him into a bastard. So you you couldn't make him into, I don't know, his nephew. Yeah. That's that's a good point, but I think the idea was like it's more appealing if he's actually his son. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that was more appealing. But I get where you're coming from, Ashura. I get it. Um, but I like the Creed series. I mean, I think Michael B. Jordan did a really good job with the other ones. Um, but again, like I said, I'm like a I, I love Rocky. I love the Rocky series. Obviously, I think the first one is the best one, um, but I, I just, I grew up on that stuff, man. 
Like, even though it was out years before I was born, like... Which Rocky music has that iconic song, uh, Eye of the Tiger? The first one. I think that's in the first one, if I remember. Yeah, it's in the first one. Mm -hmm. But I went to Philly... And I ran up those steps and I was all proud and shit because I was like, yeah, this is my Rocky moment, bitches. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Now I did those things. I did some of the Rocky things. I did not. And I will not try to drink a raw egg. Sabby not going that far. Why not? Ran up those steps. (laughs) I mean, don't don't like these uh boxers, heavy lifters. They 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 eat raw eggs. I mean, I I don't think a raw egg is gonna kill you. I mean, animals do eat raw eggs. Um, is there a thing called salmonella or something? Yeah, you like can puke thing? from that actually. I don't know. Really? No, Michael's right. Like you can you can seriously puke from like swallowing a raw egg. I love seeing dudes like also die. Eat. Like salmonella is bad. I think. Yeah, don't do that but, shit. Because I've yeah, seen yeah. on YouTube a bunch of these jacked-up dudes basically cracking eggs, basically putting in a glass and mixing milk with it and just shake and just say that's their shake. Yeah, but they also do a lot of unquestionable things like taking anabolic steroids, so I wouldn't really trust them on that. <laughs> yeah, they're also <laughs> injecting things into their testicles directly, so maybe not. I've never understood that shit. Like, what the fuck are you taking steroids for if you're already jacked up? That shit's going to be Because they want to get more jacked up, that's what they say. They'll say, like, well, you know, I'm already working out, and now I can get more out of it. Sorry, that's just what people have told me. Yeah, I mean, when so you're not on steroids, to... there's a limit to how big you can get. With steroids, you can exceed that to, like, freakish levels. Yeah. yeah does I'm, it have to go really into, like, Sorry. does it have to go into their balls? Does it have to be that way? I was mostly joking, but it wouldn't surprise me. Oh. They, they'll do some pretty extreme yeah. things for you know, <laughs> achieving the body that they want. I, I used to basically watch uh, bodybuilder shows for some fucking reason. I guess I was bored. Uh, you, I would watch these bodybuilder shows like these fucking only dudes just fucking <laughs> just busting their, their biceps up. I'm like, yo, why, why would they have a show like that? Watch the show on Netflix called Killer... Hold on. Killer Sally. Watch the documentary on Netflix called Killer Sally. I did see that one. And Sally was a bodybuilder and so was her husband. Watch that if you want to hear about the whole steroid thing. That's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to give you much away. I was like, yo, that, you're too jacked up. I can see your veins. You must be Right, but for, for people who are in like bodybuilding, that's not uncommon for them to do steroids because they want to get like completely cut. Do you think Arnold? Think, do you think Arnold might have, t- might have taken that shit before his act? I think it was actually. I think Arnold did admit did. steroid. He did admit yeah. to it. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he did. There was no yeah, way he sure could have got that big without steroids. Like Not that fast, like, anyway. You don't look at like naturally big. Look at like all. Go back in time and look at like Mr. Universe and look at like who won like the first 10, 20 years there was a Mr. Universe. Those guys would be considered <clears throat> average looking today. Right. Right. You don't get that big that fast without using some type of steroids. Um, and I've known people that have done steroids before too. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to put pimples on your back. Your balls are going to shrink. 
And uh, uh, sorry, uh, well, I don't know who's on the chat now. Sorry to get graphic for people in the chat. Um, I apologize. Some of you may not be used to this, but um, it's true. Like your balls are gonna shrink. I, You're I gonna get angry and aggressive. The ball shrinking thing. I think it's a myth. Balls will shrink. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's because I think it's because your body's no longer producing its own testosterone, or or at least it's not producing it. Um, no, it's true. Normally. I mean, when you yeah. unbalance no, all Ryan's the hormones throughout your body and all that kind of stuff, like all kinds of things can happen. So it wouldn't, yeah, that, that, that was a pretty common thing that people talked about. And like, I've never looked at shrunken testicles, but it seems to be something that's pretty <clears> common. Like, because normally when you take like that shit, uh, uh, t- uh t- what was it? They, they jack them up and sh- they jack them up and shit. They say that later down the line, when you're old, you're basically susceptible, susceptible to heart attacks. Yeah. Yeah, it, it can cause heart problems. Actually, on the show um, All American, I don't know if you guys have seen the show, but I love the show. On All American, that actually happens with one of the characters on the show. He's using steroids, and then later on, he develops heart problems because of the steroid use. It's it's really not, like I'm telling you guys, in reference to like fitness, the um, quick fix solutions are not good long-term solutions like they will cause you to have problems later on and like steroids is is not a good fix like it's it's a bad idea like don't ever do it like i'm just telling anyone that's listening like don't do it it's not worth it but other than the heart problems like what else could a steroid do to you other than that it shrinks your balls it gives you back pimples but the big thing is anger and aggression. It can make you really angry. Yeah, Roy. Like you lose control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there not a, like a, an addiction problem to it? Like if there take- is. Okay. No, there is because you get addicted to it because of the fact like you see the results. Like it will make you build up muscle faster, right? But like, I remember. Don't laugh, you guys. But we'll go ahead and laugh. We had to watch an after-school special. I don't know if you guys remember after-school specials. We had to watch one of those, like, when I was in school, and it was about steroid use. And you know who was in that movie? Ben Affleck. I kid you not. Before anyone knew who he was. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's gone crazy and wild. And then later on, I realized that guy was Ben Affleck. There's a lot of – pretty much every – a Hollywood actor who's in an action movie who needs to look big, they're they're taking something. Ben Affleck doesn't look, he doesn't seem the type. I mean, if he was playing a role, I don't think he would be the one to inject himself, even when he got big for Batman. He wasn't cute in that, in that after school special, I'm just saying. He wasn't cute Ben yet at that point. I'm just keeping it real. Like, he did not look like the Ben Affleck you know right now. No, he was skinny, yeah. Old ben, old ben was skinny as fuck. I, mean, I, I, I still didn't buy him as Daredevil, though. I fucking hated that mask shit they put up on, his, on his face. I think Daredevil should have been... Um... Oh, go ahead, Bryce. Sorry. I will say something that, uh, you know, steroid use is uh, used in medical science, you know, for... Um... I'm trying to think like what it's for, but uh, it, it's used for you know. Uh, I think 
Is it is it the jumpstart your progress? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna have to look it up. Uh, but I mean, it is used uh to help people and stuff like that. But I mean, it's it's never like uh in in abundance. So. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, and I want to say, like, in reference to steroids, and I'll go to you, Lance. Um, there's different types of steroids, too. And I want to be clear, because there's also, like, steroid creams. That's different. Some people have to use, like, steroid creams because, like, they may have, like, eczema or something like that. Like, there's, like, topical steroid solutions and then there's the type that people actually inject into themselves so those yeah, are and there's also oral steroids like um i have asthma real bad when i was younger i had to take oral te- steroids for that you had to take prednisone yeah yeah that's another one too if you have allergic reaction they might give you prednisone too well, most yeah, of the, we got I, way I off. Just like looking months, up, but... you know, to confirm it, that's that's what it's uh, used for. So, I don't know how mm-hmm. it is now, but like back back in the day, uh, if you wanted to get like the bad steroids, you didn't get them from the pharmacy. You had you, you knew someone who knew someone. Um, I think it's still that way. I, I don't know though. Well, Killer Sally got them from Mexico. Yeah, Killer Sally and her husband got them from Mexico. Okay. Um, Lance, go ahead and unmute. Please, por favor. Yo, Adrian. Rocky. Oh, the Rocky reference. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Adrian. Oh, the update. No. <laughs> so that, um, you said you went to the, uh, the building, it's a great setting, right? Benjamin Franklin Parkway, the big island uh, in the middle. At the very end is the steps. It's you know, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's very dramatic, you know, in real life, even more. With the, and uh, so my then girl, I'm a Philly boy anyway, I grew up there. But then later, you know, several years ago, my then girlfriend lived in Philly, and she actually lived next door to that statue, that building. Uh, it's a little ways away because there's the entrance to Schuylkill Expressway, and there's a little the entrance to Fairmount Park, which beautiful park. Uh, anyway, there's like these twin high-rise, 10-story apartment building. Pretty reasonable. She wasn't rich. Neither were her parents. She was from Scranton, but she was working in Philly. And uh, it was very reasonable, apparently. You know, I don't remember exactly what she paid, but pretty reasonable anyway. Uh, living right next door, there's a Rodin Museum. It's a beautiful neighborhood. Surprisingly, yeah, reasonable rent right in the high-rises next to that building. But um, you know who's a god in Philly, though, is Joe Frazier, because he's uh, from Philly. Joe Frazier's like... You know, he's like a, a local god, the real boxer. Yeah. But just so I also know about, like, also, of course, Joe Frazier, Will Smith, DJ Jazzy Jeff, don't forget him. Oh, uh, yeah, Will Smith. Oh, well, I know. I'm proud of Philly, but I don't know. Maybe that's not my proudest moment, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's really from the suburbs, though. <laughs> um, yeah, Kobe. Kobe's from Philly, too, Lower Marion. Yeah, Will Smith was, I think, from the burbs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, um, Philly, yeah. Joe Frazier, yep. And the Rocky, yeah. It, it's a big deal there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that yeah. whole setting, I don't know, it's just a nice uh, museum. 
setting. Can I just say something for people listening that may not be aware if they've never been there? By the way, guys, those rocky steps, they're not as big in person and there aren't as many steps in person. Like in the movie, it makes it seem like there's like a ton of steps he has to go up and it seems like this great accomplishment. I ran up those steps in like two seconds. It's not as many as you think. Yeah. Funny, like he runs up a few and they hit like as if it's like twice as many or something. I don't know. <laughs> Bad cookie said it's just 10 steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not beautiful town. Don't oh, forget by the Boys way, to Men too, Lance. Boys to Men. Oh, right. Yeah. And American Bandstand was centered in Philly at first. It's got a lot of good hip history, you know. It was one of the one of the birthplaces of rock and roll in America and all that too, but yeah. Oh, I know you're a sports fan, football fan, Savvy. Don't I, I do guess it. I'm pretty proud of my Eagles this year. My Don't Eagles just say it. Don't you go there. Don't you do it, Lance. Are you you're not a cowboy fan, are you? Lance, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. So you know. By the way, I hate the Cowboys. How dare you, Lance? I despise yeah. them. Oh, awesome, because nobody hates the Cowboys more than Eagles fans. Now, I don't hate them personally, but the team. I don't have to hate them individually, but I hate the Cowboys. You know. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, will con- I will go ahead and say, I will admit it, you guys are having a great season. Congratulations. Yeehaw. But that's why I'm glad I'm not a Fairweather fan, even when they stunk. And even when they were underachieving under Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. But, yeah. They're, you know. Who's that, Bryce? San Fran. They're going to whoop them. San Fran is probably the second best team in the NFL playing the way they've been playing. Yes. Yeah. Listen. Listen. I'll admit my team sucks this year as they did last year. I'm I'm woman enough to admit that. Well, you know, it's got to happen to the cheetahs. I mean, the uh, Patriots eventually. Yeah. Well, my dad told me he was like, "You guys can't win all the time, Sabrina." And I was like, "Yes, we can." <laughs> who do you, hey, Sab, who do you think you are, the Yankees? <laughs> How dare I you? Loved, I loved. Compare me, compare us to the Yankees. Don't you know that's my greatest rival in baseball, Lance? No, but no, I know it's your rival in baseball, but that's the way the the way the Patriots are. Is the, yes, yeah, no, I get that. Is the way the Yankees are in um, in um, in uh, baseball. They're supposed to win every year. Oh, I have to say this, Abby. One of the sweetest things ever was when the Boston Red Sox, for the first time in any major sport, came back from three. Uh, three games down, and who do they do it against? The Yankees. That was sweet. I hate the Yankees, too. Oh, I hate the Yankees. I love the Mets because I'm blue-collar, and the Yankees are all about the elite, so I hate the Yankees, too. The Yankees, like, they make their players shave their face. Like, they those guys are not allowed to have facial hair. What's up with that? Because they're fascist elitists. <laughs> Yankees. <laughs> Yankees are the, they're the establishment. They're the one percenters. 
The hell with, and the Met, the Mets are the blue collar subway hard hat guys. You know the Mets. Yeah, like someone explained this to me. Like, why does your ability to play great baseball? Why does that have anything to do with your facial hair? Anybody? I think that was a Steinbrenner thing. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't watch sports too much. I buy, I, I pass by the uh, the Met Stadium like all the time. Um, I don't. Every once in a while, I'll pass by the by the Yankee Stadium in, in the Bronx or whatever the case is. Yeah, but I do know they always have good events going on in those Mets parking lots, like concerts, <laughs> all different types of stuff. So that's that's good for me for because I pick up a whole bunch of customers, whatever the case is. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to answer some questions that I couldn't answer when I was driving because there was some questions that people had. One. Well, this wasn't the question. Sabrina, I almost got you a UK person. I got him to the edge and then he changed his mind. The, the customer that I just had was from the UK. So I was like, ah, oh, come on, you got to speak. She wants to speak to someone oh. from the UK. I was like, oh, I haven't, I haven't lived there for seven years, you know, however he speaks, right? So, two, uh, Ashura was talking about he didn't like um, Iron Man 3. So, he didn't like it because the villain villain that Mickey O'Rourke played, Whiplash, was if you read well, it, if you read comics, is a D level henchman character. He's uh, like uh, no. he's just a uh, Ricky uh, Mickey Rourke was Iron Man too. I said I didn't like the Mandarin. Yeah, I didn't like that either. But yeah, that but uh, Whiplash was still corny. Um, and yeah, they they messed they messed the Mandarin up. Three, Eye of the Tiger, Rocky Three. Four, don't try raw eggs because they're disgusting because I got caught up in that too when I was on my exercise kick years, years ago. Um, the four, uh, one, two, three, four, five. I'm up, I think I'm up to five. Five, I think Rocky was based on uh, the guy, I think his name was Chuck Wapner, I, I, but he was based on a real life character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think his name was Chuck Wapner. I believe the name was Chuck Wapner. And last but not least, uh, you know, you talking about steroids. You know where steroid use is is that I heard it was is really rampant. Wait, so I'm gonna stop you for one minute, Roger. You're saying Rocky was the actual yeah. real person? People told me that uh, Stallone just made that shit up. Just made the no, story. no, 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 no. No, that's not I entirely true. Uh, I know Sylvester Stallone has said that. I've seen that before, too. That's not entirely true. It was loosely based off another character. Right, and I think the guy's name was Chuck Wapner. You could just Google it, I guess. Um, But the last one... It was uh, uh, Chuck Wapner, but I I think it was a different guy, but you're right. It was based on somebody real, right, Sab? But yeah, I don't know if it was Chuck Wapner. Yeah, no, no, it it was. was, I was watching... I don't know ESPN years ago, and you know you could like be that. right. He got, he got caught. Up. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you could be right. Yep, yep. So, Sabrina, do you know? Um, you were talking about steroids before. Do you know where um, steroid use is rampant? The D. Take a guess. Go ahead. Dominican Republic. Nope. 
Oh, well, maybe it is, but that, that wasn't the answer. <clears throat> okay. What is it? Give up? Wait Cops. a minute, because Ortiz. What? Cops. Cops? Yeah, I heard that a lot. That steroid use is pretty rampant um, among cops. It makes sense. I don't know. If it's I'm not sure. highly encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting to hear right there, Roger. Especially in the NY, especially the NYPD. Those motherfuckers crazy. I got hit on by NYCB. Let me tell you something. When I used to live in New York City, I got hit on by NYPD officer. That shit creeped me the fuck out. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Wait, when you say when you say hit on, like basically on a date, or basically he just stopped you? He came up to me and said, "You are a very beautiful woman," and I was okay. like, "Bye." Wow, <laughs> what? And I just kept walking. That motherfucker. First of all, I was taller than him because I had on heels, so that was. Like, <laughs> and two. Like that dude came up to me and was just like so bold about it as if I was just supposed to like stop and talk to him. Like that really rubbed me the wrong fucking way. I'm not a yeah. to dudes in a fucking cop <laughs> uniform. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, so, really? Yeah. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. What part of New York do you live in, Savvy? Brooklyn, but that happened in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Yeah, I lived in the East Village. But Brooklyn was cool then. That was where it was all happening. Everything was moving to Brooklyn already. I'm there right now. <laughs> Manhattan was dying. That was in the early 90s. Uh, I have a question for you, Sabby. Did Manhattan you, was dying. Did, did you do this video about the president of, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Dominican Republic? Did you do that story about him? I may have. I, no. That was about the prime minister of Haiti. I think I may have said something about the leader of the dinner. I think I may have said something about the leader of the DR. Yeah, apparently he's he's deporting every black person that is dark, and he's basically deporting yes. them. He's deporting I, them. Yeah, I think I sent you the clip. Yeah, I think I sent you the clip. I did. I did report that. I did report that. Okay, and he was trying okay. to come up with excuses and saying that they're infiltrators. By the way, that's the same excuse that the state of Israel, not the people, but the state of Israel is using against like African Israelites, like Africans who were born and raised in Israel. They're using that same rhetoric against them right now and saying they need to get out. They're using racist language against them. I think I played this on RBN. Yeah, I talked about this, like the racist shit that they're saying towards, like it's not just Palestinians that they're saying towards Africans in Israel. It is so fucking disgusting. Cause I, I find it like so fucking uh, disgusting. Because my grandfather, he would basically go in, basically Dominican Republic, just to, because he lives in Canada, so he would go there and just come to Haiti, stay at Port-au-Prince for a while, and then go to uh, Dominican Republic. And, but this guy basically is a black dude, but he hates black people that are darker than him, and he only wants white people or certain certain type of black people that have light skin. So basically you want someone that's mixed race or you're probably going to go down the line to see if you could find somebody who's like 
lucky enough to be in a, in a dark family, but somehow she came out light, lighter than everybody else. It's it's fucked up. There's a point where they, they you have to know the history yeah, about the DR and Henry Louis Gates. Hey. Like he's an interesting character, yes. but Henry Louis Gates, like he did a whole documentary on this. It's called Black in Latin America, and he went to the the uh, the DR. And he talked to people there about how they tried to whitewash the history in the Dominican Republic and erase the African history and only leave the Spanish history. Yeah, yeah. The, the, one, the one part about it, like, as he's deporting people, like, there are people who have kids that were born there. He said, I don't give a fuck. Go to Haiti. You know, a woman who basically was pregnant. She had to give birth right fucking there in the streets. Well, there was a woman there that I reported about that had um, that had been there for at least six years. Yeah. Because she was pregnant in the DR and she had her kid in the DR and he was five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw that. So she had been there for at least six years. And that's what I was saying before that, like, how the hell are you going to call them infiltrators? That woman's been living there for like over six years. And her kid, if he was born there, he is a citizen of the Dominican Republic, even though she's black. And this is, again, this goes back to the whole apartheid state. They're trying to like, let's push out the black. They say it's not a racial thing, but that's bullshit. They're only pushing out Haitians, Africans, people of darker complexions. And what really upsets me and like, I have a friend who's Dominican, but she grew up here in Massachusetts and um, she's, she's very dark skinned and me and her got into a big argument about this. And I had to tell her one night, I was like, look, like she was just like, I'm not black, I'm Dominican, I'm not black, I'm this, da 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 And she went on a rampage one night, she was drunk. And one night I had to tell her, I was like, look, in this country, when people look at you, when cops look at you, they see your ass is black. So I don't know what to tell you. She was like, well, I'm Dominican. I was like, cop don't see that. Cops see dark skin, and that's what they're going after. And you have to understand that. And you need to tell that to your child. And you need to explain that to your, your boyfriend, even though he's not black. You need to explain that to him. Because, honey, I had to tell her, I was like, honey, you a lot darker than me. And if they're going to pull me, they definitely pulling your ass. Yeah, because I was finding I was finding funny when Latin women basically they use that term say tell I'm Latina, but when you but you're black, but when you use Latina, that doesn't mean that doesn't. They, I think when they say Latina, they think they're white because they got lighter skin, but you're not white. You're still black. Some people might find it attractive to have a black woman with lighter skin than a woman who's darker. Because let's be fair, I don't know if you saw the movie. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, you know the character that was in America Chavez? This is the shit I don't like going with Hollywood. They don't respect the character that much to basically make it a 
to make the character look exactly like in the comics. Because America Chavez in the comics, she's a dark brown-skinned woman. She's not light-skinned. So why did you go get a light Latina girl instead of not give, getting a dark brown one? Because <laughs> that's fucking weird. But that's always being done through Hollywood, Ashura. It's the same reason why they cast um, Zoe Saldana as Nina Simone. And they had to put darker skin makeup on uh, Zoe Saldana because Zoe Saldana is not the same complexion as Nia Simone. So that's always been an issue in Hollywood where they cast lighter skin black women to play darker skin black women roles. I mean, Colorism a, is very rampant in Hollywood. Because I find that fucked that up. Happened. Like, I just, uh, you know, I was so pissed off at that. You know, and uh, I, I had my criticisms about that. Uh, you know, uh, Nina Simone is always, like, celebrated, you know, being a darker-skinned woman. And they cast it like Zoe Saldana. And she got heat for that, by the way. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand Hollywood these days. They still do it low-key. They'll probably say, oh, well, we want to give black women jobs, but you're not being accurate to the character. The character is dark brown skin. Is it because you can't, you don't want to have a dark brown skin in a movie? Or is it because you want a lighter skin woman because it's more attractive? That's the thing, Ashura. And another thing that comes up too, and I hate to say it, but this is something that's been coming up a lot recently, is that they will cast uh, black actors that are not American for American actor roles. For example, there was another Whitney Houston movie that just came out. Yeah, I saw the trailer. The last one on Lifetime was horrible. Do Whitney some justice. I love me some Whitney, okay? Do Whitney some justice. The last one that came out on Lifetime was horrible. It didn't really talk about Whitney's uh, development as a as a as a story, how she got to where she got to. It was all about Whitney and Bobby, and that really pissed me off. And the new one that just came out, people were upset because some people are like, "Why did they pick a British woman to play Whitney Houston? Why didn't they pick an American black woman to play that role?" And that's been happening a lot in Hollywood as well. And some people don't like that either. And it's just like, come on, man. Like I saw the woman, I don't care if she's British, but I saw the woman they cast to play Whitney Houston. I said, that woman don't look a damn thing like Whitney Houston. And let me tell you something. I love me some Donna Summer. I love Donna Summer. She's probably one of my favorite singers ever. Love her. And she's from Boston. They ever decide to do a movie about Donna Summer, they better come correct with that shit. Yeah, I mean, this is why you need to have the family members involved when you make these movies. The reason why the Selena movie was so good is because the family members were involved. So when J-Lo was chosen to play that role, the family members were a part of that crucial decision. And they were like, she's the one. They were very much involved. When they did the film about Aaliyah, when they did the film about Whitney Houston, the family members were not involved. And that's why both of those movies were trash. Love to Love Your Baby was her, right? Yes. And don't forget, not just Love to Love You Baby, but Last Dance, 
Don't forget. Um, she had a whole string of hits. Donna Summers was so great. You know what she was like? Barry White was this like overweight black dude, but he sounded so sexy. It almost made me want to be, stop being straight. You know, I mean, he really was. He was sexy. And Donna Summers had that quality as a woman. You know, she was just so sexy. You know, she was just, she just had it, man. You know, and just so cool. Her persona and her own, everything she was about. Yeah. She just, like when they did Tina Turner's story, what's love got to do with it? They did that shit right. They pick Angela Bassett. Yeah. I, I don't think of, I can't think of anyone else who could have done that role. Like she killed it. <clears throat> they screwed over Whitney Houston twice and they screwed over Aaliyah. By the way, uh, Whitney Houston, she didn't have any trouble growing up, did she? Like she didn't get one of those people just got raped by a, a family member, did she? Who? Whitney. I don't know, Ashura. Okay. In the movies that they made of her, they never talked about her early life. They talked about her and Bobby. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, uh man, he is not loved by the family. I mean they, they love they lost both Whitney and the daughter. Like next 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 year you I think the daughter basically died. Or maybe five I years. I met Bobby a couple years ago. Really? Yeah, I made Bobby mad. Well, new edition is from Boston. That's not where I met him, though. I know everybody says that when I tell them the story. That's not where I met him. I met him actually in New York, uh, Roger. I met him right outside of Buffalo, New York. You met him where the navigation was talking. My husband and I... We weren't married at that time. We were still dating. We were just trying to get some wings in Buffalo. Remember it just like it was yesterday. <laughs> now I'm being dramatic. <laughs> we you was in Buffalo, New wings. York? Seriously. Yeah, we were in Buffalo, New York. We were trying to get some wings. And there were all the hotels inside of Buffalo were booked. We went to that place called Anchor, which is where the original Buffaling was Buffalo wing was made, you guys, by the way. If you want to know where that came from, it came from Anchor Arr. in Buffalo, New York. So we went there to get some wings. Everything was cool. And then our friend texted us and said, no, that's not the best wings in Buffalo. You need to go to this place called Duff's. And we're like, well, look, we just ate. We'll do that tomorrow. There were no hotels in Buffalo. So we went to a town right outside of Buffalo. Begin with the A. I forget the name of it. We were like, we'll stay here for the night. We checked in and they were like, oh, there's like a pub across the street. Let's go there, get a beer or something like that. Went over there to have a beer. Silly me decided I had to pee. I got up and I was like, going to the restroom, I'll be right back. Went to the restroom, came back. Next thing I know, there's some guy sitting in my seat. And I'm like, oh, hells no. Because you guys got to understand the bar was full. So... Are the all the stools around the ball around the ball around the bar were taken, and so I was like, "Why would my husband let someone take my seat?" So I walked up, just me being me. I walked up. Someone was in my seat, tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, "You're in my seat." Dude turned around. That motherfucker was Bobby Brown. <laughs> My husband was talking to him and he said, hey, babe, babe, keep in mind, he was a little tipsy. Hey, babe, 
this guy's name is Bobby and he's from Boston too. And I looked at Bobby and I looked at my husband and I said, babe, do you not know who this is? And he was like, his name is Bobby. He's from Boston too. And you got to keep in mind, Bobby Brown don't look the same. Uh, he's, he's how did your husband get Bobby Brown to sit down with him? He ever told you that story? How he managed to get him to sit down with him? Let me let me get to that part. We didn't get there yet. So Bobby is he looks different. He's bigger. He has some glasses. So I see why my husband would have been thrown off. He does not look the same, but I know that motherfucker. So he turned around. He's looked at me and he was like, "Oh, excuse me." You can have your seat back. And so after that, I just sat down. And I looked at him. I was like, you didn't realize you were talking to Bobby Brown. And he was like, don't look the same. He looked big. And I was like, babe. And I tried to explain to my husband. I was like, well, yeah, like it's years later. I was like, but that was Bobby Brown. And I was like, why did he even come up and talk to you? And he said, because he saw my Red Sox hat. Wow. And by the way, everywhere we go. My husband always wears like a Red Sox hat or Patriots hat or whatever. And some places we go to is not well received. Every actually every place we go to is not well received. We went to Chicago and somebody called us out and said, Hey, look, New England Patriots, the most hated team in America. I was like, God damn. Like he always <laughs> he always wears like the Boston gear. But he got up, gave me my seat back, went to the end of the bar. I got a picture somewhere. I have to find it. I think I put it on Facebook and I was like, there's Bobby Brown. And then he was guarded by his bodyguards. I think my husband tried to get a picture with him, but I think I ruined everything after I said, you're in my seat. Like I was pissed as fuck, man. I was like, I know this motherfucker. <laughs> That's so cool. I was like, get up out of my seat. Uh, fun fact. Uh, uh, like almost got in a bar fight like with a, a Patriots fan from Boston. So like I, I, I know like I said it in the chats. But, you know, that is true. Um, over at this one spot uh, called Rum Runners, uh, that's uh, off of Tropicana. But uh, it's like a pool spot. And I know the, uh, know the owner. And he had to, the owner had to get yeah, in between us so we, so we didn't fight each other. So, but, yeah, like I, 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 I've dealt with like a New England Patriots fans. They're, they're, not, they're not fun to be around with. No, we're not. And, by the way, when I met Bobby Brown that time, that was when his daughter, Bobby Christina, was in critical condition in the hospital. Mm. And so when I post that thick picture on Facebook and I said, we just met Bobby Brown, my friends were commenting and they were like, why is he at a bar when his daughter is in the ER? Mm. Yep. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it, Roger. I'm going to send it to you. Um, the... Uh... Oh, oh, oh. So you reminded me of a couple of things. Uh, so you were talking about um, how, like, a lot of uh, uh, people are playing from other countries, playing uh, uh, Black American uh, 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 people in real life or whatever. Something I just recently discovered. You know uh, Faison Love, right? Yeah. You know he's Cuban? Nope. Born in Cuba, straight up Cuban. Um, also, you was I talking he was, about. I thought he was African American. That's what he says. 
Nah, he's Cuban. That motherfucker lying. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He got called out. He's getting the raw deal savvy tonight. I'm sorry, guys. He, he he got called out by Marcel Dixon when he was talking about, oh, if black people get reparations, they're just going to spend it on he uh, uh, bullshit anyway or whatever. <gasps> Marcel Marcel was just like, shut up, you you fat. I forgot what he says. You fat motherfucker. You don't <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Don't worry about what we're going to spend it on. I got this black Hispanic talking crap and blah blah blah. I was like, oh, Hispanic, and then I had to go look it up. So you know, Marcel Dixon called him out. Marcel Dixon be calling everybody out that's not down with the with the uh, reparations movement. Is is most most of the people that he's calling out are are usually you would think it'd be like you know white people, but it's mostly black people who are not uh, freedmen um, that don't support freedmen movement. But um, I see which, him calling out black <clears throat> parents too, and I don't like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 but but also, um, but I what what I also see him do though is he, in a lot of times that's in reaction to them being anti-black toward us. You see what I'm saying? Like, and and or or anti-freedmen toward towards us. You see what I'm saying? So you might be getting one one side of it, but. What you were saying before about if you do, if you put black in the chat uh, and it blocks you on YouTube Mm -hmm. or something like that, you might want to use uh, words like freedmen instead. Those words Um, are blocked too, are blocked too. Those words are blocked? Oh, probably. Yes, I'm telling you guys, like, let me tell you, Haiti, freedmen, black, Africa. What about African American? African American. All Man, of they're trying to erase us. It's not it's necessarily blocked. that they're blocked, but they're they're heavily suppressed. Wow. I learned this when I took that class. I'm telling you guys, I had to take a class for my job. They made me take this class, and we didn't even end up doing the fucking YouTube channel. I'm just being real, but they made me take this class. I had to do it, and that's how I found out. Like what's suppressed and what's not and there's a whole <clears throat> list of words that are suppressed anything that deals with black culture is suppressed you know what else is suppressed the words migrant latino hispanic and let me be real anything outside of white european culture is suppressed <clears throat> holy crap yeah. youtube is racist <laughs> I'm just being honest with you guys. Like, that's what I learned from that course. And that's why I was like, crap. Like, sometimes I can do it really well with the algorithm. And then there are other times where I'm like, fuck it. Like, I can't avoid putting migrant, like, not in the, because it it's, that is the story. And this is the, uh, this is the woman who was on um, 60 Minutes. If you remember the interview where she, literally said in so many words that they're trying to kick people like yourself off of YouTube and make way for authoritative authoritative media and that shit's not going to work because they are dying the authoritative media 
that some call the MS mainstream media, others call corporate news. I just called BS. Um, and they're going to have to come back to you. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to have to come back to you because mm -hmm. these, these, the, 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 like once Donald Trump was taken off Twitter, it wasn't when he wasn't president anymore. It was when he got taken off <clears throat> Twitter. That's when his power started, his hold started to diminish. Um, and not to mention they weren't uh, covering him as much anymore. Yeah, Donald Trump never had a hold on anything. I mean, well, he had a hold on a lot of people's minds. I, I mean, yeah, so, and he's thirty percent. He, he had the attention. He he had the attention of the media. That's for sure. So he, I mean, he made sure them those ratings. I mean, not that he was doing it on purpose, but he had them their ratings up, and um, you know, so they're you know just like he had. How you got? How you showed the guy with the long hair who was who Don Lemon was interviewing, and you know, like I, I would have, it would have been good if the guy would have challenged Don Lemon, saying, "Well, we're we're not fake news." I would have been dude like, was, uh, "Dude, was acting like like look, dude kind of had the vibe of like I just smoked. Yeah, blood. I'm just here. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Show up." I'm just here to show off my documentary and promote this bad boy, and then yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, he got a little, he got a little, Don Lemon got a little. You know what? Historical fact: I think uh, if you look at the original reference, whoever coined the term "fake news," it was in reference to CNN originally. It wasn't too like like real, like you know, it was it was originally applied to CNN. <laughs> that's who the, whoever first said it was. That's What's the whole like twenty four hour news format? And I think that guy, um, Andrew Callahan, I think he had a point when he said that like, uh, you guys promote divisive content and you divide people and you ramp people up. I think he was one hundred percent right. Of course, that's what John Stewart told them, and that's why they ended that show Crossfire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys are not. You guys are not helping. I'm like, come on. He co-ended that show. I wish I had that type of power. But and I then could, for Don Lemon to push back and be like, I don't agree. I'm like, motherfucker, you got demoted. <laughs> How the hell I'm you gonna, go from prime time to the morning show? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't agree that I don't agree that you're a real black man. How about that? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, Roger. Oh, Ouch. You know, just could I throw something in for a second? So, yeah, you know what? So, way back in the day, there's even something called the Democratic uh, uh the uh, Rochester Democrat, I think it's called. Anyway, you know, papers were either a Democratic newspaper or a Republican newspaper, uh, or you know, they, if they weren't specifically that, they had a definite bias. You know, very, very opinionated, and people knew exactly where they stood. So, in other words, nobody made the pretense that newspapers were neutral, giving you the straight news. Okay, that was kind of a golden era that happened late, before Watergate, but in the 60s, Walter Cronkite and all that. Then it really was kind of, okay, you got, like, neutral news. All right, so now <laughs> what you have is something that's right back to that, where you might as well have – 
the pharma, like, okay, so like back in the day where you had like corn fla- or uh, like you have Geritol or whatever, the logo of the sponsor would be like right on the desk of the people, you know, very openly saying this is our sponsor. You might as well have Pfizer right there. Their logo might as well be on the set of CNN, uh, first of all. And also, or like Ryan Grimm, I'm sorry, Ryan, you can't say, oh, I'm just being a journalist. No, Chris Wallace is a better journalist. And so was Larry King in his milder years, who they knew how to do real journalism and knew how to challenge people. And so now what we have is this kind of worst of both worlds where uh, they're just as biased as way back in the day when it was openly biased in terms of you know the news people had kind of their own specific point of view and everybody knew it and it was open and honest about it now we pretend that it's neutral and uh, and, and straightforward and and and, and giving you just ma'am but it's just as biased as back in the old days oh robert can you, uh, roger can you mute sorry damn i called you robert uh, and not you, Lance. Lance, unmute. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was—I pretty much made the point, right? I was done, you know. So it's like, it's just crazy, guys. Like, let's just go back to the days when, yeah, we're sponsored by these companies and these are, this is going to be our point of view and the other people are going to have their point of view based on their sponsors or, or just, you know, uh, be honest about it. You know, in other words, at least Fox says we're giving you the alternative conservative point of view when we're biased in that direction. So yeah. what? MSNBC just say we are biased towards the democratic liberal established, you know, not established, you know, uh, a point of view that because I mean, I think people have at least a modicum of respect of Fox for at least being way more open about the point of view that they're coming in with at the so-called neutral MSNBC and, you know, CNN used to at least be a little bit that way, but it's more pathetic on that side than I think it is on the right. That's a good point, Lance. Like, why not just be open about it, right? Because I think that's the thing. Like, Fox News doesn't hide that. They're really open about the fact, like, yeah, fuck the Democratic Party, right? So CNN, uh, they they, they kind of do that. But you're right. MSNBC does not really make that clear. Also, Lance, you have to remember, Joe Scarborough is a Republican. Don't forget that. Everybody, do not forget that. Joe Scarborough is a Republican. Yes, he's on Morning Joe with Mia, but he's still a Republican. And you need to know where Mia comes from, too, because last I heard, let me look up, hold on. Because Mia's family, I think think her dad was part of the... Oh, go ahead. Was that sure? You called her Mia. It's Mika Brzezinski. Mika, Mia, whatever. Shit. Uh, But I think Mika, isn't she... If I remember, her family... Her dad was a Democrat or basically a senator. senator. That's what I thought. Wasn't her family Democrat? Like a part of the party? Yeah. Yeah, her dad worked for uh, President Carter. Mm. Mm-hmm. As some type of foreign thing. Also, I'm going to put this in the. What happened? Uh, He cut off. Oh, we lost you, Roger. Balls. By the way, are you on? uh, Are you on a day off, Sabby? You're basically going beyond your night, your bedtime. I don't stream on Wednesdays. Okay. No, no. I, Wait, I tomorrow is Wednesday, right? Is there something uh, I'm missing? 
Let's see. I, I don't think. Yeah, tomorrow's Wednesday. Yes, tomorrow is Wednesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. So, yeah, I was wondering, like, since normally when you leave, say you got work. See, now. I'm off on, I'm off on Wednesdays. Sabrina, you're not from New York, but you know East Coasters here, man. You know you don't go to bars till midnight. First of all, you, you're out till four a.m. So you know we're, we're used to stay. We're used to staying up late over here on the East Coast here in the Northeast. I lived in New York City. I, I did the thing, but let me tell you something, Lance. New York City is nothing like it was when I lived there. Okay, when I every time I go back to visit New York, if I go to the Village. Why are these bars closing at like two? When I lived in New York, they did not close at two a.m. Three a.m. Those motherfuckers are still open. Four o'clock. Four yeah, still open. Like not anymore, Lance. Wow, man. When I was there, they were starting to gentrify heavy, heavy, and the, the begin. It was the beginning of the end. They hadn't quite turned Times Square into Disneyland yet. I was there during the Dinkins administration, but uh, the right the handwriting was on the wall. And but man, there was some great, great, famous, famous bar downtown Beirut, Beirut, the Village Idiot, which became Coyote Ugly. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Coyote Ugly, Liliana. I knew the woman who started that. She created that from a, a slimy, piss smelled, puke smelled, amazingly great bar on first ave at like uh eighth uh like 10th street called the village idiot which was right next to the original beirut and it was a place to party they had a straight up country jukebox nothing but country music on it total country music jukebox and it was just a wild drunken oh my god crazy we used to close that place at four in the morning isn't that a move isn't that a movie it's a movie based okay. on the bars, the real bars. But, but the bar was like one of the best dives ever in the history of stinky dive bars. It was great, called the Village Idiot. And it moved to the West Village, but when moved to Greenwich Village and Liliana, I helped break into her apartment one day because she didn't have her downstairs key, but the downstairs doors are always loose. It's your apartment door that has a steel trap door on it because you don't trust the people down the hall, let alone people coming in from the street. Anyway, but yeah, so she was just a bartender there. She took the concept of the country bar because that's what this place was right in the East Village in the 90s, but that's what made it cool. It was just a country, you know, jukebox and uh, just a crazy drunken place. And the guy would say, if you're not here to drink, get the hell out because it got well known. And these New York NYU students would come in kind of posing along the walls and not really drinking heavy and making the place more packed than it was already. And he'd be like, he literally would say, if you're not here to drink, get the hell out. I mean, pouring drinks down people's throats all, all night, free, free, strong mixed drinks all night. It was crazy. Crazy, but fun, fun place. And she took that concept, cleaned it up, got backing, and the rest is history. Became, you know, made it into a super successful like chain, just based on the idea of a country bar, hip country bar. But that's where she took it from was this place down on uh, 10th Street, First Ave in New York City, the Village Idiot. But there were so many great bars, punk bars. They had like punk jukeboxes. Place called Lucy's. Oh God, there was so many great bars. I gotta tell people this, Lance. So it's not the same. Like I've been to a couple of Coyote Ugly bars. I went to the original one in New York, like you just mentioned. It's not the same. The best Coyote Ugly bar I've been to recently has been the one in Nashville. And when I tell you, you go to that bar, 
you will meet any and everybody. Because like Nashville is the biggest growing city in the East. My husband and I went there. I saw, I don't know how many bridal parties go through that bar and other bars in that area. But that one is the best one. The one in New York, it's not even the same anymore. Like last time I went there, I was like, what the fuck happened to this place? So I think, again, to Lance's point, gentrification has changed a lot of things. Oh, my God, yeah. Can I make a funny joke? It's a yogiism. I'm not making a joke. I'm just repeating a yogiism, talking about a restaurant in New York. He says, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Which sounds contradictory, right? But that's the way the village idiot got. That's the way somebody's restaurant, a restaurant sometimes like it's great for the restaurant. But if you live in the city, like Bobby Flay is a famous guy, even him, but all these places, they're great and they're inexpensive, but then they get a New York Times favorable review. And it's a line around the corner when you can just walk in anytime without a reservation. So like, you know, like New <laughs> so it's like, yeah, when things be, get too famous, then they get to be either just ruined the concept or but gentrification, the gentrification in New York. They're skipping the – oh, my God. I'm sorry, but like, don't get me stupid. Originally, right, the whole punk rock scene was in the divey areas of the East Village and CBGBs. But that was really part of the art scene. And when I first was hanging out in New York before the 90s, a lot of limos were pulling up to these graffiti laden buildings in these uh, in the in the Lower East Side, and that's where a lot of the art scene was. Remember, Keith Haring was before Basquiat, and all these funky street and graffiti artists were getting famous. And it was a real cool art scene that eventually went to Soho and became Tribeca and multi bazillion dollars. It started from you know funky street artists and the whole punk rock scene. That was the and then it got gentrified, you know, and then, and you know the rest is history. But it's like now. They take over like decrepit neighborhoods that were like, you know, just abandoned or just terrible. And they don't even have like, it's not even artists move in and fix them up and then it gets gentrified. They're just going in and bulldoze, you know, whatever they're doing, getting people out and just going right to the gentrification. There's, there's, you know, I mean, that's inevitable. It happens, right? But at least there used to be a stage where it was like the cool, hip, you know, starving artists take over to poor parts of town. Then the rich people realize that the hipsters, that's the way it always was when I lived there. All the great clubs, the, all the clubs that were listed in like the New Yorker magazine, they were all in the Lower East Side or downtown, downtown Beirut, the Pyramid Club, uh, uh, the Rodeo, uh, what is it called? Uh, 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 or whatever it was called, uh, down in the, uh, what was, you know, like kind of Soho-ish, but funky, cool clubs. They were all downtown. After all the rich people from the Upper West Side and the Upper East Side, they are all coming to the East Village to all the cool clubs. And, uh, you know, there was even the bar in, um, in, um, in, um, what's his name there? Uh, Crocodile Dundee. That was right there next to, uh, Tompkins Square Park, uh, Avenue, uh, Avenue C and 7th Avenue. That bar was right there. I used to go there all the time. And, you know, so that's, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a shame, but we, that whole concept, it seems like it's gone. I don't know where it might be happening where cool neighborhoods are being developed and then gentrified, but it's like, we're, there's no art scenes. There's no cool scenes to start with. It's just, it's sad, you know? It's just not the thing. It's, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I was in New York like recently, um, like three months ago. Um, so I, it's just not the same. Like it's, it really isn't. I don't. This is why I I so cringe at the gentrification because 
it kills the actual culture that was there and it really bothers me and um sabby don't like that <laughs> i'm just sorry like new york is so different now brooklyn is so different now it's not the same what the hell i go to williamsburg williamsburg used to be a european uh community for the most part why i go to williamsburg there's no european people there anymore it's just all been gentrified by people from different states across the u.s and it's all like luxury condos and apartments now what the fuck happened to williamsburg i go back to avenue j and east 15th street where i lived in brooklyn and defaro's pizzeria is still there thank god but defaro's is like fucking expensive now what the fuck i used to go here and get a slice of pizza for like three fucking dollars why i gotta go here now you know it's like i can't get a slice now i gotta get a whole pizza i'm just one person what the fuck when y'all bring in tables you guys didn't have tables before you selling wine now why you got wine with the pizza we just supposed to come in here stand up get the slice of pizza eat our pizza with no fucking seats like every other pizza place in new york and that's how it fucking is why we gotta have these chairs and tables and shit now what happened to the guy mr defaro who was the only one who would touch the pizza why we got his son and his his daughter touching the pizza when it was only supposed to be him and he's still alive somebody explain this to me so it's just yeah. so many I, things Cat, Katz's Deli. I lived about four blocks from Katz's Deli. Walk in and get a you know nice big thick sandwich for eight bucks. Then it went to fifteen bucks like the minute they had that scene in the movie. And then it's like they they again it got so crowded now nobody. It's true. Um, I see Bryce and Ashura. Uh, no, I, I was going to say that uh, uh, that uh, I have the luxury of you know being in Vegas. Uh, and like uh, the bars here are 24 hours so like none of them really shut down so uh it's unfortunate to hear that you know all of your bars like shut down way too early so take it out take it out that's what i want to say what do you no, mean they don't shut down bryce explain this to me it's 20 it's 24 explain hours explain this to us east coast people like it's 24 hours it doesn't it doesn't close down like it's uh because the casinos like are open all the time like you know, uh, they don't, uh, and like a lot of like uh, the bars that are here, even like uh, uh, the stores here, like they have a uh, casino slot machines in it. So, what? Yeah. You know what we need to do, Sabrina. I have I have a game plan. I, okay, here it is. Now you know we've talked about this, right? You know this because you know your you know your stuff and all that about how Bernie Sanders is kind of part of it. But back in the '60s, a bunch of hippies, a bunch of people, lefties moved to Vermont, took it over, and turned it from solid Republican to Democrat and then socialist. Basically, that really happened, right? Um, also, they say that in the 2022 why the Democrats did so well. A huge reason was during the pandemic, a bunch of rich liberal types moved to red areas because they didn't care about the politics. They're rich people out in their own enclave anyway. And they just voted and turned enough of these really uh, cut swing districts that would in a wave, not even a mini wave would have gone Republican that were swing district, but they, you know, they were just, you know, so they were bright red and, and they, enough pandemic uh, fled uh, liberals moved to some of those reddish districts and 
turned them uh, bluish and uh, helped the Democrats not get a bath and helped them win the Senate. Well, not the Senate, but so much, but, you know, make, keep it close in the House. So why don't we just take over like Scranton, a bunch of liberals, take over a city and go in all a bunch of artists and, 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 and worker co-op types and just take over some medium-sized town that's half abandoned, like one of these Rust Belt cities, and just take it over, you know, part squat and part buy, you know, not just all squat, you know, and but we'll buy some stuff and just take over one of these towns that nobody wants anyway and turn it into an art colony <laughs> that's the same thing that cynthia mckinney said actually um that's the same thing yeah. she said to me when she came on last time she said why don't we all just take over one of these towns that like get out yeah yeah same thing. Well, they do that in Amsterdam for a while. Remember the big squatter thing? They took over huge sections of town and just whole big buildings and just lived there. And but see, Amsterdam is base as fuck. Like you gotta understand, Lance. Like Amsterdam is so fucking. They got fucking bike lanes, and we have bike lanes in Boston and Cambridge and stuff too. But like they got bike lanes, like one, two, three, four, five. Like they have multiple bike lanes. Oh my god! Like, they're keeping it legal. They've been doing that shit for years. Yeah. Even when I was a kid, even when I was a kid in Germany, like it was not uncommon to see people. Oh, let me get on my bike and bike to work. We are behind yeah. in this country. We're behind yeah. when it comes to biking, when it comes to public transportation, when it comes to car rent control. In this country, when it comes to rent control, you're right. Like we're totally behind. So I'm just like healthcare. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but you know, Savvy, Amsterdam, when I was there, right? And you had people that were with alligator briefcases in three piece vested suits on bikes. Because you can't ride a car most places because it's so tiny. What they did is they expanded out and still urban, but the roads get wider, but they never widened those inner core of streets. So you just can't get around unless you're a little Citron car that the cops use. But it's just so impractical. They just never made it practical for cars. So it's just easier. It's like 10 times quicker to get around on a comp- The whole country's flat. There's no hills in the whole freaking country. So it's like, you don't have to worry about like having a bike with gears. So you can get anywhere on a flat, regular, no gear bike. They're just free. You ride it, you drop it off, you pick up another one. It's like they just ride them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, uh, in Berlin, they just did a real rent control thing. Remember, they took over, they kicked out all the landlords and said, no, we're just going to take over some of these buildings and you're only going to make so much and uh, we're going to make it into public housing or I don't remember the details, but Pretty recently, in the last year or two, they did that, I think, in Berlin. Sabrina. I squatted myself. I squatted for 10 months to save a Go ahead, Roger. My customer agrees with everything you said about Brooklyn and New York City and gentrification. Someone's listening to me right now? You know my customers always listen to the show, Sabrina. I don't know if you always got split in the car. Oh my God! What did I say? I'm thinking about what I said. You was talk. I'm in Brooklyn right now, so you was talking about you know gentrification and 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 uh, the the life in Williamsburg. She's from you know one of those places. And, okay. You know, she she was How agreeing with. In the car, Roger. Uh, I don't know. Um, twelve Roger. minutes. Okay. So she didn't hear none of the sex stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> she heard it now. She's laughing now that she's saying that. <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. You guys, Rome was talking about, like, Rome wanted to do, like, a sex talk show one time, like, just on Rockfin. It would have to be just on Rockfin. Um, I think Delilah came on to talk about that, because Delilah is so open and cool as fuck. Like, I love Delilah. And I was so, like, happy to meet her in person. You guys haven't gotten to know Delilah. Follow Delilah on Twitter. Um, she was a Green Party candidate for governor in Texas. She got like 30,000 votes, you guys. Like, Delilah's like fucking awesome. Follow her. Um, but anyway, I'm gonna have to start asking Roger, like, if someone's in his car. I'm getting kind of worried now. Always assume that people <laughs> are in my I'm, car. I'm, no, I'm thinking about all the things I said in the past 12 minutes, what I say. What I say, what I do. Right here? What I say, what I do. <laughs> she's getting out. She's, uh, she's, she's saying, have a good night. Have a good also, night. Also, I wanted to tell you something, because I think I was talking, and then the app went crazy, and, and I think it might have uh, uh, cut me off, or whatever the case was. But I was reading... Uh, I'm going to put it in the chat again. Put a link. Boom. There it goes. But I was reading something about what Walter Cronkite said um, before he died. Okay. Um, and part of it was, uh, uh, can you still hear me? Because I went back, I went to the article. Can you hear me? Yep. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. God. The former CBS anchorman cared not just about the next story, but about the future of reporting in a country where was known for the better part of a half a century as the most trusted name in news. So it should come as little surprise that what worried Cron Cronkite in the last years of his life was the collapse of journalistic quality and responsibility that came with the increasing dominance of news gathering by a handful of media corporations. I think it is absolutely essential. Uh, what's that damn ad? Freaking ad. Okay. I, uh, well, you got a freaking ad. I think it is absolutely essential in a democracy to have competition in the media a lot of competition and we seem to seem to be moving away from that concrete told me the last time we spoke about media issues the definition the the, the definitional american anchorman who was night died at age 92 recognized that americans would also need diverse and competing media outlets with the resources and the skills to re-examine issues from a variety of perspectives and to challenge entrenched power. Concrete has almost, by definition, an old media man. He covered World War II, the Nuremberg trials, the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the assassination of President Kennedy, civil rights movement, the killing of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the space race and the first moon landing and Watergate in a career that his successor in the CBS anchor, Dan Rather, said was characterized by a passion for reporting and journalism. And, you know, it goes on and on. But I put it in the, in the chat. So, you know, in case anybody want to, you know, check it out or whatever the case is. Yeah. Awesome. Without, without getting too into, can I, you know, Roger, um, not to get too in the weeds at uh, two o'clock in the morning, right? This is for more of seven o'clock in the evening, but interesting. William Paley, I read a great book once called uh, CBS uh, Reflections in a Bloodshot Eye. It was about the whole history of Edward R. Murrow and CBS, uh, you know, uh, talent, you know, uh, not just news. 
they had a lost leader. In other words, Paley was dictatorial. Paley was like he went on longer than he probably should have running the place. Like, you know, instead of just being the chairman of the board and going off into the sunset, he tried to run it into his 90s. But he would till never allow the news. He did some good things, though. You know, one of the moguls, but any real mogul. He would never allow the news division to worry about making money. He was going to make sure that they got the story out. And sometimes it was straight establishment news, but there was still good editorials here and there and everything and Cronkite himself and all that. And he always made sure it was really professional. They did CBS set the standard for the entire news industry. Everybody else had to follow their lead because it was just the most professional, straightforward and Cronkite and going back to Edward R. Murrow and all the greats and all that stuff, you know. And it was, of course, Clinton. There used to be, I went to telecom, O&O stations, networks could only own five stations nationally. So, of course, Washington, mm-hmm. Chicago, L.A., New York, and wherever. So only five. Now they can own as many as they want. Also, private equity firms could not just own local newspapers like they do now and rip them apart. Also, I'll stop with this one. For, there's a million examples, but radio stations had a rule. There was a rule. You had to have a physical person in the studio if you're broadcasting. So in other words, now you have these automated, but also one person in, and that's what they do in New York now. They'll have our local news now. They'll do like a local news, then they'll, they'll stop that. That'll come to us. They'll do local news for 10 minutes to another city, but it's all done from Albany. So they'll do 10 local newses. They don't have 10 uh, people in 10 cities. That used to be a law. If you're going to do local news and you're going to project that you're doing locally, you have to have someone in that studio actually doing it. And now they got rid of all those rules. And now we have conglomeration of not just national news that we get, but also local news being obliterated or owned up and soaked up by fewer and fewer corporations and all that stuff just, you know, it wasn't because they just got cleverer in how to do Mark, you know, it's because, well, mostly Clinton, you know, they just ruined all those rules and allowed it. That's why I say, I'll finish with this, we got to get back to a print revolution. Let's just start getting back and printing stuff and distributing leaflets and mailing people mailers and, uh, you know, not just online with Substack, but like print. Yeah, and I'll finish with this. Um, I want to say, Roger Meadows, thank you so much for everything that you've done in reference to the ballot initiatives and putting all that stuff down for me. Like I told you guys tonight, like Roger Meadows documented all of that stuff. I'm just reading it and interpreting it for you. Um, But he did the, the, the work. And Roger, I told you before, you could take all that shit and put that into a book. Like you have so much <laughs> knowledge. Like, uh, no, I'm serious. You have so much knowledge. You can take everything that you have taught me and what we've been talking about, and you can put it into a book and you can do your damn thing about ballot initiatives. Like this needs to be your thing. You need to make sure you take hold of it and make it your thing before somebody else takes your information and makes it into a book. Won't be me. Because I'm writing about something else. But you really have educated me and a lot of other people about this. And all I'm going to say is this. is like you make sure you get your damn credit. Because I haven't been in this space for a long time. But I've been here long enough to know and to see that people will take your ideas. And they'll write a book about it and make it their own shit. Don't let that happen to you. You do not have to be like some scholar to write a book anyone can write a book and you can do it my a friend of mine from high school did it 
and published their book on Amazon and like it took them like a month and they took their ideas and they said I got a book I'm about to do it and Amazon was like okay go and they pushed it to print and he's doing an amazing job and he graduated from high he has a high school diploma he didn't go to college and he took what he learned from his practices that was my friend I told you that went to go work in North Dakota and was like yo they got more jobs than people up in this piece that was my friend I was telling you about and he mm. took what he learned and he put it into a book and he wrote a book and he's doing very well now so all I'm saying is like take that shit and roll with it we can talk later but okay. I just want to say thank on. you guys so much we'll continue <laughs> again um, on Thursday Chris Hedges will be there so we'll talk about that on call in. I got more to talk to him about this time, especially since it's after the midterms. And I'm going to ask Chris Hedges about the local, you know, initiative. Like, can we, what can we do on the local level? Like, what do you think about this? Da, 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 da. And I'm going to talk to him about those things. I didn't get a chance to talk to him about it last time. But He's I will from Maine. He's from Maine, a ballot initiative state. Mm. He is exactly so. That's why I'm saying. That's why I'm talking to him about this. So we have a lot in common, and we'll talk about that on Thursday. But other than that, guys, it's getting late. It's past my bedtime. I know he I didn't make it to the five-hour mark. I know some people were like, "Can you make it to five hours?" <laughs> but Thank you. I do need to get to bed. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, guys.